Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. We're back. I didn't expect this kind of uh, hiatus, but I kind of did it to myself by bragging on the last show, which is April 25th, that I have not been sick in 2018, which, which I had not been. It was the truth. Unfortunately, you know what happened. <laughs> you know what happened uh, just three days later, I woke up with a sore throat. And I had a cold, which would not go away very quickly. It's not even completely gone right now. It's mostly gone right now. Good enough for me to do the show tonight. And tonight is May 12th. That is tonight's date. Saturday night, 9.30 p.m. Pacific time right now. 12.30 a.m. Eastern time, where Calwatt is located. Welcome, Calwatt, to the show. Druff, what the hell was that intro music, man? You don't remember this? I mean, I think you're old enough to remember it. <sighs> I, I, I kind of remember it when I was like five years old. I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That was Disco a big hit. Star Wars, really? Yeah, it was a big hit in 1977. It really was. This was not like so a, a niche song or, or or some YouTube person doing this. This was really a big hit in 1977. Yeah, did you see the hair people wore back then, too? I mean, come on. Well, you can look at the hair people wore at any time and laugh at that. I'm mm-hmm. sure people will laugh at our hair now in 20 years. So, Not mine. Oh, yeah, except except for those who don't have that much. <laughs> actually, I, I, I can actually hide it from most people that I'm missing hair, because unless I'm sitting down, or unless the person's very, very tall, they can't see that I have no hair on top anymore. Oh, you shaved your head? No, it shaved itself. Oh, no. See, I shaved my head. But anyway, welcome to the club, however you got here. Yeah, but but like you ask the average person who's seen me, and they will believe I have like that I still have my hair, which I have most of it, but they're on top is missing. You just can't see unless I'm sitting no. down or unless you're very tall. No, now you got hair in the wrong places. <laughs> well, that too. Okay, so, yeah, I was sick for uh, uh, quite some time. It's... Uh, I'm plagued by colds that tend to last a long time sometimes. I have a very wide variance in cold symptoms when I get colds. Sometimes it'll be very minor and gone within a few days. Other times it'll be terrible and last a really long time. This one was kind of average, at least by my standards, but it lasted a very long time. So I got it on April 25th, and uh, the show was April 25th. I got it April 28th. And I actually was not even healthy enough to do the show this past Wednesday. So uh, it's been exactly two weeks since I got the cold. And it's still not 100% better, but it's most of the way there. Good enough to do the show. In fact, it was planned for yesterday, at which point I decided, hey, this is a good night to go to a Dodgers game. So I took my son to the Dodgers game. Dodgers lost 6-2. to two. Wasn't a very good game. Probably would have been better if I just did radio. But uh, Calwatt, thank you for showing up here at uh, 1230 in the morning. And I can, Gary. I'm I'm going to last about as long as a 15-year-old would. You know what I mean? I don't think I'm going to be here too long, but uh, how does my audio sound? Does it sound all right? Yeah, it sounds all right. Sound, uh, if you hadn't mentioned it, I would not have noticed anything. Now, now that you mentioned it, I'm going to kind of obsess over it, but I'm going to pretend well, you didn't ask that. Well, I'm going to uh, – the same – the setup should be the same. So I mean, it sounds I've got the similar same to me, yeah. sure mic and everything, but I'm I'm in a different office now. Okay. Now it sounds fine to me. All so right. we're going to get Trader Ruski on shortly, and maybe he can last a bit longer and, because it's uh, three hours earlier for him, and there's a free roll going on right now. Just started three minutes ago. Eric Benzamokin was very generous. In fact, he was so generous, I asked him to dial back his generosity. I actually told him, "Don't give me money." 
because these free rolls on Saturday. What the fuck? Well, I'll, let me explain here. Uh, <laughs> I'm in it. I'm in it. Put the money back in. <laughs> let me explain here. On on these off nights that are, especially the ones where the schedule is really jumping around, where it's not well announced in advance, which this one wasn't. Like we changed it at the last second. First, we've changed from fr- Wednesday to Friday, then Friday to Saturday. So, and also we haven't been on in in, in quite some time. So. Whenever we have a show like this, the live audience kind of sucks. And also, it's starting later. That's another reason the live audience is going to be a bit lower. So I, I didn't want to have like a monster free roll and then just have a few people in it. I felt that's not a good use of the money. So uh, I actually told him, yeah, don't donate as much as you were considering donating. But, uh, you know, we, we came to a, a different figure, which is still a very generous figure. And then uh, the money that wasn't donated this week will be donated in a future week. So, oh, I thought you were going to tell us that the money that didn't go in this week, so you were going to uh, put it in your party fund. You know, my party fund. You mean for pers- a personal party or a poker fraudler party? Well, the 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 personal party fund that oh, okay. you got. You know, the way you've been skimming off the top of oh, these. I, that's not a party fund. That's just that's just going in my Jew wallet fund. That's that's that oh. fund. Okay, that's that's what I was confused about. I'm like, I'm not partying with it. I'm just keeping it. I'm Jewish. That's that's what I got to do. Okay, so uh, it's 170 dollars this week. 100, actually, 170 dollars and 15 cents this week. And following the recent changes we've made to how the prize money is distributed, it's going to be top heavy, and there's not going to be any prizes under ten dollars. The prizes are as follows: a cool hundred dollars for first, second place forty, third place twenty. And fourth place is $10.15. The money came from $100 from Eric Benzamokin. As I said, he wanted to give more, but I told him, hey, let's just stop at 100 this week. <laughs> so save your money for a week we have more people. Uh, 442XX gave $20.15. Dr. Peters gave $13. Lim Donk Bingo gave $10. Reno gave $20. And Gordman gave $7. So six different people donated this week to add up to $170.15. Thank you very much to everybody who donated here. 140, 20 and 1015 are the four prizes on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It started 3 minutes ago or 6 minutes ago, but you can get in until 9:55 Pacific Time. 25 minutes of late registration is what that is with a full stack. In order to qualify for the free money, you must know the rules and follow them. pokerfraudalert.com/freeroll PokerFraudAlert.com slash freeroll, all lowercase, exactly as it sounds. That's where the rules are listed. In addition, you must have a validated and approved account by Belly Buster, the poker room manager on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. Don't don't ask me to interfere if he doesn't validate you. You have to talk to him. And once you're validated, then uh, you should stay validated unless you piss him off. But that needs to be done, and that is... The new procedure in order to prevent any kind of colluding or chip dumping or things like that by dummy accounts. So, totally free. And as always, I can pay you in real cash, such as a bank transfer, such as Bitcoin. Uh, If you want to find me at the World Series and I happen to have cash on me, I can give you some cash in person. Uh, Not doing checks anymore. I know it says check on there, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. i got to re- remember to remove that from the template. So no checks anymore. Got to get into the 21st century. But I may pay you in another method that you might be able to think of that's been around for almost 20 years that people can send money to one another. You may use it to pay for uh, auctioned goods. You can think of what that service might be. It's not Venmo, by the way. I don't 
have Venmo. I'm too old to have Venmo. But it's, it's something else, similar. And, There's uh, no age cap on that, man. I, I know. <clears throat> and, I anybody just, can sign up. It's kind of like Instagram. I just I just feel like I'm too old for it. So <laughs> now, The reason I think that about Venmo is like the first time I heard about Venmo was from someone who was in their 20s. Hey, can you pay me on Venmo? I go, what's that? And then they tell me. And then every person who asked me about Venmo is under 30. So I finally asked one of them, what's this about Venmo? Oh, yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of people my age are using it now. I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm not your age. A lot so, of people in the poker community are using them, using it irrespective of age for reasons you can probably understand. Yes, well, that's correct. Yeah. If you, uh, you you can't be too ageist when you need to transfer money between each other when these services don't like that. So that's the free roll this week, $170.15. If you're listening live, you should really get in that free roll because there probably are not going to be that many people because it's a Saturday night. We didn't announce the show very much in advance. It's late. The radio. There are at least two massive fish in there too. Two massive fish. The, the, um, the, myself and Trader Ruski are both flopping <laughs> around in that thing. Well, so. since Trader Ruski is uh, alert enough to play the free roll, let's see if we can add him to this to this show. Then uh, this way, if you fall asleep abruptly, or if you do one of your trademark uh, "gotta go, guys, bye" and just drop off, then uh, he's here. And get him. Anyway, uh, while we're trying to get him on the line, we're going to go through the agenda, and then we'll get going here. Trader Ruski, hello. What's up, boys? So good to have you here. And I, I'm telling you, I hope that the lingering cold symptoms do not uh, make it difficult for me to do a show as long as I want to do. Whenever we haven't been on for a while, the show tends to run long. But I, I don't know if I'm going to quite have. The, the level of energy necessary to do the very long shows that you guys are used to, but I'll try. I will try. And also tomorrow's Mother's Day, so I, I can't stay up as late as I normally would stay up, but we'll get everything done. We will get everything done. So uh, here's the agenda for this evening. I'm going to tell you about the World Series of Poker pieces that I am selling. I've decided I'm going to do it. It's in the process of being done. I'll give you all the details. There are pieces left as of the broadcast that's being recorded right now and you know get to me quickly if you want to buy them though because uh, since we don't have much time left before the world series starts what i will do if we don't sell out as i have every other year but uh, if i don't sell out this year what i will do is just open it up to others who i capped at their four percent stake in me to buy more if they want so get to me quickly if you want to buy pieces but i'll yeah, tell you more just go to tastystakes.com that's right? true. Yeah, you can go to That's where you listed it, and I, you click on packages, and just type in Druff, and it pops right up there. And I, I I'm looking at it right here, Druff. Yeah, and I, I, haven't updated, um, I got a couple I, questions about it actually. Well, I, I haven't. So updated how, how come all you're people? playing nothing but seven card stud tournaments? Is this? <laughs> well, I, you know, you got to get a new specialty. You got to evolve with the times. And uh... is it because this is how the the best purest form of poker that will you know save the poker world? Is that why you're playing it? <laughs> Yeah, that, and uh, I, I heard that uh, cash game antis are going to be really big. Mm, that's, uh, interesting. Game, well, no it's an interesting choice, man. Yeah. Interesting choice. But anyway, go check it on tastysteaks.com. I haven't added all the people yet who have uh, bought pieces of me off the site. I'm going to add that manually myself, but you can also just uh, add yourself. Better do that. <laughs> add, add yourself manually on, uh, on Tasty Steaks, and uh, if you don't feel like it, then you can just contact me directly, and uh, I will add you. But that's a good place. You, to- you should add yourself, though, because... Otherwise, people can can book up to the amount that you've got open there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I will. 
I will. Yeah. But uh, I, I was thinking that earlier today, and then I got on with other things. But anyway, I'm going to tell you more about the 2018 World Series of Poker package I'm selling and give you the details there. Another <laughs> another story which is not getting much coverage and really should get a lot because it's not just about poker, but this is something that really is going to affect Las Vegas if it happens. On June 1st, there may be a major strike in Las Vegas, a labor strike by the culinary union, which could cause 50,000 workers at Las Vegas hotels to go on strike. As you might imagine, that will wreak havoc upon the city, including the World Series. So we're going to talk about that possible strike that might be coming up in Las Vegas on June 1st. I, I don't want it to happen because I know there are tons of people out there that would be inconvenienced, but the asshole in me would just love to see it. <laughs> That's kind of how it would I be feel. Such a shit show. That's kind of how I feel. I'm like, I, I want to see the 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 fail. I, I want to watch the train wreck in front of me, but then I go, crap! I'm going to be in the train. Wreck. I'm going to be on the train. Right. I'm going to be there on June first. So I, I, that's why I don't want to see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't wish inconvenience on all of the people that are going to be there, but it, it still would be kind of entertaining just yeah. to see what what the hell they would do. Yeah, that's they have I, so many people there for the the World Series. Like, what the fuck? I, I, they, I guess they would bust them in from somewhere i mean i don't know it's it's very str- i don't know what's going to happen so we'll, we'll see that's that's something i'm paying close attention to but it's getting very little coverage very little talk about it right now in vegas but we'll talk about it on this show a controversial situation on life at the bike a run it twice situation gone bad the hansen kid was not involved in it but he was sitting right next to one of the two people who were involved he was involved in the beginning of it, but not the controversial part. But uh, uh, we're going to play the portion of Live at the Bike that was relevant, discuss what happened, and I'm also going to play you the Hanson Kid's take on it. He uh, did a, a show of his own where he discussed this, and I'm going to play a clip of that. And uh, we'll talk about it ourselves and uh, the whole thing about running it twice and how binding is that? We will... The Skull saw that in that segment. Gordon Vio, the runner-up at the 2016 World Series of Poker. Didn't exactly play a great heads-up game, but uh, nevertheless, he finished second for a lot of money at the uh, 2016 World Series of Poker. Otherwise, uh, has a good reputation as far as being a good player. Like He's not a fish. He just uh, he just kind of uh, didn't have his best game on him at uh, the heads-up part. Anyway, G- Gordon Vio is suing poker stars over money, a lot of money, that was confiscated by poker stars due to him allegedly playing from the United States, which is not allowed there. So we'll discuss that lawsuit and whether Gordon Vio is in the right morally and whether he's likely to succeed legally. Phil Galfon has given more details on his new poker site that will... Yeah, it's already open for beta, but uh, will be open for real money in not too long. And... It's drawing a fair amount of criticism, including some from me. So we'll discuss what he has announced and what I don't like about it. And that will lead us to our next story, that he had a defender on there. He had someone who uh, was very much in his corner, Phil Galfond. Keep in mind, I have nothing, no problem with Phil Galfond. I just uh, didn't agree with the way he's, uh, with some of his plans for his site. But uh, someone who came at me pretty hard on there, on 2 plus 2, in the discussion thread, was none other than Mason Malmuth. 
who every May just seems to get a bug up his ass and wants to attack me. So uh, last year, the bug up his ass involved a lawsuit that didn't end up happening, but a you know, lawsuit threat, shall I say. No lawsuit was filed. Uh, we, we got that whole thing squared away. Uh, I was unbanned on his site as part of the whole agreement. And uh, now this May, he's just bashing me on his forum. So uh, he even wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny if there's some kind of cyclical thing in his life <laughs> yeah. that just causes him to... To not be in a good mood around that yeah, time of year, know. I mean, I don't know. Something happens to take it out on you. Something with May, but uh, we should we should plot this to see yeah, like when he to. decided to sue Dutch Boyd and all these other things. I, you know? I can't wait to see what happens to me in May two thousand nine involving nineteen. That is probably something that happened mm-hmm. in 09, too. So anyway, um, I have actually quit two plus two over this. He didn't ban me. I actually just quit. I was just you know what, F it. I'm not giving your <laughs> I'm not giving two plus two free content if this is the way to be treated. So I took my ball and went home. I'll tell you about that and. Uh, why I believe this is happening. America's Card Room. What is going on there? They had some downtime. There was some belief that they were just going to be gone completely and run off with everybody's money. Now they're back. Now they're running normally. They're processing cash outs. It's like it all never happened. But what is really going on there? We'll have a discussion about that. Of course, we don't have a we don't have information that no one else does. That we're just going to speculate what's going on there, but. It is worth discussing. When you place a sports bet online, you never know if you're going to get paid if you win or not. You you have to hope the site, the illegal site that you're betting on, is going to pay you. And hopefully you're smart enough to do it on an established site like Bovada or Bet Online or one of those. Even five dimes, they don't have the best customer service, but at least they've they've paid people. The big ones usually pay, though you still never know. Just one day you could wake up and they'll have run off of your money. I have never once placed a bet online, Drew. Am I going to be booted off the show? No, no, no. You can just... Uh, that, that can be the point when you just disappear from the show. All right. But uh, but when you place a bet at a Las Vegas brick-and-mortar sports book, you got to be pretty confident if your bet wins, you're going to get paid. It's, it's regulated by the Nevada Gaming Commission... It's, the last thing you worry about when you place a bet with a Nevada sports book and you make sure your bet is exactly as you wanted it to be. Like if you make a mistake or they print the ticket wrong, you don't notice, then it's tough luck on you. But uh, if, if everything looks good and you win the bet, you would think you get paid. Not so. Some people did not get paid despite winning a bet at William Hill sports books in the state of Nevada on a specific bet. We will talk about what happened there. And very, very shady on the part of William Hill. And Nevada Gaming did have to get involved. Remember the lawsuit between Aussie Matt Kirk and King's Casino owner Leon Sukernik About a heads-up match where Aussie Matt loaned a very drunk Leon to play him heads-up. And Leon was demanding the loan. It wasn't like Aussie Matt was manipulating him to do it. Leon, uh, Aussie Matt was actually saying, "Hey, I, yeah, I think you're too drunk to stop playing." And Leon's like, "No, you, you're going to loan me money, or or, or I, I'm not going to play you again." So then uh, Aussie Matt won, and he didn't get paid because Leon claimed he was cheating, which he very clearly wasn't. It was just Leon's way to uh, rationalize to himself. Uh, why he didn't really lose. It was like an ego thing. He has the money to pay, but if it, if he can claim it's cheating and not pay, then he can feel like he didn't really lose. That was our analysis when that was going on. So Aussie Matt sued him. And then we kind of stopped hearing about it. 
there were there were some rulings. Most of them kind of went the, the initial rulings kind of went against Aussie Matt because uh, uh, it, it was considered an unenforceable gambling debt. And then it didn't complete. It seemed to not be going very well for Aussie Matt. And then we kind of stopped hearing. So I have an update on what happened with that, and more importantly, this this one's very surprising. Aussie Matt, Leon Sukernik, and various other high stakes players played poker again. For high stakes, so the, the two of them play poker again despite everything that happened. Amazing. And the results of that poker game are also fairly interesting, which we will get to when we get to that segment. The World Series of Poker is only a few weeks away, and when you show up to play the World Series, if you're one of the people showing up for it, you will notice that the chips are different. They have changed the World Series chips. And not just because they've gotten old or they're afraid of uh, eventual counterfeiting or people stealing chips and sneaking them out and sneaking them back in, which are Did all good reasons. They down a toilet uh, pipe now? Or? Yeah, they, they, they didn't find anything in the toilet. No, nothing like that. But, and those are all good reasons to change chips, but believe it or not, chip collectors, there's people who just collect chips, actually tricked the manufacturer of the WSOP chips to make chips very similar to those and that caused the world series to have to replace everything so we'll we'll talk about that interesting story which uh very few people have heard about in fact it was only brought to our attention by someone in that chip collecting community who thinks it's kind of amusing and i agree tony big charles aka seven card 2003 on twitter very strange guy uh admits that he has asperger's uh, plays mostly low-stakes poker and subsists on a low bankroll, but also will occasionally play blackjack at higher stakes or even mid-stakes poker. That that Asperger's, is that the same thing that Kate Hall has? The, well, she has? She, she's at full-blown autism, not just Asperger's. Oh, autism. Yeah. Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, Tony Big Charles, we've talked about him a few times on the show recently, and he's even posted a few times on Poker Fraud Alert. He has been... Kind of flipping out recently. Like we, we talked about him a few months ago when he was kicked out of a casino. He was losing blackjack, and we talked about him where he started saying that he hopes the place burns to the ground and stuff like that while he's at the table, and they threw him out. He didn't get arrested or anything. Well, this time he got arrested because he wrote some disturbing things on his blog that made it sound like that uh, he could end up being the next uh, Las Vegas shooter. So he could be the next Steven Paddock. So uh, he didn't say that specifically, but uh, I will read you what he wrote and tell you about how it led to his arrest for terrorist threats. Miami John Cernudo recently tweeted that he witnessed a stupidly ruined $78,000 bad beat jackpot. This wasn't one where the casino screwed anyone. This is where the players screwed themselves by talking about the hand during the hand, not when the whole thing was over, or just about over, like happened at the stations, but you know, actually during the hand and influenced the action. So a seventy-eight thousand dollars bad beat jackpot at four-eight limit hold'em was ruined thanks to that. And I, I don't know what is sadder, and we'll talk about this when we get to the segment. But I don't know what's sadder between the two: uh, the fact that four-dollar, eight-dollar limit hold'em players ruined a seventy-eight thousand dollars bad beat jackpot by not keeping their mouths shut. Or that Miami John Cernudo was actually at a 4-8 limit hold'em game to witness this. 
<laughs> really is proof that most poker players go broke. He has three bracelets, by the way. Finally, the former Trump Taj Mahal and the former Revel, both of which have been closed for some time, are going to reopen on the same date in about a month and a half. Under new names, under new themes, under new ownership. I'll tell you about these two Atlantic City properties, large properties, that will be revived on June 28th, and will they succeed? So that is our agenda for this evening. It is hey, Jeff, before we before we get into the topics, and I don't mean yeah. to cut you off, but I do have uh, one thing that I w- kind of want to bring up, if it's all right. Go ahead. So what is it, what are you doing on June 2nd this year? June 2nd. Well, I'm going to be at the World Series. Let, let me take a so look. So you're going to be, you're going to be in Las Vegas, I will, right? yes, yes. Okay, so I, I've been discussing this with Brandon. We believe that you are going to be participating in the world record attempt that is happening on June, June 2nd this year. Huh. You know what I'm talking about? No. All right. Well, I mean, I guess you, hopefully you don't mind. Um, but they're uh, they're holding on June second in the in Las Vegas a world record attempt at breaking the world's largest orgy in human history. <laughs> I didn't know. For about, real. I, you know, I just no, they, I, I just looked up what I'm doing. I, I bet this is at night too, right? Um, it's four p.m. to six p.m. Oh, so you only got okay. two, you only got two hours of orgy. Uh, you know what? I, I could actually make it because. I see that at 8 p.m. Could, could actually make it or are making it. Which one? Well, I'm just hearing about this, so I, I had to make a decision at some point. But at 8 p.m. on June 2nd, I will be in a very exciting mega satellite for Omaha 8 or better. It's not quite as exciting mm-hmm. as an orgy, but that's that's where I'm going to be at 8 o'clock. But we're going to have to get visual confirmation on that to make sure you're actually in that satellite and uh, you're not in the room with these people. So they're trying to break the world record, <clears throat> which is held... Uh, by an event that happened in Japan in 2006, Japan. where they had 500 people, 250, 250 couples, um, that all you know just took part in uh, in an orgy. And it, you know, I, I saw some of the pictures from it, <clears throat> and it's not really like an orgy. It's just like a lot of people in the same room that happened to be kind of having sex together, not together, but with each other for the most part. Um, but yeah, they're trying to break it. Um, you can go to sincityplay.com slash world record and you can see it. But hold uh, the on, funny hold thing on. that I thought about it is that if you want to register, if you want to register as a couple, it's 250 bucks to join up, right? Yeah. And if you want to register just as a single woman showing up, it's 25 bucks. Why isn't it free? I would think that'd be free. How can they be charging? Uh, you know, I don't know. They got to cover they, something. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the limiting factor there. But go on. So what's the last part? The single man. And, well, then, and men. What do you think the price is for men to show up? Do you think it's like the? Do you think it's going to be like the uh, women's event? Yes. In, yes. In I think it'll be like, like I, a thousand times. Yeah. I, well, no. I think it'll be like a thousand dollars. Nope. Single men are not allowed. That's believable too. I was going to say before you you gave these prices. I was going to say, since you mentioned 250 couples, mm-hmm. I was going to go, oh, okay, this is probably only open to couples because whenever they announce this sort of thing, every perv comes out of the woodwork and wants to do it. So, right. And it's always like single male creepy pervs. And so they, the, the limiting right. factor is women. They don't have enough women willing to do it, especially single so, ones. 
Yeah, I mean, so you know, women can show up single if they want to, and this all makes sense. Like, I don't, I don't have any issue with them deciding to do it this way uh, because <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but but men and women are 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 different, and especially are different in, with regard to to sex and this kind of thing. Um, but it's really funny. It says, are single males allowed? No unescorted males are allowed at the event. Well, that, Sorry. Shuts, me out. that shuts me out because <laughs> Benjamin's mom won't be there. So I, I, I'm going to be a single man for all practical purposes there. So that's, no. that shuts me I can't but do here's, it. Here's the loophole. And I was thinking about this. You could just like pick up Trader Ruski and say that he's your, your gay boyfriend and show up. It doesn't, doesn't say you got to go with a man. <laughs> or sorry, you got to go with a woman. Right? And I, I really wonder if anyone is going to try and like kind of game the system in Th- that this, is this true. regard. Where, Th- does it, that's true. What are they doing about the gay thing? What if what if a gay couple, a gay male couple wants to show up? Are they are well, they shut out too? And again, here's the thing. Like this this is not like you show up and you get to stick your dick in anything that's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, the, apparently the the way that this works is that um you're you're going to be having sex with your partner, and then only if someone says, yeah, okay, or you know, acquiesces to it or whatever, do you then do anything with anyone else, which makes sense, right? I mean, it makes sense. So it's mostly going to be just couples showing up there and deciding to do something uh, a little bit fun, you know, whatever. That's why, I, that's why I'm shocked and, that the $25 for women, why put any barrier to entry since so few single women are just going to, like, come over for right. this? Why, why not just say single women free? Why? Why I don't get it. Yeah. And it's also only two hours long, so it's not like, I don't know. It's not like you're going to be able to have sex with tons of different people anyway, even if they wanted you to. Um, but I told my wife about this, and the, the first thing she said was, she was just like, oh, that's got to smell terrible. <laughs> you know, like, and, you know, I mean, I guess she's got a point. Yeah, you got that does. many people in a room. I mean, they're, they're going to be people farting and, you know, all sorts of other stuff. Um, but the interesting thing, you ever see the movie Eyes Wide Shut? Uh, uh, Tom Cruise was in it. And, no, I, I didn't see uh, it. Know, I didn't whatever. See it. I know so part it. of part of that is the movie is that there was some weird like underground sex cult type thing, um, and that's what they're doing for this one, like to avoid because there's going to be media there, like everything's going to be filmed. Um, everyone is going to be wearing. It's going to be masquerade style. Right, so everyone's going to be wearing a mask. Oh, really? You're going to be wearing nothing but a mask. So, what mask are you going to wear, Druff? Can you just choose any mask? Like, could I like get a Donald Trump mask and put that on? I'm assuming. I mean, that would <laughs> that would definitely kill the mood, though. I mean, Jesus Christ, that'd be horrible. But yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I, I just found this fascinating. I wonder are they are they going to rent out like a convention center or something like maybe, that? Maybe one of the unused uh, rooms at the Rio that day. It it very well could be. Now I, I was also then thinking that this is happening right in the middle of the World Series of Poker. Um, and you know, in addition to the fact that you're going to be there, I just thought it was relevant to bring up to the poker community. Um, you know, this thing is going on. So if any you know the polyamorous types that are listening to this that want to go, uh, you know, bring their five girlfriends down there. I mean, it sounds like uh, the place to be. It may actually you know? be your chance to have sex with Kate Hall. Maybe she'll be there. <laughs> That's, you know, no offense against her because I'm sure she would turn me down too, but I, I'm just not really interested uh, well, I, in that. I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you personally. I'm saying that the, oh, the okay. listener. Not, not, I thought you were making it personal. No, no, I didn't think you were going to be there. I just uh, I was speaking to the audience here. 
Did you did you go to the website for this thing? No, no. I'm I'm just uh, I, I was too right. busy looking up the the mega satellite element. So, all right. All right. Well, hold on. Let me let me let me just put the 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 link in chat for you just to look at it real quick. Okay. Okay. But now, because here's the other question, and this ties into one of the the topics tonight. What happens if they're doing this massive orgy where they're going to try to have over 500 people, and the service industry goes on strike? And there's no, you know what I mean? And there's no clean towels or food or, you know, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like, it could be horrible, right? Yeah. That, that may be why they're going on strike. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why they picked June 1st. They're like, we're striking June 3rd. We're striking June 3rd. Oh, wait, uh, take a look at this. We're striking June 1st. We're striking June 1st. Yeah. Well, I mean, because what they're saying here, and I, I don't know exactly who is going to be going on strike. If you're saying culinary, I'm assuming it's just food. No, no, no. It's and, everything. Is, it's everything. It's everything. Okay. Yeah. So here's what they say. So one of the questions there is, you know, what about STDs, comforts, cleanliness, et cetera, et cetera. They say, we hold ourselves to the highest standard in creating a welcoming and intimate environment for you. All participants in the world record attempt will receive complimentary condoms, lube, hand towels, hand sanitizer, and sexy swag. The play area will, <laughs> I know, right? I can only imagine. Um, the, the, the play area. Uh, we'll have all the finishing touches you expect, including clean, comfortable play furniture and easily marked waste and linen disposal. Now, if they really do go on strike, I mean, won't this really be even worse of a train wreck than the World Series? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at these. I'm looking at the front page here for the world record, and they're showing like a girl with a mask on and a guy kind of in the background with a mask yeah. on. These are like masquerade party type masks. They, they don't really mask your face very well. I don't see the – if they, these are the masks they're going to wear, it's kind of pointless. I, I right. was thinking you're going to wear a mask that covers enough of your face to where you're not known, which actually isn't even a bad idea. So if anyone's embarrassed about being seen there or whatever or, or just kind of shy, that can kind of help them get over it, that no one will ever know who they are if they see them around town. But uh, if it's these well, things, I, it's not gonna I think the basic idea is, you know, just kind of something to to cover your face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, but it's not covering um, much. That's my point here. Well, well I mean, you know, there are going to be pictures and there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on. And I'm sure they're not going to be super close up pictures. So this kind of a mask probably is enough. You know what I mean? Well, I, I don't know. I don't that's, know. Uh, I, it, so are you are you or are you not participating in I this? I can't. Thing? I'm shut out. I, I can't do it. I mean, I, I have a feeling. See, these are the two problems here. Number one, I have a feeling if I show up with Trader Ruski and attempt to get in here, if you know, pretend to be a gay couple, that they're just going to turn us away and say, no, that's not what this is about. Second of all, I'm afraid that if I convince them to let us in, I'll be forced to have gay sex with Trader Ruski. That's even worse. So. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so you're, what are you saying? If Kawat was there, you'd be okay with it? I, no, I didn't say that. I just, I just saying independently. Independently, I, I, I have to say no to that. Independently, you're really I, taking this polyamory thing a little bit far. I think. I, I, I have to say, I, it's just a place I can't quite go. Not yet. All right. So, so, so Trader Ruski, are I you did, interested in this thing? I, I am not. <laughs> You're not. But draft, but draft. If you do want the poker frock, fraudler cock rings, I'll need to know by May 25th. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> to get so, them done. Maybe that's a sponsorship opportunity. You know, promotion. So here's here's the thing. Like I was, I was actually thinking about this thing, and I was like, well, you know, it looks kind of interesting. But then I was looking at the reality of it, and if it really is, like, I saw some of the pictures from the the Japanese one, and just like, you know, 500 naked people in a big like convention hall, right? 
And I'm, I'm thinking, like, uh, first of all, that's not sexy at all. No, it's right? not. And, but I'm still thinking, oh, well, you know, the, the thrill of it, I guess it would be kind of, you know, might be kind of fun or whatever. But then I looked at it, and it, it runs from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., and I'm wondering what I'm going to do for the next, the, the extra hour and 50 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> and I, I, I guarantee you, I, I'm making a joke, obviously, but I guarantee you there's going to be some people there that the, the guy's going to nut in like 10 minutes and then he's <laughs> going to be standing around like, all right, you know, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> so you want to just uh, sit here and talk for, for two hours? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, hey is, is that the rule though that everybody has to stay there for the whole? Two yeah, that's hours? a good question. What if people are, like jumping up and leaving? What if it's kind of like a? You know what it kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of the shootout tables at the World Series, where eventually, like, you know, first the whole room's full and people slowly clear out, and then you know certain right. tables get empty, and eventually it's like one or two tables left. So, like, if can people just kind of file out of there, or or you are you stuck there and you have to say, hey, I'm done here. Anyone else? Uh, anyone else here? A premature ejaculator? Anyone else going to come over and talk to me for a while? <laughs> Well, I don't know, but if you click on on from that website, if you click on the the link to the Japan one, you know they got the pictures and they're all just standing there, and then there's pictures of all of them, and it really like it's pretty much like actually I don't see anyone in this picture that is doing anything with anyone else. It looks like uh you know couples on a mat and they're just banging each other with you know 250 other couples, and then there's a picture at the end that has kind of all of them together. Well, actually, you know what? I don't know that it's at the end. Maybe they took it to be in the beginning. You know what? They probably did because it's all females in this one picture. That's very smart of them. So I bet you're right. I bet you they can just, you know, you can go in there. You, uh, you know, punch the clock. Say you're in there. Do your business and uh, just kind of shuffle out, you know, and whatever, whatever couples are left, you know, after two hours of being in there, like my hats off to them. That's fucking impressive. I like the front the front page of this thing. It's like showing some sort of like lesbian thing in the front. Like that's not what this is even about, though. That's not. It's it's so misleading. This is not. Uh, it says Menage Life presents Sin City Eight. Something I don't know what yeah. eight means, but uh, it's the eighth time they've done it. Oh, I okay, guess. I okay. But and then, then they're going for the. I, I just put in the link to the Japanese one in there. I you know I'm, I'm being an idiot. What what am I thinking? What, Every guy that goes in there is just going to take a Viagra or a, what's the other one, Cialis or whatever. Yeah. And and they're just going to have you know they're going to have perma wood and they're just gonna, yeah maybe that's what you have to do. Go at it. Maybe that's you what know? you have to do. Yeah. All right. I, I think I think we have to move on to their, our real discussions, our real topics. All right. I'm sorry. It's uh, I'm glad you brought it up. It's it's something the public needs to know now, about. Now you can make alternate plans, but no, it really does dovetail well. Because it's right in the middle of the World Series, <laughs> and it's right when all those people are supposed to go on strike. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's a, it's going to be a far-reaching strike uh, affecting many people in many industries. So we'll get we'll get to that as our second topic or our third topic. Our first topic, one a bit less exciting, but uh, necessary. After a lot of thinking about it. I decided that I am going to offer sales of pieces of World Series events that I'm playing in 2018. And in fact, what? We lost Trader Ruski. One second here. I'm going to add him back here. He got excited. He had to go rub one out. Yeah. I don't know what happened here. I know what happened. Let me add him back. Uh, But as you guys remember, I was... Not sure whether I was going to do it, 
I, I was going through the pros and cons in my mind as to whether or not it was a good idea to... Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, whether it was a good idea to sell pieces or whether I should just take the burden upon myself to play the entire schedule of events on my own dime. And I, I really did kind of struggle with that decision. There are pros and cons each way. I decided ultimately what I was going to do was I was going to remove the 10K events from being sold. I've never sold the main event before, but I am playing two other 10K events this year for the first time ever. Usually I only play one, other, which is the Limit Hold'em, but uh, I'm playing a Limit Hold'em and an Omaha 8 or better 10K, and I decided to take those out too and just put the rest of the events, which range between $1,100 and $3,000 buy-ins, into this package and sell those shares. And, and mainly just because I'm trying to kind of keep it recreational where uh, you know, I'm selling maximum 4% each to people who uh, just want to have a small piece of me during the World Series just just for fun. Just And that's what I want it to be for fun. I, I don't want to feel guilt or pressure that I'm going to really let someone down for, for serious money if uh, if I, I don't make it. Now, so, so and when I say someone, it's not that I would be opposed to ever having someone you know, buying a, a larger piece of me. What I'm saying is what was kind of stressing me out a bit in the past was uh, just the thought that so many people had – you know, this much money invested in me. And I just made, it, it felt like I was letting down a crowd of people every time I busted. And it started to affect me somewhat. And I said, I don't want this affecting me. So that that's part of the reason. And uh, there's other reasons I won't bother getting into. But this is what I've decided. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my decision process was. It only matters what I'm actually doing and whether you want to be part of it. So I'm actually going to be playing more events this year than... Any time in the last uh, eight or so years, and this wasn't really on purpose, it's just the way the events were spaced this year. There were certain events I wanted to play for sure, and then once I'm there, I might as well play some other ones uh, that are nearby in, in date. So, you know, it happens to add up to more events. And here is the list of events that are in this package. And these encompass every single event and satellite I will be playing, aside from the 310Ks. May 31st, which is actually the Seven earliest... Seven cards done. Close. <laughs> it is kind of close. <laughs> May 31st, I'm, it's going to be the earliest I play the World Series in a long time. I, I've been coming in mid-June for the last like five years. But uh, May 31st, I'll be there playing event number four, $1,500 Omaha 8 or better. June 2nd, the day of the orgy. I was going to say, this is a remarkable coincidence. I'll bet you. I'll bet you that for some reason you're going to be unable to play this tournament on June 2nd. You think maybe I'm going to say I'm sick and everyone gets their money back? Something like that? Mm, I think so. Not only that. I think you might take a, a, a pass on that one and go join in the orgy. Yeah, not, not only that, but uh, this one's not even reported on, so maybe I could just pretend I play it, uh, TJ Kluge yeah. style. Okay, yeah. so uh, June 2nd, 8 p.m., the a mega satellite to the 10K Omaha 8 or better for $1,100. Now, to, to be clear, this is going to be treated as a cash payout if I end up cashing here. So if I win a seat to the to the 10K event, which I'm playing regardless, 
you're not going to get a piece of me there. You're just going to get the cash equivalent. So if I win a seat, you're going to get $10,100. You're not going to get that, but that's going to be the prize, and it's going to be distributed uh, whatever piece you have of me. So if you have uh, you know, 4% of me, then you'll, you'll get uh, a little bit more than $400. You won't get any piece of me in the next event. So it's being treated as a cash event. You're getting full value on it. Uh, but I just want to make that clear. June 5th. 11 a.m., I'm going to be playing one of those awful Big Blind Ante events, <laughs> Big Blind Ante uh, No Limit Hold'em event on uh, event number 13. I didn't actually plan for that to be the case, but uh, they changed the event to be a Big Blind Ante event, so I'm not, I'm not going to quit it for that reason. I'm still going to play it, and I'll report back on my experience with it. So the $1,500 Big Blind Ante No Limit Hold'em at uh, June 5th, 11 a.m. Then we're going to have 11 days off. And on June 16th, I will return to the World Series to play the mixed $1,500 PL08, 08, and Big O event. That's 3 p.m., event number 35. I did play it last year. did not cash. I think that's going to be a good event. It was. It was a good event. I didn't run very well, but uh, it was a good event. I was, yeah. When I busted on the... You know, I actually remember. I have, I have these weird things where I remember places where I was at when I had discussions. And I remember talking with you about strategy for some of these games, and I was walking around a park. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did consult Calwatt because he he played yeah. a lot more of those games. And since then, in the last year or so, though, I've played a lot more of these, so I uh, I, I have more experience uh, with it now uh, by a wide margin than the last year. So event number nice. thirty-five, uh, those three. Uh, that's uh, June sixteenth, June seventeenth at eleven a.m. If I don't make it to day two of that one of the of that mixed event there. Then I'll be playing the $1,000 double stack No Limit Hold'em, which is exactly as it sounds. You just start with a bigger stack. June 18th, if I don't make it to day Wait, two. when's that double stack drop? I thought that was on... It's the 16th and 17th. So I'm oh, the 16th and 17th. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm probably going to play in that yeah, one, I'm, too, I'm unless the, I'm still in the seniors event. Yeah, I'm playing the seven on the 17th. So On the 18th, uh, I just a regular old 1500 No Limit Hold'em. At 11 a.m. On June 20th, 1500 Limit Hold'em. The event where I always seem to have the chip lead in mid to day, mid to late day one. And then uh, varying things happen. Either I don't cash, I min cash, I bubble, or I get the chip lead again with 42 people left and go out 40th. It's always, it's always one of those things. So uh, last year I was the stone bubble boy. Last year I, in that event, I, the first event I played at the World Series last year. And, I busted on the bubble, then they announced it, and I, everyone got to cheer as I was walking out dejectedly. I, I love the cheering as I'm walking out. That was a really, really nice way to start the World Series. So uh, June 24th, another mega satellite, this one to limit Hold'em. June 26th at 11 a.m., 1500 uh, PL08. It uh, has one re-entry possible, but I'm not going to re-enter. Uh, one and done. Just like at the orgy. Yeah, just like exactly, just like at the orgy. I'm glad one and on done. Your, I'm glad that's on your mind. June fifth. Oh, sorry, July fifth. I'm taking a break between. After that, I'm taking another break. J- July fifth. I come back. Uh, uh, sorry, there's there's something that happens in between that. The main event's happening in between that. But uh, if I bust the main event early, if I bust on day one. Then on uh, July 5th, I will hang my head in shame and play a $1,500 No Limit Hold'em event. Which you, you can laugh about that, but that was my best finish ever was an event like that. In 2006, I finished fourth in a after-the-main-event 
$1,500 No Limit Hold'em event at the World Series. July 9th, my final event, $3,000 Limit Hold'em 6 Max, yet another event that I always seem to run up a big stack and then chunk it off before cashing. So that uh, that's my list of events that I'm selling in this package. The ones I'm not selling are the main event, the Omaha 8 or Better 10K, and the 10K Limit Hold'em event. Those are not part of this package, nor am I selling them, so please don't ask. I, I always get people asking, I always get people, think, people saying, oh, come on, can you sell me that? Just, just, just give me up 1%, give me 2%. No, I'm not. I, I just, I'm not selling them. They're not for sale, so that's the way those yeah, go. Yeah, so in, the, in this current package that you have here, I'm looking at it, it looks like $100 will get you half a percent, right? Yeah, so the, so this works out very evenly. So what I what mm-hmm. I happened to notice was that this is a $16,700 worth of total buy-ins. And what I noticed is half a percent of that is $83.50. But then when you bring the markup into it, I multiplied it by 1.2 because I always do the 20% markup. It was like $100.20. So I lopped off the 20 cents and just made it easy to where every $100 even gets you half a percent of me in all these events combined. Uh, mm-hmm. So technically, it's nineteen point seven six percent markup. Believe it or not, lopping off the twenty cents actually takes zero point twenty four percent from the markup away, which is surprising to me. I, yeah, I remember you asked me. So for people that don't know, I'm the one that created the Tasty Steak site. Um, so I remember Truff sent me a text saying, "Hey, can you make it so I can make the percentage? You know, some crazy four decimal point thing." And I'm just like, <laughs> my reply to you was, "What? No." I just said no. Yeah, you just said nope, not happening. <laughs> and you're like, why not? And no, so the, the, the real reason is, like, I'm sure it, it probably wouldn't be too bad to go in there and do it, but I just honestly don't have the time to deal with any fallout if it ends up breaking anything. You know what I mean? So to that I said back, okay, well, then I want my money back. Well, yeah, but okay. So the site has been up for four years now, I think, um, and – I, I'm not even collecting any free roll money that I could do anything on. It's completely free. It's been free for four years. There's no ads. There's no bullshit. There's no nothing. Um, and if you want to know more about it, we did a podcast at some point where we talked about it more, so I won't go into it much. But the one thing I will say is that if you want to uh, buy a piece of Druff, what I would recommend that you do is register an account on there. And the reason is that you'll be able to see um, your payout dynamically as Druff enters tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah, and, um, and right. Whereas if you don't create an account on there, I mean, you can still, you know, message Druff and have him at it, but you're not going to be able to see any real-time info in terms of, you know, how much you're winning. If, if Druff, you know, binks one of these things, you're not going to know what your actual payout is. Whereas if you have an account, it will automatically uh, show you your exact payout and what it's going to be for it, which is kind of nice, you know. Yeah. So... So, so yeah, it's very simple. $100 gets you half a percent. I call it one share. One share is not a percent. One share is half a percent. So I'm selling 80 yep. shares, which is 40%. So you get uh, for $100, you get half a percent of me, considered one share. And when I say half a percent of me, I mean whatever I cash, that is what you get total. And if I don't play any of these events, which is probably going to happen because I'll make a day two somewhere, and then you know I'll miss that next event. So whatever right. I don't play you will get a full refund including the markup. So it'll be as if it was not on the 
list of events to play in the first place. So you'll get the full refund with markup from whatever I don't play. Uh, whatever I do play, of course, the money's gone forever if I lose. And whatever I cash, you get that percentage of it. It's, it's that right. simple. So if you and want... The, and the site also calculates that. Yes. You know? It does. Like if you if for some reason he doesn't enter an event, he just marks it that he didn't enter it, and you'll see it on you know displayed on your payout that your refund that you're going to get. Yes, and I can take payment in various ways. Uh, pretty much the reverse of the free roll, you know, where I send you money, here you're sending me money, but the, those same type of methods can be used, like a bank transfer, uh, like Bitcoin. Like uh, that certain service that can be used to pay people online that I won't name. Whoa, do you have that breaking news sound effect, Ruff? Hold on. It's worthy. I, it's I, worthy. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I wasn't ready. i got to be ready. I've, I actually was listening to an old show recently, and the same thing happened. So you have that sound effect, and I had to bring it up. It was very unprofessional sounding. So here, here, mm. here we go. You let me know. Go ahead. Uh, I just heard the tail end of it perfectly. So, uh, all right. Trader Ruski just won. I don't know if he wants me to say how much, but he just won a big jackpot. Well, I he sent me this before. This is this this is uh, what you already had, though, Trader Ruski, right? Oh. Is this old? Trader Ruski, there? He's not even here to answer us. He's out spending the money. No, no, no. Sorry, guys. I was on mute. No, no, no. That was from Tuesday. Okay. okay. Oh, man. I made him play the breaking news sound effect. Well, look, I I was going to, you know, this has been (laughs) the shit is breaking news when you don't have the show for, you know, 10 days. I just, I envisioned that you were sitting at this video (laughs) poker machine hitting buttons while you're on the phone and you just hit this. Can I say how much it is? $20,000 jackpot. Royal straight flush. This yep. is what happened. Is uh, Trader Ruski got Trader Ruski got something that made me very jealous, and that is a. What's going on? What there? the hell? Trader Ruski, not me. You okay? <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know what that was. I don't. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know what it was. Yeah, I'm So Trader Ruski was playing what's known as five dollar video poker, which is a lot more expensive than you think it is. That's uh, five dollars per credit, meaning it's twenty five dollars per hand. And this really adds up, especially if you're running bad. So I've, I've played it before. I've played a lot of $5 video poker. But whenever I play $5 video poker, I never hit a royal. I'll get four to a royal over and over and over and over again, and brick, 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 brick. I've never in my life have I gotten a royal when I'm playing $5. And I've played a lot of hands at $5, so it's not like I've played like 100 hands. I've played a lot of hands at $5, and I never get the damn $20,000 royal, which is what it is. It's worth $20,000 if you get a royal at $5 video poker. So when Trader Ruski sent that to me, I'm like, ah, that's what I've been waiting to get all this time. Now, I, I've gotten six royals in my life, all of which were on the same trip, and they were unfortunately at a 50-cent machine. So my royals were worth $2,000, except one of them was worth 4000 because I got a two-times multiplier because it was a special type of machine called double super times pay. So that was what I got. I got uh, 2000 five times and 4000 once. So even though that was very nice, $14,000 worth of royals, it still is $6,000 less than what Trader Ruski got from this one damn royal here. So congratulations to him for uh, for getting that there, the $5 royal. 
Thank you. Yeah, I was I was leaving at noon. Went to walk my dog at eleven, and then she went around to the front. I said, "All right, well, maybe I'll put five hundred in before I leave." Just through the five hundred, but got four to the royal twice, and then I said, "All right, two hundred more," and then I banked it on the fifth click. And he held, th- he held three cards, so so it's one of these things where you're you're kind of hopeful, but you're not even thinking, oh, like I, you know, here it comes. Like you, when you have three to the royal, you just you, it's one of these things you're kind of hoping on an outside chance you're going to hit it, but you're not excited like you are when you get four. So here you really got uh, you, you hit it. Uh, the one of my royals that I got of those six was was with one card. Trader Risky, when are you going to pay wow. me my piece, man? <laughs> okay, you got to cut here. I'm going to double your salary for the show, Calwood. Nice. Very generous. <laughs> I kind of wish you listed that up on Tasty Steaks. All right. So, so let, let me finish off here with this thing with the World Series. I don't want to bore people too much more with this. But uh, the if you want to invest in me, then just uh, you can text me, 775-372-8355, a number I forgot to give out at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting something. 775-372-8355 is the text number, which you can use to text the show at any time. Before, during, or after the show, in fact. So whenever you're listening to this, if you say, hey, I think I want to buy a piece of truff, or any other reason you want to talk to me, 775-372-8355. I will read your text on the air, by the way, unless you ask me not to. Though if it's about the buying a piece in the World Series, I won't read it on the air. I promise that. But if we're doing it right, we're not just going to text text truff. We're going to sign up with an account on Tasty Steaks, right? Yes, yes. Right. So people can see their piece. It's going to make it easier for you to... Because if they sign up on there, like you can, you can send emails to everybody that uh, signed up for your piece to tell them, like you know, when and how you're paying out, and you can do all that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, so if you want, it make- really is like you, you can do it all manually yourself, but it ends up being more of a pain in the ass. It's a lot easier if people just sign up and take a piece on there. So if you if you want to make I just happy. bought I just bought my pieces of draft via Boom. Tasty Steaks. Thank you. I'm gonna and it I'm was gonna, very easy to you know register and get it locked down. It's a test. And I'm, I'm assuming. Buy mine too. Go I'm ahead. assuming. I'm assuming I just send draft the money. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. I was gonna get yeah, to that. Yeah. So. Tasty Steaks doesn't handle any yeah. money. It's tasty just steaks, like a, it's a service. Right. It's, so you, think of, think of it like Craigslist. You don't. You, you don't have. You don't have to trust Cal Watt at all. If you think Cal Watt's a very slippery individual, you can. You don't have to trust him at all. You just sign up there. Uh, and it just keeps track. It's just for record keeping. The money you send directly to me. Calwatt never handles it. He never touches it. He has no access to it. You send it directly to me. You just, you know, text me. You can PM me Dan Space Druff on the forum. You can email me dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. And, and then I, you know, we'll discuss ways to pay me. And, uh, and that's how it'll get done. So let me read some texts I got, by the way, unrelated to this, but uh, from the 646. Have you seen how much Alicia Silverstone has aged? Well, that's going to upset Ken Scaler. Ken Scaler was obsessed with Alicia Silverstone in the 90s. Who the hell is that? You don't know who Alicia Silverstone is? I'm it's terrible a, with celebrities. The, the she really was in Clueless or Clue yeah. or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, she was in Clueless and, and other movies. In the, she was in one of those uh, Batman movies. She was in a bunch of movies, especially in the 90s. Uh, uh, I still she was, don't know who the hell okay, she was. Well, she was very pretty in the, in the 90s. And I, th- I think she's like a few years younger than me. Uh, she, uh, Ken Scaler was obsessed with her. I mean, absolutely obsessed with Alicia Silverstone. Uh, it was Probably she, spanked one out to her in oh, the Starbucks bathroom. Yeah, right? many times. I'm sure she was actually. Oh my God! Do you think Ken Scaler is going to go to that orgy? <laughs> 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 
He's actually been, he's actually been to some before, believe it or not. Yeah, but this is a record-breaking yeah, one. Yeah. He might actually want to go. She was in a movie called The Crush, which that was like her debut, and that was where Ken really got to like her. And she also played mm-hmm. a younger girl than she really was. I think yeah, she's you know she's actually pretty young then. I think she kind of played her own age, but whatever. Um, weird story about Alicia Silverstone. This is why it's kind of significant to me. Uh, in 1994, in uh, I think it was January, beginning of 94, Ken Scaler called me up on a Friday night and said that he wants me to drive him to meet a girl. And I was very tired that day. I, I had a sleep deficit. I was actually about to go to sleep at 6.30 p.m. I was actually in my bed, actually in a bed at my parents' house. I didn't live with my parents anymore, but I was at their house for the weekend. I was in the bed there about to go to sleep, and my the phone rang there. It was Ken Scaler, and he wanted me to drive him to meet a girl. And I said, no, I'm, about to, I'm in bed. I'm about to go to sleep. I'm tired. Forget it. And he says, well, no, you can meet her too. I said, still, uh, no, I, I don't feel like doing this. And he says, well, she looks like Alicia Silverstone. That's what she said. I said, where do you know her from? He says, from a personal ad. So I said, you're telling me that uh, – did she respond for your, your personal ad or did you respond to hers? He said that uh, yeah, he responded – I think he responded – actually, I don't remember which one it was, but whatever it was. I said, you're telling me a, an 18-year-old girl – he said she was 18. An 18-year-old girl who looks like Alicia Silverstone is taking out personal ads in the L.A. Times to meet guys? There's no chance. He said, well, that, that, that's what she says. I said, give me your number. So we called her up on three-way. And so first thing I kept checking with her, go, you're really 18, right? It was, yeah, I was uh, like almost 22 at the time. So I, I, I just want to make sure it was legal. That was the first thing. I didn't want to meet an underage girl there. So she swore she was 18. I said, like, you're going to bring ID and show you're 18, right? She said, yes. So then uh, I said, Ken told me you said you look like Alicia Silverstone. She said, well, you know, people have told me that. I said, okay. But so I, I still was very skeptical about this. I thought. Probably not even close, but uh, she she seemed nice enough on the phone. And by the end of the whole thing, I said, "All right, fine, we'll we'll come meet you." So I drove to Long Beach, where Ken lived at the time, picked him up, and on the way there, I was uh, telling Ken, "Like, don't act weird. Like, don't act weird in front of this girl. Like, if you if you want to have any chance here, uh, act normal. Even if you are very attracted to her, don't kiss her ass. Don't." Say weird things. Don't uh, don't just give her endless compliments. Just 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 act normal. Just try, try to like treat her like she's another guy. In fact, just that, that's that'll be your best bet. So he's like, okay, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm gonna act normal. I'm gonna act normal. And so she might actually have been another guy. That was what I was thinking. <laughs> the story was going. So so she, she she opens. I pull up to her house and she comes in. She opens the back door. Ken was in the front. She opens the back door to get in the car, and then before I can even see her. She looks in the car and says, oh, hold on, I forgot something, and then runs back in the house. God, crap. She, she must have seen Ken or something and decided he's too weird and doesn't want to even go anywhere with us. So I go, I go, and, and so oh, I forgot the best part. When the door opened, Ken says, oh, my God. And she goes, I forgot something. I'll be right back and leaves and closes the door. I go, oh, crap. I said, you've scared her away already with this oh, my God thing. He says, I couldn't help it. I said, what do you mean couldn't help it? He says, what do you think? I said, I don't know. I said, was well, she pretty or something? He says, she looks just like Alicia Silverstone. So, believe it or not, like two minutes later, she came back. She really did forget something. And she got in the car. And I looked back there, and yes, she looks very much like Alicia Silverstone. I couldn't believe it. And 
so we kind of just hung out that night, and Ken didn't follow any of the advice I gave him, and he acted like a fool. And uh, she was getting very, very irritated with him. And I noticed there was something weird that she was not asking to be driven home, even though some time had passed. Like, it wasn't like we'd only been together 10 minutes. There, there's plenty of reason why she could have said she had to go home. In fact, she even gave us an excuse beforehand, before we met her, that uh, she lived with her grandmother. She said her grandmother's very protective, and she may have to go home early. So she already built in that excuse. But she wasn't saying that. She was getting, like, really, really irritated with Ken, but she was not saying she wanted to go home. And I'm thinking, could this be because of, be because of me? Maybe is she tolerating Ken's behavior here because she likes me and doesn't want to go home? And sure enough, that, that's what it was. So she and I ended up uh, together. And I, I, I didn't know how to break this to Ken, who kind of, you know, he was seeing signs of it that night. And I drove her home by herself, you know, without him. Uh, but uh, we discussed how we're going to break this to Ken because she saw how interested he was in her. And uh, she said to me, well, is there any girl you can hook Ken up with? You know, if you fix him up with a girl, then he won't be as obsessed with me anymore. I said, well, I mean, you met Ken here. This is not, this is not very easy to do. She says, well, don't you know any kind of girl who's, uh, you know, maybe a little bit strange, maybe kind of desperate, you know, someone who... who might want to go out with him? I said, no, I don't know any girls like... Oh, wait a minute. I do know a girl like that. And there was a girl named Stephanie. And yes, it's the same Stephanie you guys have heard on this show. Same angry Stephanie. That's, a, that's how Stephanie got into the picture. Was uh, I had stopped talking to her because she was really weird and obsessive. And like I had talked to her a little bit myself before Ken knew her. And she was going to be gone for my life. But because this girl whose name was Julie, because she wanted uh, me to find someone for Ken. <laughs> I, I had Ken start talking to Stephanie, and that's that's where the whole thing began. Now, those of you who listen yeah. to some of the other shows, you'll... Uh, Jeff, you got to keep these kind of semi-crazy girls in your back pocket in case you ever have to hook them, foist them off on somebody. Right? <laughs> I know I hadn't seen that. I, I had seen like kind of the... Let me say, I, I had not seen the craziness from her yet. I, she was just kind of pathetic. She just seemed to, right. like be too very 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 needy and had like no self-esteem it was kind of weird and but she didn't seem crazy the craziness came out when she got to know ken if i knew the craziness was there i wouldn't have introduced them but by the way druff live coding craziness i changed your goddamn markup to 1.1976 markup I, I, i was giving up on that one all right, no, I, it's I did it. It all works. Everything works out nice and evenly. Now it's all hundred. No, no sense. You're not, you're not going to have to do anything with it. One of the listeners got angry and texted me. We've heard this story a million times already. Stop it. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> here, well, here, yeah. Here, I mean, that's that's why I did the coding because I heard the story. So I'm like, fuck it. I here, might as well do something. I actually didn't. I didn't remember telling that one. I, that's my. I, I I guess I told it when Stephanie was on here. Okay, so for two oh six. Glad I could finally listen live to a PFA show. Can you make this a permanent thing? Dedicated archive listener, virgin live listener, signed Moral Fiber. Oh, be gentle. Virgin. Maybe you should go to the orgy on June 2nd. Uh, well, Moral Fiber, I have some good news for you. This is not going to be a permanent thing, but uh, I might as well announce right now the live, uh, not the live, yeah, the, the live show schedule that we're going to be doing for the next uh, month and a half. It's going to be different than our usual schedule here. 
So I should, I might as well announce that right now, including next week's show, which is also going to be on a weekend. So I bet uh, Moral Fiber can listen again. And just to conclude the topic, though, about uh, buying pieces of me, just uh, contact me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, 775-372-8355. You can text that number or you can PM me on the forum, Dan Space Druff. Okay, so... You still, you still got it wrong, man. Go right. to tastysteaks.com. Or go to tastysteaks.com. That's right. Click, click on uh, packages, type Druff. You're going to find it. Takes two seconds to sign but they up. Have, they have to contact me anyway. It's uh, either way. Why do they have to contact you? To pay. Oh, to pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to to actually reserve the piece, I mean, yes. this will this will book it for them. That's you correct. Know? That's correct. So you, you can do it right now on Tasty Steaks without even talking to me. That's that's very true. So uh, here are the future shows. This is, of course, being recorded on Friday, May 12th. But the shows that are coming up between now and the first week of July are as follows. Sunday, May 20th is the next show at 5 p.m. Pacific time. A 5 p.m. Sunday evening show. Cal Watts. For real? This is good for you. 8 p.m. your time. Yes. No, it's actually terrible. Oh, is it terrible? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought you'd like Okay, I thought this was going to be helping you. But actually, I'm doing this uh, for C-Money. C-Money is going to be taking a, a flight that's going to be international. And he's going – somehow he can get it to work. It surprises me that the internet is good enough on these flights to stream the show, but he claims it is. So he's going to listen live in the air. And it's going to be a long flight, and uh, so he, w- he was asking me if I could make a show on Sunday, May 20th, so there's going to be a show on Sunday, May 20th, that's our next show, which is eight days from now, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Cal, why, why can't you make it? Like, you'll be with the family? Yeah, that's like right in, you know, I mean, I, I can join later. Yeah, you can join later. But that's, that's right in, like, prime time, you know, we're going to be either playing Uno or reading books or doing something. Okay. You know? well, I, I, had, uh, I thought I was doing a favor, but okay, you know... Uh, now I feel better about starting so late. I always feel bad about starting late shows because I think that uh, it's too late for you. Now, now I'm learning if I started earlier, I couldn't make it at all. Hmm. Well, I, I, well, like the the perfect time to start it would be 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. your time would be like ideal. But I'm I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not holding out for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the next show after that is a week later, Sunday, May 27th. The pre-World Series show, it'll be just days before I play my first event. Then, finally, a show not on the weekend, Wednesday, June 6th, from Las Vegas, will be a show. I'll be discussing the World Series first week, which I'll have been a part of. Then there's going to be a hiatus, because uh, I will be busy, uh, both with World Series events and with things in my personal life that uh, will not allow me to do the show. So uh, there will be no show for two weeks, which is kind of regrettable. I kind of wish I could have one in between there. But uh, the next show after June 6th will be on Tuesday, June 19th, 13 days later. So we're missing a week, basically. Uh, Tuesday, June 19th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. That will, again, be in Las Vegas. Another Las Vegas show, which is tied to me failing at the World Series in one particular event, the June 26th event. If I'm out of that event, kind of by 8 p.m. Pacific time, there will be a show. Otherwise, there will be no show that week. So we'll see. That's, uh, that's the only day I can do it. So, I, again, if, if I happen to be out during the day or early evening, then we'll do a show. If I make it all the way through day one or mostly through day one of that event, then 
there will not be a show on June 26th. Otherwise, it begins at 8 p.m. Pacific time or shortly after that if I bust, you know, let's say I bust at 8 o'clock, there will probably still be a show at 9 or something. Uh, 4th of July. 4th of July, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time will be a show. If you are planning to go out and see fireworks, then uh, you may not be able to make this one because... Uh, you should just make like a Google calendar or something, man. You know? I just have a thread here. Listen, I don't need a Google calendar. All right. So Wednesday, July 4th at uh, 6 p.m. There's a thread on the Flying Stupidity Forum. Of, and I'm going to pin it shortly to, uh, to, to the top of the forum. But uh, Wednesday, July 4th at 6 p.m. And I'll be tweeting out every week when the next show is, so people will... You won't have to memorize this. Wednesday, July 4th at 6 p.m. will be the next one. And just four days later, for those of you that are impatient, don't want to wait a week between shows, you're in luck because I will do a show just four days later on Sunday, July 8th, the day... Uh, actually, it's not the day after the main event. That's uh, uh, so the day before my final event of the World Series, and hopefully I'm still in the main event at that point. So, uh, What's the name of the thread that uh, all this stuff is in? It, right now it's called Radio Delayed Again Due to Ongoing Cold. Here is the schedule for May, June, and July. But I'm, I may actually rename the thread or make a new one that just has this information and close it because there was some trolling in the thread. Anyway. That's no. The, yeah, I know, no. I know that shocks you. But... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, that's that's the schedule upcoming. So only one, only two Wednesday shows between now and July eighth. That'll be June sixth and July fourth. And uh, the next two shows will be on Sunday, May twentieth at five p.m. Pacific, and May twenty seventh at eight thirty p.m. Pacific. So that's the, that's the way it's going to go. So if you enjoy listening on the weekend, then enjoy this and the next two shows, and also the July eighth show, I guess. All right, so. I guess we can get to our Is first this the topic. longest ever before we got into the first topic? No, this was the first oh, no, topic. Oh, that was, that was topic. the first topic. Okay. okay. So yeah. So this is what's happening. There's a union in Vegas that has 50,000 people in it, 50,000 employees called the Culinary Union. And you would think from that name that it's just food service workers, kitchen staff, waiters and waitresses, hostesses, whatever. No. Not just that. The culinary union pretty much covers every hotel employee, uh, or every hotel service employee. I, I don't believe it covers like management, but uh, uh, it, it includes kitchen employees, food and cocktail servers, housekeepers. I, I really think just about every service employee that you'll find at a Las Vegas hotel is the culinary union. So it's kind of a misnomer. Anyway, there's 50,000 employees that are a member of it, and their contracts are going to expire on May 31st, 2018. So they announced in the first week of May that they're going to vote on whether or not they're going to strike. The culinary union is going to hold that vote on May 22nd. And if there is a majority of yes votes, that's all they need is a simple majority, then they're going to call for a strike. The union's negotiators are going to call for a strike any time starting June 1st. So it doesn't have to be June 1st, but it can be as soon as June 1st. Because that's when the contract is, that's when their existing contract is over. So these, uh, 
50,000 employees work for 34 different hotel casinos in Las Vegas. And uh, if they're striking, what's going to happen? I mean, think about it. We're we're talking about all these these employees of all these strip hotels. Think about it. On June 1st, if the housekeepers, the restaurant employees, front desk employees, if all these employees who are service employees of the hotel just stop working and go on strike, how is the hotel going to operate? How is the orgy going to happen? That's, that's more importantly that's a secondary question. Well, it, it does say that the strike can be June first or any time after. So maybe if they drag their feet a few days, the orgy can be okay. Maybe, in fact, what if some of these people in the union are attending the orgy? That may actually be a reason to hold off on the strike. Yeah, fair enough. So they're uh, they're still. So, so they told the Associated Press that uh, they plan to negotiate with the companies involved, this is the union, they were going to negotiate with the companies involved to protect existing benefits, increase wages, protect job security against the increasing adoption of technology at hotel casinos, which is funny. That basically means uh, when a computer makes people obsolete, they don't get fired, which is stupid. I mean, that's that's a fact of life. There's a, think about a lot of the jobs that existed in the 1950s that no longer exist today because of computers. Are, are, are we just supposed to give these people free money to do nothing? I mean, it, 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 that doesn't make sense to me. If, yes, if you can shift them around elsewhere to where uh, they can still be useful employees as opposed to hiring new people, that's fine. But not. I, I hope they're not asking to just keep people on that whose jobs become obsolete because of technology. Uh, and then to strengthen language you against... you imagine if banks said that, Ruff? Yeah. <laughs> if banks said that law, we'd have no fucking ATMs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, how, how about uh, telephone operators? Remember how many of them existed, like in the eighties? Yeah, you gotta you gotta have some people back there pulling one wire out and stuffing it in somewhere else <laughs> in the switchboard, right? Yeah. So they also want to strengthen language against sexual harassment. I wonder if that's because of Steve Wynn. So the, the union, <laughs> the the union has asked casino operators to give every housekeeper a so-called panic button, a wireless device that can alert managers if they're in a threatening situation. So, like, if they let, let's say Ken Scaler is staying in uh, in a hotel in Vegas, and uh, they knock on the door, housekeeping, housekeeping, and then no answer. So they open up the door, and then they hear, and I go, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Then they can press the panic button to uh, alert the managers that they've just caught a masturbate. Actually, wait, wait a minute, you tell me you can't jerk off in your own hotel? No, room I was going to say, actually, believe it or not, actually, I think Ken would be in the right in that one. I think he, I think he has the right to just jerk it into the hotel room. But but Why the, not? Pa- the panic button but, is, yeah, is besides, more. Besides, it's not his thing. He he would be in a bathroom somewhere. That's true. Like you know? a, it may be the the hotel Starbucks. So yeah. uh, the, the panic button is more if they're you know, there's someone that's harassing you know harassing them, trying to uh, touch them, trying to you know, yelling at, threatening them, whatever. So they want a panic button. That's, that's, that's trying to get them fired for asking if they had a coupon. You know. <laughs> well, now your housekeeper, you wouldn't ask that. Well, I, I'm just saying, like, if this passes, you better watch yourself, Drew. No, I think what's going to happen is that the housekeeper is going to come, and I'm going to say, no, no, I don't need service here. I don't really let the housekeeper in, but I just like, uh, you know, can you give me like five towels so this way I don't have to keep getting towels from you? Oh, no, no. 
I go, no, no, just give me five. No, no, I give you one. No, no, I, I need five. No, no, I give you one. Come to the orgy. I need five towels. Come on. Yeah, look, I, I, I've got a, I've got a, th- I got a thing. I'm going to at four o'clock today. Okay, it's, it's just give me five towels. Trust uh, me, I need them. No, no, I, I give you one. Like, look, you, I, I pay good money to stay here. Actually, I don't. I get a comp, but that doesn't matter. I could be paying good money to stay here. So I want five towels now. Panic, 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 panic. Like it, maybe something like that. But uh, they say so they want a panic button. No, I think I think you know I, I heard the. What you and uh, and Drexel were talking about on the the show, I think you got to be worried, man. If they pass this anti harassment thing, I don't know, you're, you're gonna get in a fight over a coupon. The next thing you know, you're gonna be in trouble. Well, it's sexual harassment. <laughs> I, it's it's not uh, not coupon related harassment. That that would scare me. But sexual harassment, I just... <laughs> okay. I mean, there are two reasons. First of all, I don't find any of the maids attractive typically, and second of all, uh, I wouldn't do it anyway. So, I mean, I will say, you know, by the way, in other places. Like like in Vegas, the maids are not attractive. Uh, in California, like every maid I see is never attractive. But I'll tell you, some of these other places, like like in North Carolina and in uh, I remember in Windsor, Canada, like I, I, in some places that are, are, are very different from here, I've seen some attractive maids. I'm like, how is this girl doing this job? Like, there's no way a girl who looks like this in L.A. would do this job. No way a girl who looks like this in Vegas would do this job. Like I said, it, it's it's funny that there are like. Hot and semi-hot girls who will do very unpleasant jobs in certain areas of the country, and then in other areas, no way. So, uh, I, I've noticed that in certain areas there actually are attractive maids, but uh, not in Vegas. So, anyway, here's a quote from uh, MGM on the whole thing. MGM Resorts and the Culinary and Bartenders Unions have always been great partners. We have issues to address, but we're confident we will find mutually beneficial solutions to all of our contract issues. So they're, they're hoping that this won't happen. But uh, MGM and Caesars combined actually operate more than half of those 34 properties that would be affected by this. So they're really going to get screwed. The last time this happened, you may wonder, uh, has this happened before? Yes. The last time their, a, their strike was authorized was in 2002. But the strike did not take place because before the strike actually was called, a deal was reached. So that's possible too. It's possible that in 10 days on, on May 22nd that they will vote to strike. But then sometime between May 22nd and when the strike's supposed to start that they end up coming to a deal. In fact, I think it's likely on May 22nd they are going to vote to strike. But that does not mean a strike is happening yet. That's often a scare tactic as it was in 2002. And then the deal ends up being reached. So, I like this one here, though. Here, here's a quote from this article I'm reading. This this shows you kind of what we're dealing with, though. This shows you that uh, some of the people who are members of this union who are going to vote yes on a strike are, are not really thinking rationally about why they should strike. It says, Carlos Martinez, a pan- uh, I, I thought he pitches for the Cardinals. He should be making enough money. He shouldn't have to strike. But anyway, Carlos Martinez, a pantry worker at the MGM-operated Mirage Casino, said he plans to vote in favor of a strike because workers won't allow companies to outsource, quote, their jobs to robots. <laughs> he doesn't want his job outsourced to, to, uh, to robots. Sure. <laughs> he's a, he's a, 
says uh, technology can be ass- assistive in the workplace, but workers should have a voice in that. In additional job training, the company needs to invest in human capital and treat us with dignity. So he's basically saying, uh, if you're going to hire a robot to do my job, if you're going to have the robot stock the pantry and not me, you, you better give me training on doing something else. That's what he's saying. Uh, the last actual strike that occurred was 34 years ago, in 1984. It lasted almost. It lasted over two months, 67 days. Union members lost an estimated $75 million in wages and benefits, which by today's money would be over $150 million. And the city uh, lost a lot of money. It was never figured out how much, but uh, a lot of money in tourism revenue and in gambling income. So uh, both sides uh, were hurt by this in '84, and there's uh, fear that it could happen again. But this, I really think this is something that's not going to get very much play until there's actually a strike. Maybe days before the strike, but I think I think right now everyone's just kind of thinking, oh, they'll work it out somehow. Which they might, but I'll tell you, I'm going to be in Vegas on June 1st. I'm going to be in Vegas for most of June. And I would not be happy about this. This, You, you think service is bad at the Rio. You think there's fail at the Rio now when there's no strike? Wait till there's a strike. I mean, I, I can imagine how maintenance... Which already suffers horribly there to begin with is is going to be with with uh, during a strike or the, you know, just. I, Wouldn't I don't know it be funny though, Druff, if they what they actually ended up having to do was just bust people in from, you know, all over the place just to to fill people in, and it ended up being that the the staff was just super competent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would be funny if I it'd be funny if I forget about this strike because I'm too busy to concentrating on the World Series and I go, you know what? Yeah. Boy, the Rio it's running better than ever before. The the the, the food yeah. service is so much better and the the housekeeping is so much better and the, the front desk is so much better. How is everybody so competent here? What do they do? Yeah. I go, oh wait, there's a strike going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, and they can bring in some of the hot hot uh, housekeepers <laughs> right. from North Carolina. That's what talking about. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll see like a really hot housekeeper. I go, oh wow, this is they've they've improved everything around here. Yeah, so I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, I don't know if they're going to hire scabs who are going to work across uh, the picket line. I don't know what they're going to do. Is, what, what, are they just going to have no staff in the hotel? Like, they can't do that. So uh, I don't know what they did in 84 specifically, and I was too young then to remember like specifically what was happening. I was 12 years old, but I, I don't know. This is weird. Do you know how contentious this is? Like how likely is it that this could actually happen? Well, it's. I realize, I realize there's a vote, but like you know, where where are things falling? Do we see, have I've any talk, idea? I've t- yes, I've talked to some people who are telling me that they believe this will be voted for on May 22nd, but that, oh, but but that you know, whether that means that they end up striking is, is questionable because the casinos may just panic and say, okay, fine, we'll give in. Like, uh, yeah, they they may just cave, especially with the uh, two important events of the the World Series and the Orgy going on. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it is fortunate, I will say, it is fortunate that Caesars own so many properties because they have the World Series, and this just happens to end. They didn't do this on purpose. It just happens the contract ends right when the World Series begins. So mm. that could actually help the union in that this could really – I mean, this, now, to be clear, this does not cover casino dealers. Casino dealers are not in the union, so they're the, – the casino will be able to operate. The World Series dealers will be there. The, the, the World Series can function without this, but the hotels supporting them 
will not right. and the hotels that you'll be staying in will not be supported with these workers. That's the problem. And, and, and rough, but think about it. Like, if you already believe that the poker players, or a lot of them anyway, have questionable hygiene, can you imagine? <laughs> like, if yeah, they then try they have to do ex- it and no one's getting fresh towels and... Right, oh, and then man. they have a built-in excuse. And, and, like, they actually have the ability at the World Series to tell people they have to leave if they smell really bad or something. But but now everybody has an excuse. Well, I, I would smell I would smell good normally, but I can't shower. I can't get towels. I can't get uh, I can't get soap. I can't get anything. So I just had to not shower for the last ten days. I'm sorry. And I, oh I, man. And, and and you know they nobody's here to do my laundry. So what can I do? I've got, I've been wearing the same clothes. I've, I haven't showered, and you know what can I do? What can I do? So yeah, it's a built-in excuse for slovenly poker players to get even worse and, and not suffer consequences. So yeah, so that is uh, possibly going to happen. And on a related note, I noticed when I was there in April at Harris for three nights that they did not come in my room, even though I had the Do Not Disturb sign up the entire time. And I had heard that they made the decision that if you leave it up for 24 hours, that they're going to come in. And it didn't happen. Well, I found out why. The reason is that the same culinary union is also having a dispute with Caesars about this do not stir policy. That the housekeepers do not want to be the ones having to come in. They want security to do it. And that was already agreed to. That, that part they got an agreement. But the question is, where does... Caesar's responsibility end. And it turns out that uh, the housekeepers don't just want security to open the room. They want security to either remain in the room or right outside the room for as long as security deems necessary for employee safety. So they don't just want... I guess what was agreed to before or what, what what the hotels thought they had agreed is that security would open the door. But then after that, they leave, and the housekeeper would do the rest. Now, the housekeepers, now they say, no, we don't just want you to open the door. We want you to stay around until you determine that it's safe for us to go in and stay in. Well, the reason that Caesar, well, Caesar refused this. Caesar refused and basically told them to eat shit and uh, that they're not agreeing to this. So that's, that's why this hasn't been happening. That's why they haven't been forcing themselves through a do not disturb sign. Now, it's unclear what Caesar doesn't like about that term that they're trying to add, but I'm guessing that it has to do with the liability that they would be incurring as far as security having to decide for themselves when it's safe to leave. So let's say security opened a door, and there's some dude in there who looks kind of sketchy, and the maid comes in, and security's like, uh, ah, this guy looks okay. And they leave, and then he rapes the, the housekeeper. This now could put Caesars on the hook because security will have left her when there is an agreement that they would stay until they determined it was safe. So I I have a feeling that's why Caesars does not want to agree to this because they're agreeing to new liability they didn't have before. This is just my guess, by the way. But either way, they're they're refusing it. They're refusing to do this. So this, this was also reported in, this was actually reported in the New York Times in, in early May. So I think this is part of the whole thing as well. I think this is one part of the strike. It's not the whole strike or even the main part of the strike, but this is one part of the strike, I think. So this also has not been agreed upon yet. So at the moment, 
they are not coming in past these do not disturb signs at Caesar's properties. Which is good. Because I hate that. But they're still hammering that one out as well. I think this is going to be a huge burden for security if every single person who leaves a do not disturb sign up, security has to come up there and then wait around <laughs> until the maid feels comfortable. I mean, the, I, they'd have to hire so many additional security guards for this. This this is ridiculous. Yeah, but is, isn't the whole thing that they really just have to check the room? I don't think, like, the, the housekeeper has to clean the room. Because um, if you have your do not disturb sign on for more than three days or whatever, they probably just want to look in, make sure no one's dead, does not, you know... Yeah, yes, you can... A bunch it. of guns or something. Right. I don't think they have to clean the room. You, you, you're correct. And right. I could... Yeah. And I, yeah, and I could see it from the housekeeper's point, because even if they said, the guy opens the door, no one's here, okay, you can go in and clean. And then, you know, the guy leaves, the guy comes, you know, the guest comes back after half hour, somebody's in his room, he's yelling at the maid... Yeah, you know, yeah, I, they don't but, want to deal with yeah, that. Yeah, but how do they even? Yeah, how do they even handle this? So, yeah, so maybe they just want uh, the security to just hang around the entire time till the maid leaves. But yeah, uh, it, it is unrelated to the room being cleaned because you can actually opt out of the room being cleaned, like at Caesars. But uh, they they do have to open it, and then the housekeeper has to go in and secure. But security has to open it now. They want security to stay around. So anyway, th- this is not going to happen for right now. But as I was saying. This is going to be a big burden for security. For every time someone leaves us, uh, do not disturb for more than 24 hours, they have to come up there. That's a lot more work than they had before. Yeah, I think it should just be security. They should just peek their head in if that's what they need to do, make sure nothing crazy is going on, and that's it. Yeah, I don't know. In 24 hours is ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. And I don't see why security is getting involved. I I think, I I still think this is an overreaction to what happened in October with with Stephen Paddock because uh, the truth is, yes, Stephen Paddock snuck the guns up there over a period of four days. He didn't need to do it over four days. He could have snuck them up there in in one day. It's it's not that hard. So I, I don't think they're really saving very much. I don't think they can prevent this. It, it's scary that this can happen again, but the truth is it can happen again. And I, I would support a more aggressive reporting of suspicious behavior or, or uh, you know, I'd even understand if someone has the do not disturb for a very long time that they – I still don't like it, but fine, you know, I can understand it. But the 24 hours is ridiculous that someone can't uh, – I even brought up a World Series uh, example of how inconvenient this would be. Say you go to a tournament – that it begins at 11 a.m. So, you, you know, let's say you wake up at 10, okay? And uh, you had to do not disturb on all night. Because obviously you don't want the maid coming in while you're sleeping to you know till 10 o'clock to, for, for this tournament. So you have it on all night. You uh, Then you go to the tournament. Well, you go. The, you say, okay, well, I don't want to leave. I, I want to do not disturb then too because I don't want them coming in my room while I'm gone. So you have the thing up for uh, the entire day. Let's say you make it all the way through the day for the tournament. You, you come back at, at, at uh, 1 a.m. But what do you do then? You, you either got to have the, the housekeeper come in at 1 a.m. you got to call them to send a housekeeper at 1 a.m. when you're all tired. Or uh, the next morning they can just barge in while you're sleeping waiting for day two. So, um, like, like and, and the thing with 24 hours is they really can barge in at 7 in the morning, 7.30 in the morning, 8 in the morning. Like, it's not even like, like let's, let's say your day two begins at 2 p.m. Well, at least there, 
if it wasn't 24 hours, you could wake up and let them come in at noon or something. But no, here, 24 hours will have will have passed at 7 in the morning, even before 7 in the morning. So the 7 in the morning, they check, they can come in. It's crazy. So I, I, it's insane that you, 24 hours is the policy, but fortunately, they're not doing it yet. Okay, uh, let's move on here and talk about... I think it's going to be uh, live at the bike here. Let's see. Is that the next, next topic? If anybody wants to call in, by the way, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. see if we got any texts here on this uh, lovely Saturday night. No. You know, I forgot to talk about the call to listen line. Oh, I, I, I'm sure everyone who's listening is waiting for it. I forgot to talk about the call to listen line. That must the, be that must be why ratings are low and no one texted, man. The the, the call to listen line has dutifully <laughs> been presenting people with nonstop entertainment for the for these two weeks that we've been gone. You know, they the call to listen line says, "I don't care if Druff is sick, I don't care if there's no new content. I'm going to just keep taking old episodes and play them in full." And entertain anyone who wants to call up 712-775-8162. I'm going to just present nonstop with no buffering, no interruption, no BS, Poker Fraud Alert Radio as it has existed over the past six years. And it has. And it has not stopped until I actually manually stopped it earlier today. So 712-775-8162... It's just a number you can call to listen to the show, whether live, whether in the archives, not in the archives, whether, whether stream reruns that it, it plays uh, whenever we're not live on the air. And, you know, we can listen, you can listen on Amazon Alexa, too, if you have an Alexa device. All you have to say is, and make sure your Alexa is not nearby right now, or it's, it's going to hear me say Alexa and go crazy. But all you have to say is, Alexa... Play Poker Fraud Alert Radio, and it will play either the live show or whatever is currently streaming the streaming rerun on the Call to Listen line. And if you want to hear the last episode that we did, say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio podcast. Alexa, power off. (laughs) It will work. It will work. We're, we're actually on uh, Alexa. You can use iTunes. You can use Stitcher. You can use Google Play. You can use the TuneIn app. So many ways to listen. You can either just download or click on the MP3 that's in our radio forum on PokerFraudAlert.com and just play it directly from there. In fact, that's when I, when I just go listen to a show, I don't bother with any of these third-party services or apps. I really just go play the MP3 directly from the site it's the easiest way but uh, I offer you many many listening options oh you know uh, I also forgot to give out the Mount Charleston number which is 702-430-1808 but Mount Charleston got snow in May Mount Charleston actually had snow that came down at the beginning of May Uh, Southern California and Southern Nevada as well. They've they've been unusually cool for most of May. There were a few hot days in Vegas in May. But for the most part, it's been unusually cool. So Mount Charleston, which is usually about 30 degrees cooler than Vegas, 
actually got a little bit of snow. And uh, it's, it fell right on that cabin where the phone is. The phone still works. But Mount Charleston really did get snow in May, which is not common. This is not a this is not one of those mountains not not like the Sierras that get you know will get snow in May every so often. This uh, this is unusual. Andrew, this was crazy to me, but you believe that over a third of 2018 is done already? I was just thinking about that. Over a third of it's gone, man. I was just thinking about that recently. I was just thinking it's May. I go, wait a minute. Does that mean actually is a third of 2018 is gone? Wow. Mm-hmm. It does. We're like, we're like legitimately in the middle of the year. Yeah. Oh. Um, by the way, uh, someone just sent me a link to a 2 plus 2 post and uh, more importantly, a picture on 2 plus 2. Uh-oh. This is in the... the Joe Seabox cock or something? No, but it's, it's also pretty disturbing. This is in the Eric Lindgren owes $100,000 thread, which is an old thread but from right. years old. But it, but there's a post on April 25th, 2018 of Lindgren playing poker, and boy, does he look old. He looks very old. Well, owing, owing the government millions will do that to you. you yeah. Know? And he is, I think, like 42, 43. He looks way older than this picture. He looks looks pretty bad. He looks like uh, he looks like he's fifty, and uh, like he looks like a fifty-year-old trucker. No, no, no offense to Mumbles Badly, who listens to this show and is a fifty-year-old trucker. But this guy does kind of. He kind of looks like a fifty-year-old trucker. He looks like a guy he'd, like. Have you have you stopped in truck stops before just to go to the bathroom or or, or whatever and. Uh, you know, you see a bunch of truckers there. He, no, I do not have a wide stance. I don't stop off of those you, places. You've never stopped off at a truck stop? I have. Um, I, yeah, I probably have. I don't know. I mean, the, these days when I, if I'm traveling somewhere by car, normally where I pull over is just those little service stations, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I've stopped at truck stops. Just it happens well, to be. What's the difference? What's the difference between a truck stop? And those little like service areas. Well, there's there's obviously a, ones for trucks. Yes, yeah, well, okay. ones for trucks. They, they they a lot of the gas pumps they're they're aimed at trucks, and then a lot of services in there where they sell things that truckers are going to want to buy. They sell generators and other weird stuff that uh, you would never buy as as a typical motorist. And they have showers. Holy that, fuck! Uh, is that really lingering? Yes. Wow. For real? Yeah, that's him. Wow, see, you weren't kidding, man. I can see it in his face. That's that's him. Like I can, he he looks much older, but that's him. God damn. Yeah, someone's saying, right. someone's saying he's forty-one, but uh, yeah, I think he's he's forty-one, forty-two, somewhere around there. Huh. You know, I I, th- I, I, I honestly I don't even know if I'd recognize him. I I wouldn't have either, and you know, uh, I think this might be. And Erica Schomburg curse because look she she got with Ben with David Benjamin and then he blew up to like three hundred pounds. <laughs> you can't blame her for that. Then she, gets a, then she gets a lingering and then he looks like unless she was standing over him stuffing burgers in his mouth, you know. And he looks like he's he's ten years older at least than he really is. Well, I think he's aged. You know, first of all, he's had I don't know if he's had more than one, but he's had at least one kid. And then he's had all these, you know, lawsuits and owing people money and, 
You know, I can't imagine he's had a fun time of it over the last, uh, what, five years or so. You know? I wonder if Erica's thinking that. I wonder if she's like, how come every guy I get with gets like gets ugly? Like, they start off good-looking, they get ugly and so so quickly. Why does this keep happening to me? Why, what am I doing uh, to these look, men? Look, man, as we get old, we all get fucking ugly. But I, you know, it is a remarkable change in this guy, though. It really is. Well, and, and, like, and like with Benjamin, with, with him, it was the weight. Like, with both of them, they really did just, like, radically change their appearance in a short period of time. Like, in... in as you say, everybody gets old and, and, and changes over time, but this yeah. is like a really, really sharp change. So, hmm. well, thank you to the person who brought that to my attention. That's it's interesting. But well, like my wife says, you you white people don't age well. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so so we're talking about the live of the bike thing. Have you have you seen these videos, uh, Calwat? Yes, I have seen the video. I've heard Bart's podcast. I've yeah, I figured, I'm all over this shit, man. I, I figured you probably knew this one a lot since you're close to Bart. And uh, and what what about you, Trader Ruski? Have you heard much about this? No, I have not. Okay, well, I, I'm going to play parts of it. And I'll explain what happened. It's, it's not a very complicated story, so it's easy to get up to speed here. Uh, you know, would be interesting, Druff, is because Trader Ruski is coming into this cold. Yeah, it'd be real interesting to hear his perspective before we say anything. Yeah, you know well, what I mean. So I'll just give the, I'll just yeah. give the facts here without giving an opinion yet, and then we'll let I'll, yeah. I'll play it to him, and then they'll, they'll let him decide what he thinks. So live at the bike, which is uh, a cash game that's broadcast every week, or actually more than once a week, from uh, from the bicycle casino in the L.A. area. They had a game, and. Uh, a controversial hand took place that, in fact, Bart Hansen, the Hansen kid, was involved in. Uh, the whole hand is hilarious. The whole hand is <laughs> the whole hand is weird. Where Bart Hansen d- successfully pulled off a limp re-raise with Ace King suited from the small blind. So the the big blind raise and the, so so when it came back around, uh, the Hanson kid was able to go all in or, or not go all in. He raised it to five hundred dollars and got like six callers in the hand, uh, including a guy who's known to be a fish uh, named Harry, who called with nine three offsuit. So. Uh, Everyone saw. Yeah. Six, you know you're in a good game when you limp re-raise and you get four callers. There's a four. I, I think, whatever it was, they, they got a lot of a number of callers and, and one of them a nine three offsuit. Okay, <laughs> for five hundred dollars uh, in yeah. flop. So the, the this, uh, Bart limp re-raise because it was on the button straddle and he was in the small blind. Right, right, right. That's okay. Right. So, so he successfully pulled off that limp re-raise. Now, of course, with Ace King suited. You do run the risk that you're going to completely airball the flop, and you've just uh, wasted your money pre-flop, and that's exactly what happened to Bart. Uh, sure, which is just bad luck for him. So the the flop came all low cards, uh, none. But but, but amazing that he got four calls. Yes, it was amazing. It was <laughs> if he could have just flopped something, this would have been brilliant. But unfortunately, it, it flopped badly for him. So he he knew yeah. he knew as soon as soon as the flop came rags that didn't match his suit, he knew he was done because he knew that with the amount of money he was in the pot, given the other stacks, that there's no way he's going to bet everybody off. So there's no point to continue. No. So so he he knew he's check folded. So as yeah. far as Bart was concerned, that was pretty much over for him. He However, clicked the check box. Yeah, you know? he, he clicked the check fold box. But, but mm-hmm. however, there were two people who did a piece of the flop. 
one of them, an Asian guy named Chris, had pocket sevens, and the flop was like nine seven two, so he had yep. middle set. The nine other, seven deuce with two hearts, I believe. Yeah, yeah, not right. Nine seven deuce with two hearts. The other guy named Harry, an, an older guy, an older foreign guy. I'm not sure. Why. Well, Harry is a Harry is a legend on live at the bike. Do you know what 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 is his nationality? Do you know? Um, I know a lot of those guys are Armenian. I don't know if he is or not. Yeah, um, kind of seems like he might be Armenian, but whatever. So ha- Harry is a very loose player, so to speak. He was the one with the nine three offsuit. He did have the three of hearts there. So I, I only met him once, but he seemed like a really nice guy too. Yeah. So Harry uh, hit top pair there. Now, obviously, top pair against a set is a disaster. So they were the only two who had a piece of this flop. So Harry ended up going all in on the flop with his top pair three kicker. And it folded back to Chris with middle set, who, of course, snap called. So right, right, you know, aside from the ninth three offsuit being in with the $500 limp re-raise, the the flop was pretty straightforward given what the people had. I, I I don't know exactly how many chips Harry had left that he was putting in. But uh, he did flop top pair in a pot that was already huge, so it's hard to fold that at that point. Anyway, that, that's not the point here. Uh, there's the option to run it more than once, which, for those of you that don't know, means that uh, it, it, in order to reduce the variance of bad beats, you can have, if both players agree, they can deal out the turn and river more than once and basically split the pot to where each one is like is separate from one another. So if you run it twice, half the pot gets awarded to the winner of the first run, half the pot gets awarded to the winner of the second run. Now, of course, with middle set against top pair, where the only way the top pair really has a realistic out of it is, is, uh, is from a backdoor flush draw because he did have three of hearts and there are two hearts out there. So yeah, It could have gone nine deuce. Yeah, I said realistic. But <laughs> the but the, you're really looking for the backdoor flush there, or the super rare uh, somehow thing where, where you you catch up with it, where you get the better's full house. Yeah, and they, you know, pursuant to what you were saying about the running it more than once, super, super common um, at the PLO games. And again, for the same the reason you mentioned, just reducing variance. Yeah. Yes. So both players have to agree beforehand, and uh, sometimes. Before they agree to do it, they'll both show each other their hands, sometimes not. It's uh, it's up to the players what they want to do. In California, this is not legally binding, in that if you agree to run it twice, uh, there's no... You're not legally bound to do it, but the... the, well, the let's not tell too much okay, before we get let Trader Ruski hear the action. Yeah, yeah, but the card room can enforce it. They can say they don't want you there anymore if you're... If you're, if you're uh, if you're not going to, if you're not going to honor the run, it, you know, running it more than once. So, so basically, once you agree, you are expected to agree. So, but this, this is what happened here, though. I'm going to play the audio of uh, the relevant part here, and uh, and then Trader Rusk, are you there to listen to this? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Oh, by the way, uh, you know, not to derail this, but uh, seriously serious in that thread with Lingren says that uh, 
He wants to say he's seen or read an interview where Lindgren denied that that's him in that picture. No, oh, that's fine. But that people ask him about it all the time. Really? It looks. I mean, it, looks it looks like it might. Is it? It's not. Uh, One, it's a friendly agreement. I think. So, can you hear that? By the way. I can hear it. Okay. Trudorowski? If, if you can hear it, you can hear it. I can hear it. I can hear it. All right, good, 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 go. good. So, All right, let's do it. Okay. Here we go. Most of the time, you might mix in a check every now and again as well. Oh, wow. So he gets the jam from Harry. It's going to fold back to Chris, who's, who's going to one-chip call. It's a 12-chip call. I was off. Twice. Do you have any call. Sure. And ring twice. What do you have? What do you have? Okay, now let's stop it right there. So he says, what does he have set once, once, once? So he says, so Chris says, you want to run it twice? He says, yeah. And then... Well, he actually says how many times you want to run it, okay. and Harry says twice. Okay, Harry said twice, right. And then and yeah. then he says, so what do you have? Then Chris turns it over, shows he had a set of sevens. He goes, it's set. Oh, once, 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 once. Now... What you and can't, the dealer's in the middle of dealing this right. out. What you can't see, what you can't see, and what's very important here yeah. that I have to explain that because this is on radio, is that the dealer's in the process of putting out the turn card. It is impossible to tell from the video, and even the Hanson kid talked about how he's he rewound it several times afterwards. He was actually in the game, of course, but uh, but when he got back, you know, he rewound the video several times over and over to watch. Did the turn card, which was a queen of hearts, which would have given uh, gave Harry now a one card flush draw. A much better chance to win. It put him to twenty percent to win the hand at that point, which is much better than prior to that. Uh, that it was impossible to tell whether Harry could have seen that card because he said once, 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 just as the dealer was putting down the queen. But it, but it, it was so close whether Harry could have seen that or not. Uh, so it, it's indetermined whether. It's possible that Harry could have seen that Queen of Hearts coming out before saying once, 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 once. Or if right. he just changed his mind after seeing that he was up against the set. So I'm going to play again this is a little clip, 25-second clip, of, of how this all went down. We're going to go ahead and bet can you, can you guys can hear it? Yep. Okay. So time, you might mix in a check every now and again as well. Oh, wow. So he gets the jam from Harry. It's going to fold back to Chris, who's, who's going to one-chip call. It's a 12 chip call. I was off. Okay, so see, how many times would I run Harry? Harry says, twice. And he says, okay. And then they sh- so that's when Chris turns over his sevens to show he's got this set. So he, so after he asked Harry, and then he said, okay? No, Harry actually said twice. He says, how many times do you want to run it, Harry? Right, he said how many, and he said twice. Yeah, and then the other guy said, okay? Yes. Yes, and then and then and then, okay. he tur- and then and then the dealer then reiterated running it twice, and then started dealing. Yeah, I'll you can hear the dealer's it. voice on there. Yeah, yeah. play it out. It's Twelve chip call. I was off. Twice. Right. Do you have any call. Sure. Yeah, ring twice. Oh, what do you have? That's the dealer. Uh, once, 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 once. <laughs> okay, so once, 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 once. He's saying it as the turn is literally falling out of the dealer's hand. Yeah. So it was it, again impossible to tell. Even the Hanson kid agrees. Impossible to tell whether Harry could have seen if that card is coming out. And so then, he, so then, of course, guess what the river is? I can't win twice. <laughs> I can't win twice. And so it's like, looks like Harry changed his mind oh the last second. Oh my goodness! Harry, King of Hearts on the river, and Harry is the winner. 
and yeah, let it run, let it run out okay. because it's important for Trader Ruski to hear the context okay, of okay. this. He changes his mind in the last second to run at once and goes runner runner heart to win the hand. I said when you have a set, I said once before the card opens. I said once. You can go out. I don't care. It doesn't matter, bro. It doesn't matter. I can change my mind. It doesn't matter. You can go wherever you want. When he showed me a set, I said once. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Once. Once. It doesn't matter. You now, these are the people at the table arguing with him. At the moment, Chris seems to be quiet. All right, Trader Ruski. What do you yeah, think, think Trader I think running it twice is is binding. So I mean, from he a, asked him, and he said right. twice, and that's an, and then the dealer said we're running it twice. Right. The dealer said all in in a call. We're running it twice. The dealer right. reiterated and, yeah. that. Yeah. And especially yeah. then he burned a card. I'm assuming. Yep. You can hear the little getting, click. Right. So then at the, I'd say even when he burns the card, it's like even flipping the card. You know, it's even the second card. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as like where the, you know, that the action right. has started. Right. So, 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 so I'd say it'd have to be binding. So, so, the, so, he, so here's the, uh, so he actually says himself during the ensuing controversy that, uh, that there's no law making the, Run it twice. They, 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 there's, this is just something players do for each other, but that which is uh, true. Which is true. There, there is no law in California that makes run it twice binding. So you you can just say after once, nope, that's it. I'm stopping. I won the pot. So yeah, it's uh, like a side deal, a gentleman's agreement, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So you know? now, what can the card room do about it? The card room can say because the card room can ban anyone for any reason. So they the card room can say they they can't force the person to to give the money back. But what they can what they can say is we're barring you from this uh, card room, or we're barring you until you uh, until you make it right in some way. You know, now, so, Trader Ruski, how much live at the bike have you watched? Maybe five or six of them. Yeah, so I, I don't know if you're aware of it, but um, I mean, Harry has been a regular at the bike for definitely over a decade. I don't know how much more than that. Probably uh, maybe even two decades. I don't know. Um, and is a plays in all the big games, you know, serious action giver, all that kind of stuff. Has a really good relationship with everyone at the bike. This is not a guy that they're going to ban, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know you, what I mean? You don't, you don't want to get rid of him. They're, they don't want to get rid of him. There. This is this is exactly the type of player they want in that game, both for the broadcast and the other players enjoy having him there. So they, uh, you know, so here, uh, so. so to, now, so Trader Ruski, it's binding. You you think that it it needs to be run twice, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it does. I mean, if there's yeah. a law against it, he can. There's probably no law. Stun there's no law against it. it. There's a law that you. It's not binding. You know, from a, the casino is not going to enforce that it's going to be run more than once. Right. So so uh, so what ended up happening? Was that because there is no way to enforce that, that uh, that it had to stand, that it was run once. Now, uh, d- just to be clear here, even though they haven't really publicized this, they actually did make it right for Chris. They actually the, the bike actually coughed up the money uh, to Chris for this, but allegedly, uh, allegedly, that's what uh, that, that's that's what I've heard. That's what uh, right. <clears throat> there's been talk around the bike about what happened. They just didn't want to announce it. So there's been, 
you know, if, if you were to go to the bike and ask about this, you'd hear this, you'd hear about this from people that, uh, that they made it right for Chris. Right. But, uh, usually when they, when they would make it right, what they would do is then demand that the other player, uh, cough back up the money to the bike or otherwise they're banned. Uh, for the reasons that Calwatt said, because Harry has been playing there so long and is, uh, so desired at these games and has a good relationship with people there that the, the, right. the bike just coughed it up and did not demand Harry reimburse them. But this is unusual. So, so that's, that's what ended up occurring. But, uh, you know, it, from what you s- ended up on the broadcast, that Harry changed his mind in the middle, then got lucky, and then didn't want to run it a second time. Now, let's look at the hand itself, okay? A set against top pair in a backdoor flush draw has a very high chance of winning. So the chance of winning both of them, if you run it twice, the chance of winning both is very, very small. Now, no matter how many times you run it, it doesn't change the odds, the right. whole point with running doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it <laughs> doesn't bring, make a fucking difference. It, it brings down the variance <laughs> of the whole thing, but it doesn't change the odds. But in some people's minds, they want to feel like if they're running it twice, that they have a legitimate chance to win twice. And just in Harry's mind, if he's up against the set here, the chance of winning twice is so tiny that instead of seeing it like, well, I have two times a chance now to put a bad beat on than if I just ran once, he sees it like, right. my chance of winning both of them is so small, I'd rather either win the whole thing or lose the whole thing. I don't want to, you know, I don't want it where my best result's going to be half, and there's just about no chance my best result's going to be better than half. What, what, that yeah, part's and, true. And this this is the thing, and I'm not saying with regard to Harry, but in many games that I've been in, like, it tilts the fuck out of me when people are like... <laughs> They change their mind on what they want to do or how many times they want to run it after they see your cards. And the reason it annoys me is because it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it does. Like, it makes no difference whether you see my hand or not, what I've got, what you've got. Like, it makes no difference in the outcome of the hand or the equity that you have. But it just doesn't matter. Yeah, it, like, it, it makes it, no it, difference. It doesn't. It never matters. You have the same equity. You have the, have the same chance to win no matter how many times you split it up. But uh, all all that happens is the more times you run it, the closer you get to your true equity in the hand. Yes, like exactly. if you could run it an infinite amount of times, you would make exactly your equity. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. And so but, it's just your variance that is higher the fewer times that you run it. Yeah. That's all. But but That's the, all. but the the person who's the you know the gambler or the action player, he kind of sees it like if I have just about no chance to win both of them. Then screw right. it. I don't want to do it. I, I want to either just get lucky once or uh, or lose. I don't. I don't want to. You know, if, if which which for anyone listening, if that's the way you think about things, you think about poker entirely wrong. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but well, you that, that's that's why they want him in the game, and that's why he's calling five hundred dollars with nine three offsuit. So, well, it's a little more nuanced than that, and I think if you do play what. Uh, what Bart has to say about it, you'll you'll see what I mean well, in yes. that regard. Yes, yeah. so I'm going to. So yeah. Bart, uh, he already has made some commentary about it, uh, and I'm going to play Bart's commentary. I, I took a clip. I actually did some. Whoa, uh, you're you're getting the subscriber only premium content aired on here. Very nice. Yeah, well, you got uh, the you got the hookup, huh? Well, hopefully, I don't get sued, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to play a clip here. A, a carefully, I assume Bart said you could play it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's a, care, a carefully selected clip. Uh, that's uh, a short clip of, of Bart 
discussing the situation. He he actually discussed the situation for quite some time. He kind of was uh, right. He did it uh, a poker fraud alert style, very long. Yeah, we we don't. Yeah, I was going to say we don't know anyone that that talks for a long time. Like yes. <laughs> but uh, but I'm going to play a, a, a clip, which I think is here's the most important part of what he said, because I, I listened to this clip and I actually went back and made sure to play this particular part for everybody so you can hear. Because the timing was just really, really unlucky for all parties involved. Live at the bike, the bike, Harry and Chris, it was just bad timing. By the by bad timing, he means with uh, it was unclear whether he could see that Queen of Hearts coming out, that it was exactly in the middle before that came out to where it was impossible to say whether he did it because he saw the Queen of Hearts or because he didn't do it, or there's no way he could have seen here. It's right in the middle where there's people could argue either way. Just exactly mm-hmm. worst timing where it can't be determined whether or not he can see the card. So, in these particular situations, should we consider the character of the player that is involved? Should we consider what type of player that he is? Should we consider if he has a, reputa- a reputation that's good? If he's known as a scumbag angle shooting pro that has done shady shit like this in the past, or a recreational player that has never really angled like this. Should those things be considered? Of course they should be considered. Should the fact that he is putting in $500 with 9-3 offsuit, should that sway some people to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt? over somebody else uh, who's not as much as an action player? Yeah, of course. Anybody debating that has absolutely no idea about the antics and the different things that go on at high-stakes poker. Now, I'm not even saying that that is even that big of a consideration. What I'm telling you is that, yeah, of course they're going to give a guy like Harry leeway. Of course they're going to give him leeway. But I can add to the fact that he is literally one of the only guys that I know in the poker community, besides some people in CLP, that I know close, you know, Tuckman some coaches like Conlon, maybe, you know, Conlon and Key. He's literally one of the only people that I would loan money to in poker. And it would be a situation where he somehow didn't have money at some casino. It would never happen at the bike because he's got a box at the bike. But, you know, if he was in Vegas, I would loan money to him. He's 100% trustworthy. He might be the only one that's not connected to me in the business or like friend sense that I would do that with, where I think that the risk is just basically zero. Um, he ha- I have never seen him angle. Now, a lot of the masses, the, the, the angry masses, as I will call them, um, see that he his behavior is sometimes questionable on Live at the Bike. You know, he drinks a lot, plays. he's been playing his music out of his phone, sometimes he's borderline what appears to be abusive with the dealers, and for somebody that doesn't know him and their only experience with Harry is, you know, seeing him on these big games on Live at the Bike, I, I think that you can get a very skewed perception of his character based upon what you see there. But 
he's pretty much one of the straightest guys that you are going to see in poker that plays at those stakes that's like a recreational player. I have Okay, so I'm going to stop it right there. So I have to say even without hearing that description from Bart uh, just from when I watched it, I thought I, – I rewound it a number of times myself, not just to see the timing of it, of when that queen came out, but also to see when, when he went from – ran it twice, yeah, once – oh, he has a set, once, 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 once. Was he really just immediately reacting to knowing he was against the set and for whatever reason, you know, just because he knew he couldn't win twice – unless he got super, super lucky that he just wanted to go once with that irrational thinking. Was, was that just his reflex reaction? In which case he wasn't trying to do anything shady, but just was changing his mind and kind of did it at a bad time? Or, or is it possible that, that, that he was angling? Like not, not just was it possible by, you know, when did the card come out versus when he said it. From looking at his body language and the tone of it, listening to the tone of his voice... Looking at the whole thing, did it look like that it's possible he was angling or that he really just changed his mind a little bit too late? And Right, but how can you change your mind after then the guy exposed his hand? Well, because it doesn't... Uh, right, I mean, no, but he agreed to it when they both said, you want it, well, how many times you want to run it twice? Then they turn over and see how, you know, it's just like, it seems like, okay, then he Chris got the answer he wanted... Then they knew they were gonna, the agreement was in place, so then he was able to turn over his Oh, I, and I agree. I, 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 I agree with you that it should have been run twice. I agree with you that this that he should have honored the twice, that he shouldn't – once you agree yeah. to this, you shouldn't be able to go back on it. I'm just going back to the motivation. I do not well, think and, – And something was on the tape draft that I think uh, one of the other players at the table pointed out that I think um, I agree with and from what Trederuski is saying, he probably would agree with as well. Which is that an agreement takes two, uh, two or more parties, right? And, you know, in the beginning he said, uh, how many times you want to run it? He said, Harry said, run it twice. The other guy said, okay. Then the dealer said, okay, one all in, running it twice. And then Harry just unilaterally decided to change it. Um, which yeah, and, means, and I, means that you then don't have an agreement because the other guy didn't yeah, say, oh, point. okay, once, you know? Right. And, you know, and also, Kawad, I'd say too that it's like if he said it, and he didn't tell him what he had or expose his hand. He had the set, right. and then changed his mind. That probably would have been fine. And again, it and again, it makes no difference, right? Whether anyone sees the hand or not. I mean, it, some people, uh, like Druff was saying, they have faulty thinking and they they believe that it does make a difference. It doesn't. Your equity is your equity is your equity is whatever. It makes no fucking difference what your hand is, what their hand is, you know, whatever. So then the question is. Um, you know, does Harry know that? And one of the things that Bart said on that podcast um, is that he's had conversations with Harry about, you know, the the equities and running it more than once and all that stuff, and that Harry understands that. And he actually is not one of those guys that, um, you know, is a gambler and, and thinks that it changes based on uh, what's there. So, I mean, what I would then read into it is that he realized he was dead, and he was just didn't want to deal with it or waste the time or draw it out and just said fuck it you know and just run it once. I, I still think what you know? he I still right. think well, but the, before wait let me just say what and I'm not saying I, I agree that he can unilaterally change that but I think that's that's where he's coming from. You know? Yeah, but I I think that before when he agreed to run it twice, yep. he thought he had top pair against a flush draw. Like that was probably in his head. But it 
I mean, who knows? No, I, I, I know, I, I got it, but I'm just. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I no, but I think with that situation though, he might have said in his head, "Okay, I'll run it twice because you know he won't hit a heart both times." As to where if it's a set, he's got much, many less outs. I know you're saying that it doesn't matter. I don't, you know. Well, but. I can I can tell you his, his thinking here because he said it. He said it out loud. I. What is that set? Oh, I can only win once against that. I think that's really what he thought. He really thought that he's so crushed there that the chance of winning both times is just about zero, which is true. So that uh, so so really, all he wants to do is either get lucky once or lose. That he doesn't he yeah. doesn't want the best result. He doesn't want to if he gets lucky and then he only wins half the money. He wants it to worry. Now that's faulty thinking, of course. But uh, and I think he right. knows. I, I'm not saying that uh, when Bart said that he understands. The, I, I heard that in the in the. I didn't play that part right. here, but I heard when he said that too. I think he understands the equity is the same, but I think right. just in his head, it was it was just like the chance yeah. of running this and twice. And that and does happen zero, with a lot so. of these guys that they they can have a logical knowledge of it, but still not believe it. <laughs> you know? It's not even believing. I, I still think he, he just he just was thinking to himself when he said, "I yeah. can only win once." That's what was yeah, in his head. Like be. like why why bother running this twice if the best result I'm going to have. If I get really lucky, my best result's going to still be only win half the pot. Well, screw this. I, I, I want to either win the whole thing if I get lucky or nothing. And, and so even if he's not improving his odds and he knows he's not improving his odds overall, he wants to either win it or, or lose it and not have only half because, as he said, he quote, can't win twice. I'm or, not or just in the heat of the moment, this was a lizard brain response. You yes. know what I mean? Like he wasn't being super logical about it. Yeah. It was just his kind of um, emotionally kicked in. I mean, the other thing I can I can tell you – just as background, like, you know, Harry has got plenty of money, so it's not like he is going to be hurt by losing this, and I don't think really cares about losing, uh, you know, losing the money. So, you know, I, I, I think it was more just he, he might have felt, you know, maybe he felt shitty or he felt duped that, that he was so far behind, you know what I mean? And maybe that's why he got kind of emotional about it. I don't know. Yeah, and he and, and also so so here, what I see here is that I don't see there was angling here. I don't think that he he like saw the card no. come out. I don't th- I I from I watching that so, I watched it over and over. I'm telling you, it does not look like from his reactions, from his tone of from everything I could see there, it does not look like that he saw that queen coming out. It looked like he saw the set was against him. He said, "Oh crap! I, you know, I, I can't win twice. Run it once, once, once." He changed his mind once he saw the set. Once they had already agreed to twice, but so I don't think there's angling involved. I don't think he was trying to be shady. Or and, and again, and, and he doesn't have this history there. As Bart said, he right. doesn't have the history there, and, and he is someone with money, and he's not someone who's known to be. And I've seen this guy give action to the point where it's really hard to believe that he would ever have. Uh, a, a problem with that happening here, but let me ask you a question: Is there any, is there any way that the dealer can be culpable at all here? Like, should he have been quicker to just, you know, stop rolling the card out as soon as he heard that there was still kind of discussion going on, or yeah, did everything I, just happen I, I, I too did, quickly? I, I, not a lot of culpability, but I think there is. So, I was a little surprised how quickly the dealers went off to just deal. I, I, I would have thought that you. Uh, really wait for all the talk between them to stop, and then go. Okay, we're doing it twice, guys. Yes, yes. Okay, like like here it is a twice. Well, he did he did say that before he dealt. You know, he said I mean, it, but it went really fast. Like okay, running it twice. Like like. So I'm yeah. not I'm I'm not saying the dealer is the one at fault here, but if I was dealing it, 
I would have made sure that everyone agreed, understood, were done turning over their cards if they wanted to, and then would or have s- done it. Or as soon as Harry started saying once, 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 if you can, like, you know, don't don't flip that card out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then let them continue their discussion or negotiation or whatever it is the fuck they're doing, you know? I think the dealers heard they were doing it twice, and that was it, and he announced it, that he just kind of uh, turned his yeah, brain I off. I can understand. I mean, dealing has got to be boring as shit, so he's on autopilot to some yeah. extent. I, I just, know? I think in these type of situations, you just, as the dealer, you wait for all the talk to stop between them and, and where everybody's now waiting for you as the dealer. Then you deal. Not, not, uh, it, there's clearly things still going on there. Yeah, and then you, then you deal with all the assholes at the table. They're like, hurry up, dealer. Yeah. Why are you so fucking slow? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but but so so my my take on this is that I don't think Harry did something shady. I don't think he was trying to cheat in any way. But right. at the same time, he, this he should have honored the twice once he he agreed to it. He in fact it was his idea to do it. And and uh, and as you said, uh, it's a deal between two people. You can't just decide in the middle. Oh no, I'm going back to once because it's, uh, yeah. And and that's just it. I mean, I realize that it's not really binding at the table, but it's it's also kind of shitty. Like imagine. You're at the World Series, and I'm like, I, I text you, and I'm like, hey, Druff, you know, I'm in, I'm in town. You want to go out to dinner? Let's meet at, you know, such and such restaurant at, at 8:30, right? And you're like, oh, okay, cool, that sounds good. I'll meet you there, right? And then at 8:30, I text you saying, ah, nah, decided not to go. And you're, you, t- you're like, I- I'm already here, you know? You'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> you know? And it is that kind of, you know, when you've agreed on something, it's kind of. Just feels kind of icky to unilaterally just change it, you know? Yeah, he already agreed. He need, he needs to just stick to it. So, mm. so it was a, a crappy thing for him to do and for him to keep arguing about when when there is a the, the question was raised. He should have realized. Uh, I, I even understand the reflexive action to say once, 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 and then think for the yeah. moment that you're right. But as soon as people point out, hey, you agreed to twice, you, the, the right thing at that point is say, oh yeah, I did. Okay, fine, fine. I I yeah. I, 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 I meant and once, again, but I think screw you it. just felt kind of shitty that he was in that spot. You know what I mean? And he was arguing from an emotional point of view and he realized that it wasn't uh, an actual casino rule. So he could probably get away with it. Yeah. And did they, did they consider redrawing the turn? Uh, I I don't think so. It's, it just, they didn't consider any of that because what Harry was saying was that he said it, before that turn card came out, he said once. Yeah. And, and so from yeah. his perspective, it was only going to be once before he ever even saw it. You know? So why would you take it back? Well, the other guy doesn't agree, then action isn't complete. But I know yeah. that's not really action. But if there yeah. was somebody that hadn't called a bet. Yeah, again, I mean, Harry would just say the same do. thing, which is that it's not a casino rule, so right, right, right. there's yeah, no yeah. reason I mean, to bring anything back. Out for sure. This is yeah. this is a little bit similar to when people would uh, say when you say like all in and call, and it's not a tournament; it's a cash game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't actually put the chips out there, it's actually not legally binding. And you can actually, oh yeah, you can just you can just get up and walk. You, off. Yeah, you can take away. the chips and walk out. Yes, and they can ban you. You only do it once. Yes, though. they can they can ban you, but the, but that they can't force you to pay. So that's why I, I we talked about this on another show. There's a guy who used to wear he wore who wore a Burger King hat it, uh, in Atlantic City. Was uh, pulled this trick where they they agreed to do a flip for two thousand dollars in PLO. Uh, we're both supposed to go all in. So once it all in, the guy with the Burger King hat that I call, he lost the hand, and then he decided, no, I'm just taking my chips and leaving. 
and they, later. Could, they could they couldn't force him to pay. So they they banned him for this, but they couldn't force him to pay. So I was giving the advice on this show that unless it's someone that you know is not going to pull this, like a an honorable regular that you know is is not going to pull that angle on you, if it's so unknown, uh, you shouldn't just uh, let it run out. You should all in and call. There's, there should be where someone they, they put their chips out. Yeah, I'll tell you something. Like if I was ever playing with Harry. And we got into a big pot, and uh, he said, "How many?" You know, I said, "How many times do you want to run it?" And he'd say twice. Like I would definitely be like, "Are you sure?" Yeah, is that <laughs> you your is that your final answer? Is this? You know what I mean? I mean, in part, just to kind of needle him, but still. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's as big of a deal as been made on, by some on the internet that uh, they think no. that he, he saw he saw the queen. He that he changed it when he saw that his equity went up. No, no, it's a, I don't think he saw the queen. I think this was just he changed his mind too late. Uh, it wasn't you know wasn't getting edged by switching from twice to once, but just uh, but but at the same time didn't have a right to do that. And morally, he should have honored the agreement, which was twice. Yeah, and that's, I, I I would I would agree. You know what I mean? I, I think that he was just acting emotionally based on the the situation and dug his heels in. Because I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think the right thing to do is just to is to honor the agreement that you had. And from his perspective, he's just going to say, "Well, you know, I changed my mind, and it's my prerogative to change my mind, and it's not a rule, so fuck it." Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, I've seen it at uh, Commerce where fish will sometimes do something where technically the rule would go against them and then quietly sometimes when the fish is getting very agitated sometimes even threatening to quit or you know the, the people quietly try to urge them to just drop it and let it go because right. they you know to keep the game going and to keep the fish there to just give up the one extra bet they could have gotten or whatever because uh um now that's in limit hold I'm talking about so I know no limit is tougher when you when you've got to give up a large pot or a portion of a large pot because of some ruling but uh, but I, i've seen the same thing where the fish is definitely in the wrong but they everyone's urged to let it go because of who it is and then that that is one aspect of playing poker the live poker there were uh, you know and online there, there's, these things don't happen there's just uh, the computer makes the decision but uh, in live poker one aspect is that sometimes the fish is going to have to be kept happy and will be given uh uh, allowances and privileges that others don't get, and and you just kind of understand that right. that's, that's kind of part of it, and it's crappy if you're the one who gets the short end of the stick with it. And you know, if I was in this Chris guy's spot, I'd be pissed too. I'd be I'd be pissed. Well, about- I, okay, so this is actually another point that Bart made on that podcast that I I tend to agree with, which is and, and let's take Harry out of the equation because I don't want to necessarily call. Harry a fish, but let's say that we've got we're at some hypothetical game and we've got some massive fish there, right? Yeah. Um, you and this is the again the point that Bart made that I totally agree with. Like, as a as a poker pro, you should never care when a one of the recreational players makes a decision that that makes no difference. You know, whether it's like washing the the deck or choosing how many times they're going to run it. If you know that mathematically it makes absolutely no difference how many times this thing is run out, you know why? Why get upset about it? You know what I mean? It's just a it, it let let these rec players make emotional decisions that make absolutely no difference in terms of the outcome of the hand, and and don't fight with them and don't argue with them. Yeah, except in this know? case, th- this one because it was so close with the timing of when that Queen of Hearts fell. 
I can see. That's where, only if you believe he saw it. Only if you believe you know? he saw it. Yeah. If he didn't, if he didn't believe he saw it, then then fine. You just accept it, and uh, you know, you try to convince him why. It sucks, and then you rebuy, yeah. and then you you assume that at some point, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, that you'll get the money from him because the same thing will come up, and he's not going to get lucky. Yeah. So what? And, and, and I've 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 never been in the situation as big as that with a fish, but I have had it where where fish have uh, you know either they want some kind of ruling that's in their favor against me uh, that I actually you know back down with and just let them have it or or. Uh, are you sure? Because I heard about you fighting with guys in wheelchairs and shit. Well, that guy wasn't a fish. That was the problem. He was old, he was old but he wasn't a fish. So yeah, if it's another pro, then by all means, you know, use whatever rules that you you want to use. I'm just talking to get about, you know, against recreational players that if the, the the thing that they're talking about really makes no difference whatsoever, keep them happy. Let them do whatever the hell they want. You know, who cares? Yeah. Uh, I've even you want to run it once. You want to run it fifty times. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, go ahead. No, that, that's tr- that's true. But I'm even saying with some of the small things that do matter, uh, I've, I've let go just just because of of who they are, and I wanted to keep them happy there. And like I've even had it where they've, uh, you know, I, I want to switch. They, they want to switch a seat, and then I, I want to take the seat instead. And I'm the uh, the one with seniority, and I can overrule them. If if it's someone like David Baker, I'm going to overrule him. We're going to get a big fight about it. If it if it's a fish, I actually just let him have it. I don't even go and, into the right. Limit. And I've you know I've seen pros, and I I can understand because it is it it is grueling and annoying to sit at a poker table for you know eight ten hours or, or whatever you're you're doing, and have a guy who uh, wants the cards washed or the a, a new setup on a regular basis, right? Yes. Like I can understand how that would be annoying, but just let him do it. Yeah, that's you know, you know, right. you know it makes no difference. I know it makes no difference. Let them do it. Keep them happy. Keep them there. That's what I've thought you too. Know? When I when I I've seen that too, where there's a lot of you know someone just over and over wants them to. Oh, it, it, to I mean, you know, I've and, been there. I've seen it happen, and it, it annoys me too. But I just keep it inside. Yes. you know, it's like, eh. I mean, it delays the game a little bit. All right, I'll see what's going on on Twitter. You know, who fucking cares? Yeah. So, I have not much more to say about this one. Uh, things less of a big deal than it's being made out there and uh yeah there are people on two plus two that were calling harry all sorts of shit and i i think they're i think they're way off base i mean i i do agree that an agreement is an agreement and that it takes two people to agree and that harry should have stuck to it but the rest of it you know whatever yeah i don't think he was angle shooting i don't think he was cheating you know yeah okay so we're gonna move on here to the gordon vio story and that's that's uh, an interesting one as well. Here, this is about uh, poker stars now and a lawsuit that Gordon Vio is uh, commencing against them over. And, and Druff, you got mad at me for just leaving last time, so I'm going to let you know okay. that that I'm officially tapping out. I actually wanted to be here for the uh, the discussion of the Galphon thing too, but I'm just it's like four a.m. I, mean, I, I can if you, if you want I can switch the topic we do the Galphon thing, but if you don't want to, if you want to, yeah, no, it. yeah, sure, let's okay. let's do it, okay, we'll and then sw- I'll I'll we'll take sw- off after we'll, that. We'll swap topics then, okay. Oh, and then there's then there's the two plus two. Oh my God, there's some there's some juicy shit on here, Drew. Okay, so <laughs> we'll, we'll go to the Galphon topic. We'll come back to Gordon Vio after that after Cal Watt drops off. What, what if you what if you did Galphon? And then the two plus two topic because they go into it, they relate to each other. Well, that's you know what I was going to do. Yeah, they, they are they are yeah, connected. Do, yeah, do do those two and then go to Gordon. Yeah, so I'll do. Okay. All right. Cool. 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 So so, so uh, Phil Galfon, we we mentioned on the last show, 
that he had given an update and uh, regarding his poker site, which still hasn't uh, officially opened yet. I guess it's open for beta for play money testing, but uh, it, it's been years in development and it's become kind of a running joke on 2 Plus 2 that it's taking so much longer than anticipated. But he uh, he announced a few weeks ago that, I think two two and a half weeks ago he announced that the site would basically be launching in two phases. One, which would be cash games only, and then second, which would also have tournaments and then have a lot more features. So they're basically launching with a very basic version of it first, and then uh, later they're going to bring the, the full-featured version. He was explaining that the first the development team they had was, was kind of a fail. I, I won't, we, we talked about that last time. I won't rehash that whole story. So that was where we left off. But he posted a major update since then. And that gave a lot more detail. And I was surprised at some of the decisions that they had made. Last time we were criticizing their decision to do two launches, basically. And we were saying how that was stupid, and we criticized a lot of what led to that occurring. But uh, but this goes beyond that, because... They've come up with some ideas, some of which were good, or at least decent, and some of which, uh, especially one that I think is a horrible idea. So he put this out on his blog called uh, Laying the Groundwork, Run It Once Poker Post Number 2. And let me get to this specific blog here. So it says, Laying the Groundwork, he goes on to describe their policies and the way they're going to run the games. So first he addresses the concept of HUDs, which are the software that gives you stats on all the players at the table. And there's been a lot of controversy about HUDs in general in poker for many years, as some people feel they're cheating, some people feel that they're just you know, giving too much of an advantage to pros, uh, some people feel they're predatory, some people feel that they're fine. So we're not going to have the whole HUD debate here, because that's not really... That relevant. Thank, thank God. But uh, but <laughs> there, there has been the question: Is are they going to be allowed or not? So Phil was uh, trying to decide. He kind of openly talking about it in his blog. Of you know, do we allow this or not? And uh, and if we don't allow it, then how do we enforce it? And you know, because there's a concern. If you say they're not allowed, then you get most. Then you have the people who follow the rules not using them, and then you have the few who don't follow the rules getting, getting an even bigger edge with them because most people aren't using them. So that's what he which was, will happen. Yes, which he will, so so he's concerned about that. So so all the things that he was concerned about and the, the way he approached the whole HUD debate, it was it was pretty well reasoned and intelligent. I'll give him that. But uh, here's what they wrote as far as their conclusions. HUD policy, what, why, and how. I'll start with our overall policy on HUD use and then get into our reasoning before diving into the first couple of features I'll be sharing with you. The what. HUDs will not be allowed on Run It Once Poker. So he's saying no HUDs. So then he says the why. Let me start by saying that I clearly don't think there's anything wrong with allowing HUDs or playing with a HUD. I enjoy using a HUD. I think it adds adds a really fun and interesting dimension to the game, especially in heads-up or short-handed games against the type of competition. I think HUDs, along with track, in-tracker studying, offer an absolutely fantastic way to learn about the game. I discussed. Yeah, and, and incidentally, re- very related to that, 
just about every video that's up on Run It Once is, is the training videos. All have huds. Yes, yes. <laughs> like every single one of them. <laughs> so, which so, it's just ironic. Yeah, so, you know? so he says, uh, I, I, I discussed that, I discussed using stats in my one run it once videos and I've spent a ton of time becoming a better player through the use of a HUD and tracker in general. I hope that some sites will continue to allow HUDs and that I think that many sites with features unlike ours absolutely should. We're just going to do things differently. Over time, the edges that pros have for recreational players have only increased. Our understanding of the game grows with every passing year, and novices aren't getting any better. HUDs, which advance over time, only widen the gap further. Great, you may say as a pro, more money for me. The problem is, as you may know, most losing players have more or less a finite amount they're willing to lose playing poker. Taking it faster doesn't create a larger supply, and in fact, the opposite is usually true. Those amateurs who want to play for fun or in hope of improving and becoming a pro themselves are in some cases losing so consistently that all the fun and hope is sucked out of the game for them. They quit sooner and find somewhere else to play and spend their time and money. If you're paying attention, this is the same thing that Daniel Negreanu has been saying uh, for a long time in defense of many of PokerStars' changes. While he and I agree on the problem, once and once, run and once will try to solve it in our own way. I, I don't think... Daniel DeGranu should be cited here. For, he, he's really taken a lot of crap for a lot of his statements, like yeah, more rake is better. I think that uh, he, he's the wrong one for Phil Galfond. Well, be. what he's saying is that he, they both agree that it is a problem. Yeah. But but they disagree with how to solve it. But but he didn't say that directly. He said that uh, well, we're going to solve it in our own way. He didn't say those. He didn't say well, like that's Dan's- that's corporate speak, and right. and that's being polite. And yeah, that 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 is what he's saying. If I were him, in I would at, at least in my opinion. If I were him, I wouldn't even have brought it up because he, there's such bitterness about Negreanu and poker stars. Yeah, right that, now, that's so true. That's I would have just left it that. It is out. bringing up kind of a so a taint, tainted. So issue. then then he shows the uh, a, a, a video from a stream. With all this HUD data up there that looks very intimidating and confusing to those who don't understand it. <laughs> was it one of their training videos? I don't even know. It, was, it, <laughs> it probably was. It probably was. I don't even understand all the numbers. Like, even I don't understand it. It's really weird. It almost looks like someone just banged on the keyboard for each and they just put random characters, but whatever. Uh, no, they get, they get really, really good at knowing yeah. what all those things mean. Yeah, they must have. So it says, I'm, uh, like they, they get crazy. Like I, they, they'll have like a, uh, you know, river check raise, frequency based on previous streets and there'll be like wow. a stat for that you know what i mean yeah. it's crazy yeah it looks like there's a million stats up there so he says uh so he says so how is so what is run at once going to do to inf- effectively enforce a no hud policy which is a good question you know how can they enforce it he says while preparing to write this i came across a blog post of mine from over six years ago long long before run at once poker was ever conceived and even before run at once training the post, the post was focused on the problems I saw with the state of the games and starting a discussion about what could be done to fix them. I was trying to get poker sites, primarily the most pre- player-friendly at the t- site at the time, PokerStars, to listen and to react to ideas from the community. Halfway through that post, in an attempt to avoid arguing for things that advantaged me as a player, I set some goals that I believe to be universally true. And so this, these are those goals. Uh, number one, make poker, make playing poker an easy and fun experience for both pros and recreational players. Should be self-explanatory. Let's not scare anyone away. Two, close loopholes that allow unethical players to gain an advantage over those who choose to be more honest. Don't punish the good guys. Three, promote the play of more hands. In addition to more regular games being good for players, it's obviously showing something that poker sites have major financial incentives to do so. We need their goals to be met as well as ours. And this is him just talking about poker sites running at the time. He was not running one or planning to run one at the time. And he wrote this in January 2012. 
So uh, he says a lot of discussion after a lot of discussion amongst the Runner One's poker team about HUDs. The first things we came to agree on were th- were this: if we could find a way to effectively ban HUDs, we should. If we can't find a way to effectively ban HUDs, we should allow them. Three, we have yet to see a poker site ban HUDs in a way that we would consider effective enough. Well, okay, these are good points. So, so it's a, that is a problem. If you ban them, uh, you, you mm-hmm. have to you have to be careful that people aren't still using them and getting a bigger edge that way. So, so then uh, he goes on to to talk about David Skolansky, talking about how uh, Skolansky wrote that for cheaters, it's usually positive expectation for them to cheat because the the penalty for getting caught isn't uh, isn't high enough for. Uh, to, to dissuade them from doing it. So he says, I believe he argues for a much harsher punishment in order to make breaking the law a, a negative EV endeavor. Our plan is to make using a HUD on runner once poker uh, negative EV falls in three categories, prevention, enforcement, and disincentivization. Uh, I'm not going to dry, dive into the first two categories yet, there's prevention and enforcement, in part because I don't want to share our methods for HUD prevention and detection. Well, then, yet, yeah, it sounds like he's not going to ever. Uh, instead, I'll be sharing a couple of our features, which were partially inspired by the desire to disincentivize HUD use, focused on decimating the advantage one could gain if they sh- somehow managed to operate a HUD illegally. So, um, th- this is where he starts to present what changes they're going to make. These are new things that no poker site's ever done before. Some this, of- this isn't just the avatar shit that we discussed already, is it? We haven't discussed the avatar shit yet. Yeah, we did. With each other, but not on here. This really? Was, this was put out after that. Oh, yeah. Oh. This was put out after that. Last week we just discussed the, the last time we... This was put out May 2nd. We haven't had a show in May yet. Hmm. Yeah, you're okay. forgetting. We, we discussed the Avatar stuff with ourselves. Got it. So, okay. You even made me doubt it. I had to scroll up and see the date of this blog was May 2nd. So, oh, man, I could swear that we talked no, about that. No, we, we, I, know, I know that we discussed it privately, but I could swear yeah, we talked no, about it on the show. Bad, unless, we anyway, the future, go ahead. unless we saw the future somehow. Wow. I, I guess I kind of did see the future. I talked about my cold. I haven't had a cold yet this year, and there we were. So, okay. So they came up with some innovations here, which uh, some of which, which I think uh, are decent, and, and one in particular which I think is horrible. So... The first thing they're doing is what they call table aliases. So let's look at normal online poker, like on PokerStars. I was Dan Druff there. When you saw me sit down, you saw Dan Druff, and you knew it was me. And unless I was multi-accounting, which is against the rules there, I, I, I would always have to sit down as Dan Druff. So, of course, anyone who is data mining there could get stats on me and, and uh, play against me accordingly. I'm sure some did. So... What they're doing here is sort of making anonymous tables like Bovada does, but with a different twist, making them a little bit less anonymous. What they're doing is every time you sit down, I shouldn't say every time, every day you will be assigned a random name, like Jason S., this is not for someone actually named Jason. There's, you know, they're actually just picking, you know, no matter who you are, they'll just pick a random first name and initial. Yeah, as opposed to like a number on Bovada or yeah, whatever. Yeah, so yeah. so for today, you're going to be Jason S., they decide. Okay, the site decides this. It's random. And then any table you sit at that same day, you're going to be Jason S. 
for the rest of the day. So, so this means once people see you on that same day, if you jump to other tables or open up second or third games, they'll see it's the same person. But they won't have any history on you before that. They'll have history on you for that day, for however long you play, but, but they won't know about the hand you played yesterday, the day before, the day before, because you'll have had a different name on those days. So that's what they're doing to make anonymous tables, but not quite as anonymous as Bovada. Because Bovada, you, you can leave the table and, and sit right back down, and there's no way to tell if, if that's you again or if it's a new player joining. So you can only bum hunt them for a day. Yes, exactly. You can only bum hunt people for a day. So, so Makes it fun, though. <clears throat> like You could act like a complete fish and then get people to follow you around <laughs> and then just crush them. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so... Well, people in Bovada try that too. They try like they make these buy-in amounts. They think the fish would normally buy in with, like just some weird number with change or, or, or right. very low amounts, and, and then uh, you start playing. The thing is, they, they don't try to play like a fish at the beginning. Like the second you start playing them, you realize that it's a ruse. Anyway, so back to this. They they're doing this so at least number one, uh, you know, for the day you see the same player, so it's not. Uh, so anonymous that you can't get any read on who it is. And like if you played with someone earlier that day, you'll, you'll remember him. He opens up a second table. Or if he leaves and comes back, you'll remember him. And also, if there's someone that you have suspicions of, you know, colluding or anything else, uh, you can see throughout the entire day what they're doing and report them. Whereas, on again, on Bovada, you can't do that. So that's, that's where they're making anonymous tables, but... Uh, not fully anonymous, to where at least uh, you're the same alias for the entire day. I think that's like actually... That, that Tom Cruise movie where the day reset constantly? Remember that? That was actually a pretty decent movie. He he had to... His day kept on resetting in time every single... No, no, he, 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 he was trying Tom to get Cruise. further and further. Are, are, you, are, you, are you sure you're not thinking of Groundhog Day with uh, Bill Murray? No, definitely not Groundhog Day. Okay. I'll, I'll find it while you keep going. Go okay. ahead. I actually like Groundhog Day. You know what? Someone someone sent me an email in 1993 before I saw Groundhog Day, and they said to me, "Don't see Groundhog Day if you can avoid it." And I actually believed that person that it was a bad movie, so I didn't see it for a while. And then I saw it, and I go, "What were they talking about?" The interesting thing is, the person who sent me that email in 1993 is Benjamin's mom. Hmm. She's the one who told me not to not to see Groundhog Day back in '93. It was called Edge of Tomorrow, by the way. Okay, I never saw that. Twenty fourteen with Tom Cruise. Okay. Anyway, the the, the point is that it's kind of like that in that you know you're you get a whole fresh new day every day, right? In yeah. terms of people knowing who you are. Yes. And what your what your name is and what your avatar looks like. Yes, and and I actually think this is a good idea if you're going to have anonymous tables. I, right. I think I think this is a good idea. I think this is an innovative, good idea. I give them props for this one. I, I think this is a lot better than what Bovada is doing. And and I I've, I've had this issue before on Bovada where someone leaves and like there's a fish at the table. He gets disconnected. Someone sits back down. I don't know if it's the same guy. And then I had to play a while to figure out if it's the same person. Like yeah, <clears throat> it's much better. And, and I've also had pros pull this where like they'll leave, they'll disappear and then someone new sits down. I go, okay, is that the same guy I've been playing with or is it a new person? It's, it's annoying. So, so I do I, I agree with you that I think that this is a pretty smart solution to uh, the problem that they're trying to address. Um, but I do also feel kind of I don't know. I feel kind of sad in a way because I mean, really, 
let's say this site takes off and it becomes like, you know, the place to play poker, which I realize is, you know, probably a long shot. Um, but let's say it happens. <clears throat> I mean, there, there aren't going to be any more online stars, right? You're not going to be able to, to go on there and sweat someone like Isildur, <clears throat> you know, playing four different tables with these crazy high stakes guys and all that. And you're not going to have people sweating Dan Druff like you exactly. used to have that, people sweating you. That's, you the only, that's the only reason anyone knows who I am in poker is because of uh, watching me right. on Poker Stars. In the now I get, days. and you, you know, you're not going to have like I, I still have the mental image of of Durr uh, playing as that little puppy dog, like the little scared puppy yeah. dog was his avatar for the longest time. Um, and I realize that the landscape has changed, right? So you know, maybe the this solution is better than. You know, the, the fact that you're going to be losing out on, uh, you know, being able to sweat people and, uh, people becoming kind of celebrities from their online poker play. Maybe it's worth giving that up to, to be able to have, you know, fair anonymous tables, but it does kind of make me sad. Yeah. You know, it does. It's, it is very different. And yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but yes, you're, you're right that if this becomes the norm, that there will be no more online poker stars. So yeah. So and how do you like? Let's say you're this phenom online player. Like, how do you ever consider translating that into any kind of fame or sponsorship? Yeah, you can't unless unless you go play live and manage to <laughs> duplicate it. And, and, and I realize they said that for the high stakes games they were going to do it differently, so maybe it doesn't matter. But I don't know. Just a little sad. So it, so it was kind of fun to be able to rail your friends and have your friends be able to rail you. you know? Yeah, it was. It was, and I I, I lived that myself, and that was a, a fun yep. part of online poker. So so. But then I then on the positive side, I guess you can't have people bum hunting you or stalking you or following you around and harassing you and stuff. So I don't know. There's anyway, that, go, there's, go. Al, there's also when you're in a losing streak, you don't have to deal with people seeing it and the kind of humiliation of losing. Even if you're a pro and just kind of on a downswing, you you can just. Have your own pain from it. You don't have to, to know everyone's watching you get killed and go. Oh, you see how much he lost today? Like it's. I have to say that that is. Well, you one do. Nice you thing. do for a day. Although, the, although but you're they right. They don't know who the they hell don't you, know are. Who you are. Yeah, yeah so that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that 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 part is. Yeah, that part, as I said, is, is okay. If you're going to have anonymous tables, I think that's a good approach. Yeah. Makes, what, makes me a little sad, but I think, given the landscape, very reasonable. And a pretty smart solution to it, you know? But but here, I, I did see one woman in the thread uh, saying, uh, the thread on uh, Run at Once Poker, uh, she was saying that she was sad because she wanted to be able to pick her own unique character. And what happens is, like, let's say you're a dude, you may sit down at a table and you may get a female name and a female avatar. You you can pick your own avatar, so you can look however you want. But the way you look to everyone else is going to be totally random, as oh, really? is your name and and thus sex and all that. I, kind I didn't of stuff. I know I didn't realize that you'd pick your own avatar, but no one else would see it. That's kind of pointless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you get to see it, I guess. But why does it even matter? To that I, I feel weird having an avatar that no one else could see. Well, they have to do it that way, though, right? No, because I know if they, they're I, randomizing I know. it. I know. You know, they have to. Yeah. So anyway. It says, uh, so th- then came the part that I thought was absurd and insane and, and very, very ill-conceived. So they discussed, you know, making the anonymous tables where you have the same uh, name for a day. And the, the reason they're doing this is so data miners can't mine very much data. 
that every day the data changes and that uh, they can't do any kind of long-term data mining. But he's also talking about disincentivizing using HUDs to where what if they just displayed the stats for everybody? What if they just uh, let everybody see all these stats? Uh, then there'd be no point of using a HUD because then everybody would have this access to the same stats. But the problem was they were concerned, and rightfully so, that amateur players would say, what the hell is this crap? <laughs> what, what are all these numbers on the screen? VPIP, PFR, 3B, what, what is all this crap? Even if you explain it to them, it's going to seem weird and intimidating. I would scare the shit out of them. And, and, and they're not going to want to play poker like that, which, which is true. Well, and not just, not just that. Like It's stuff that they – if they're sitting down, they're sitting down to have fun and to be entertained – and they don't want to have to learn. They don't want to study, you know? Yes. Yeah, they don't want to learn that stuff. Exactly. So so this is – so so Yalfon correctly said that just presenting these stats to everybody is uh, is a mistake. So what they came up with was a simpler way to show these stats to people in, in a way that everybody can understand. And I, I can't believe they actually came up with this. They decided to do this with what they call dynamic avatars. Dynamic avatars, the expression on their face will change based upon how they're playing. So, for example, I, I really can't believe they, the managers of Run It Once Poker, including Galfon himself, got together and, and thought this is a good idea. It's 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 crazy. So, for example, if somebody is being very tight, if somebody is hardly playing any hands, they're going to show that avatar sleeping. (laughs) If someone seems to be tilting and playing wildly and over-aggressively, they're going to have an angry face. And then if somebody is playing just kind of a weird, random, hard-to-determine, but negative expectation type style, just, you know, basically a fish probably, they're going to have an expression on their face like they're either confused, stoned, or retarded. (laughs) Now, what's the problem here? Well, the problem is the site is going to be insulting its own players. The fish are going to be made fun of by the site in order to display their play style. So so they're saying, well, we're not going to show stats because stats are too intimidating looking and complicated. We're just going to, instead of putting all these stats down, we're just going to show someone sleeping if they're too tight. We're going to show them angry if they're tilting. We're going to show them uh, you know, a real confused look on their face if they're just playing badly in general. Why? That's something that should never happen, never, ever, ever happen in poker, is where the venue providing the poker game, casts judgments upon the players. The venue should not be labeling players as fish. The venue should not be labeling players as too tight. The venue should not be labeling players as as tilting. See, I I think it's okay if the, uh, the site does label the players that way. But here's the thing. They should never show that player 
what their own image is. Well, the, you know it's, what I mean? it's still a problem. If, as long as people can chat, then they can say, ha no wonder you're a sleeping guy. You know, I folded you, but you're a sleeping guy. Like, I can see there people, it, all it takes is one person to comment what they see the other person has. And yeah, I guess people could be lying about it. But uh, I, I just, once people are aware it's, it's displaying this way, and then. Well, okay, so what, in, in one of those threads, what Galfon had mentioned, and maybe they'll change it, who knows, but was that you would see your own stats like you would see your own face change as you played and your image would be based on all of the hands that you have played right yes where whereas the image as it appears to other people would be based on only the sample of hands that they had right now here's the thing like if you're sitting at a table and if you have any kind of awareness at all at all you definitely will have some idea of what other people's image is right just at a live poker table you know, you'll have, you'll know that the the old guy who's is constantly folding and plays very tight, and you'll know, you know, the the wild crazy guy who's you know raising and re-raising, and you, you'll get some general sense of that. So I kind of get that in terms of what they're trying to convey. But the thing that you or most people won't have a lot of awareness of is their own image. You know what I mean? Um, because if people are on tilt, first of all, it takes away their logic and they can't really see or, or notice that they're tilting. But the point is that we're, we're much better at seeing other people's image rather than our own. And I think that I probably would be pretty okay with this as long as the person was never shown their own image. Um, or at least it would be better if they didn't. But what he was saying was that you were going to see your own. Yes. Which I, I agree with you. Then just tips them off. Oh, I, I should, I'm sleeping. I should play more. Or, uh, you know, I'm crazy. I should play less. I think which, it'll piss people off, yeah. too. I think people will feel insulted. Not, not, I'm not saying the right. pro will feel it. I'm saying the, the average recreational player will go, crap, uh, right. this, the site's making fun of me. Everyone sees me as a, as a sleeping guy now because, I, because I'm not playing hands or they're, they're seeing me as a tilter. Like, right. as you said, people don't see the, the, the average tilter doesn't believe he's on tilt. The average. Right. Weak type player doesn't think he's weak tight. He thinks that he's just yep. smart and only playing, playing premium smart, hands. Yeah. And, and only playing <laughs> premium hands. The the average pl- person making really weird negative expectation moves that, uh, that 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 are just very fishy. They don't think they're being fishy. They think they're being unpredictable. So, so what if I mean the the way that I would do this is I would never display the the own player their own image. Right? I just would never show that. And instead, what I would do is the same way that you could on full tilt, where you could change your own avatar to be whatever you wanted it to be. Um, you know, they had it where you could change your emotions, where you could look crazy, you could yeah. look sad or whatever. I would let people change their own avatar manually, and it would be like a placebo, right? They would be changing it, but they would be the only one who saw it. Um, and the, the software would never tell them that um you know what their playing style was and they would see all these other faces that were changing on the table and they would just think other people are making funny faces that that would that would be a good trick except 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 it could break down again if there's a chat and people start discussing at the table what's what's really going on like they yeah but they can do that anyway like whether there's an avatar or not you know people pros or anyone could be like oh you you keep folding, and you know, I mean, that's going to happen well, okay, regardless but, but of whether I'll, there's an avatar, right? And, and this came up in my discussion of this on, on two plus two, and and my answer was, was the following: that when you are 
being labeled by the site itself. That's different than a player calling you a name. I've I've had it before where where players who aren't very good uh, just just say all kinds of horrible things about my play style. I'm a fish. How oh, could you yeah. have done this? You're terrible. And I and they really they're not just saying it to be insulting. They really believe I'm terrible. They 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 really believe that as they're saying it. And uh, uh, or, or they just like insulting you because it makes them feel better. Yeah, you know? or that. But then, then and then I've also even had other pros that just uh, in a bad mood and make some kind of uh, comment and uh, uh, about my play style and try to insult me. But I so I whenever these these insults would come about my play style, I would think to myself, you know, I'd stop for a second and go, okay, I wonder if, I don't think I'm terrible, but, you know, did I just make some bad plays here? Maybe I should review, that be my first thought. My second thought would be, okay, this is the, the, the most of the time I just think, okay, they're just being idiots, uh, I'm not, uh, they're trying to be insulting, F them. And, and I didn't walk away thinking, I just learned today I'm terrible at poker. Like, I wasn't, I, just because people said it, I it didn't, I didn't have to believe it. And, and a lot of times they were incorrect. If the site is, analyzing your play and is displaying to people that you're crappy in some way or another and then you're informed of it even if you can't see yourself which which by the way to be clear galfon said that you are going to see yourself yeah but, that's the big problem and that, 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 I, yeah but here's the thing Druff, like on your average poker room today if a rec player sits down almost everyone else at the table is going to have a hud <laughs> you know what i mean and i've seen it where you know, either pros or wrecks or wreck fishes or whatever they are that are using a HUD, um, they start insulting people and be like, oh, your VPIP is blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and they, they're doing the, the same exact thing, you know? Well, it's, so, uh, it's still a little different because, again, it's, it's a person's interpret, a person's interpretation of stats is different than a poker site that people will give a lot more credit. If the site says you here, suck. Here's what I guarantee you is going to happen. 100% guarantee because it it's happened with every online game or any network game out there or, or really any game in general is that every single pro is going to have the exact breakdown of stats and a matrix of the different faces and exactly what those translate to. Like I guarantee you that algorithm is going to be reverse engineered so that everyone is going to know exactly what each face means in terms of you know the the style of play. oh yeah yeah I think so hundred hundred percent that's going to happen so that is going to be you know and there's nothing they can do about it you know so that will be an advantage that the the pros will have you know not just will they see the the smiley face but they will know the exact uh, time or the the exact stats that will cause you to change from one face to another you know what I mean another problem with it, with the faces by the way. Will be that uh, this will, this really will make the, the players more targeted than they were before. Now, yes, if someone's a really horrible fish, then you're going to see it pretty quickly. Uh, but, but uh, the, the people who are how, kinda, how is it going to make them more targeted than they were with HUDs that give people the exact stats? Though, well, if, they, if it's at a game, every single person's running HUDs, th- th- then then no, it won't. But I'm saying in, in cases where. People aren't we're, like the game. The limit hold'em games didn't have HUDs used anywhere nearly as much as, as the no limit ones. Uh, right. and, and, but even putting limit hold'em aside, it's not that every single person at the table has HUDs. But uh, once you do this, then you really are going to have this person targeted by uh, by everyone. Now he did point yeah, out, but that- especially especially if you you did what I'm saying, where 
the person picks their own avatar. They're the only one that sees it, and they can change their face to whatever emotion that they want to. That's a placebo. I mean, the average fish is going to think when all the other faces are changing, they're going to think someone's there clicking it and changing it. They're not going to fucking know the difference. Yeah, I'm just you saying. I mean? if, if, but I still think words will get around what's going on. I think I think that's the problem. All, all they have to do is, is learn from one person what's happening. And to then people on the forums and to people that participate, no, yeah, room, but you'd be room. shocked at how many people just don't engage in any of that and they just log on and play. If there was no, if there was no chat, I would agree. Uh, the problem is the chat room. All it takes okay. is, is people to mention this, and I, I just I, I don't see much of an advantage of doing this. It, it, it's just uh, if they. And they're still not even explaining how they're going to detect HUDs and what they're going to do. Yeah, to you're right it. because this is all predicated on. The fact that if they do this, no one's going to use a HUD, yeah. which I, I disagree with. I disagree like, I think with it too. People yeah. are going to use HUDs, <laughs> right? So, so I, I say if they if they've got these these revolutionary detect- detection methods, or they're gonna they're going to punish the users of HUD so harshly that they think it's going to stop, and they they believe this will work. Fine, then do that, and then just. Otherwise, just leave normal poker running. You you can do the thing with uh, anonymous tables like they described. I'm fine with that. But this whole thing here, I, I think any time a player is insulted by the room, which is, this is an insult, any, anything that's showing, nobody ever wants to hear that they are a bad or suboptimal poker player. Ne- never. You, right. you don't want to hear you're tilting. You don't want to hear that you're, you're too tight. You don't want to hear that, that there, there's something weird about your style that isn't good. You, you you don't want to hear these things. And if you hear it, you usually find reasons to say, this person's an idiot. They don't know what they're talking about. I, pay th- I bet they're the fish. Or they just don't understand right. me. I've got, I've got a great style. They just don't understand. Uh, as soon as a computer, the site itself is telling you, yeah, you're actually really tight. Uh, that You're way too tight. That, that's well, the, Again, that's why I would not tell the, the person yeah. who is playing. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah, I, I yeah. just would not. It would be a placebo for them. They I, would see in their own avatar. They can change their own expression to whatever they want it to be, and they're they're going to think that that's what other people are doing too. I agree. Your your huh. your solution is is far better than the one that has been proposed here. But mm. I I still think that even that is not a good solution because of the reasons I stated. I think they should yeah. shouldn't do this at all. And uh, and not only that, if if you think that let's say some you know, the plans are you can see your own face. So, yeah, that is horrible. So, you, you should not be able to see your own face. So, if, so let's take the guy who sees himself sleeping. Uh, do you think this is going to make him play a lot more hands? Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes yes, sometimes I go, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was that tight. Okay, maybe I better loosen up. But other times, the person will feel very uncomfortable because mm. you can't just – Wake up and say, okay, I'm going to play a more aggressive style. I'm going to play more hands. A lot of people are just not comfortable playing more hands. They've developed a style over the years, good or bad, right. where they, they feel comfortable playing a, 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 in a certain way. And to deviate <laughs> from that can be very tough, especially if you're, if you're very tight. So, yeah. so That's why I love it when I hear people like <laughs> I'm sure you run into this all the time too, but especially my um, you know association with, with Bard and Crush Light Poker. And I know so many people that – I've been playing poker for like, uh, you know, they'll be like, oh, I played poker for 20 years, you know, it, it, but it's amazing that they can do it for so long and never learn and still be terrible because they like what you're saying. They fall into those habits and that's just what they do. And they think just because they've done something for a long time that they're good at it, but it's 
not the case. Yeah. <laughs> like I've known so many people that would benefit from, you know, a training site or some instruction or learning how this stuff goes. And they just don't care. Like they don't want to learn. And they think just because they played it for a long time, they know what they're doing, but not the case. <laughs> yeah. So this, so it seems like they're going forward with this and, but yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, Drew. I want to add something about the, the HUD detection. I know that they are not disclosing how they're going to be able to do it, but this is an arm, arms race that they really can't win. Um, you know, they, they will have to have a large staff that looks for it, but if you're really smart about this stuff, like, you know, I mean, people are doing stuff where they'll just run something inside of a VM. Yes, I was and, yeah. and the actual software that does the interpretation, all it will be doing is scraping the screen. And you and you can't detect that. Yes, like that's, you just a, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking if you're doing a virtual machine, how what are they going to do about that? <laughs> it's just, it's just well, then they could try to detect that it's running in a virtual machine. But a lot of these virtualizers are so good, and the and the whole reason they work and they're able to virtualize is that the underlying software really has no idea that it's happening, and that's why everything is able to run and work. And if there's nothing that they can check for that's installed on this VM, you know, what are they going to do? They're, the software is going to be running on a, another computer. Or I'm sorry, on the actual computer, not in the VM. And it's just going to be scraping the screen. And they can't fucking do anything about that. And there's there's even more extreme versions. Even if they're even if people become afraid that it could detect the virtual machine in some way, and, uh, mm-hmm. and they, get, they could run a, a separate machine to, to to look at the screen and and, yeah. and scrape it that way and then there's definitely no way to do that to see there's another machine that's, that's watching the screen from uh yeah the same location so there's yeah it, it is something that's that's going to be very yeah, and hard. that's what that's what a lot of pros did when it was banned in the usa is they had their buddies that set up just like a computer sitting off an ethernet jack somewhere in canada so it was physically located in canada and they would just use TeamViewer or some other screen sharing software that was built into the computer. So it's not something that you can look for and say, oh, this shouldn't be here. And then they would just remote play that way. Yes. You know? And I, I've known pros that got away with doing that for many, many, many years and were never caught. <laughs> yeah. By, by poker stars, by companies with, Real big, you know, security teams. I mean, yes, yes. I don't know. Good fucking luck. I really do think it's an arms race that they can't win. Yeah, and so, so the question becomes then: Okay, well, let's. Uh, they can't stop the HUD usage if it's if it's too hard. Uh, what what can they do? Well, some things they can do. They they can put a stop to just basic predatory behavior. They can stop the seeding scripts that that can easily be detected. They can stop the. Uh, uh, a lot of the other type of uh, very predatory behavior that goes on there that uh, or they, they could stop the, the 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 fifty lobbying where people open up you know table 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 sitting heads you know sitting alone at each table waiting for fish to sit down you know ban that practice so there's a lot of things they can do to make the site look uh, less intimidating to recreational players and stopping pros from getting you know, seating advantages or anything like that like I, I've said before that. When you log onto a site as a recreational player and you go to the games you want to play and you just see 25 tables, 50 tables open of all of them just one player sitting at it and, and they're not ever playing each other. There's just uh, there's all tables sitting, people sitting alone. 
it doesn't take a genius to figure out what's going on there, that they're just waiting for, for a new person to sit. Right. And, and it looks terrible. It looks terrible that, that, that they don't want to play each other and they'll open up 25 tables to, to sit alone. So fight stuff like that. That'll change, that type of stuff will change the perception. There's all, all other things they can do that, uh, as far as keeping recreational players business, uh, to just aim most of the rewards on the site to the recreational players and, and stop rewarding the pros and, and take whatever rewards budget you have and give this to recreational players, even in the, in the forms of uh, non-traditional rake back, like, like free trips or, or free tournament buy-ins at the World Series. Yeah, or like, lo- loss back. Yeah, loss right. back, things like that, yes. And, 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 and don't, the, don't give the pros rewards anymore, except for maybe the pros who are willing to start games and play each other for a while, things like that. I mean, the, you can give them... Like he, Galfon was saying in some of his stuff, like you can, you can make it a good environment for the Rex without punishing the pros. But I mean, you know, if I was a, a pro making my living from this, I would consider my reward to be the fact that the site is friendly and bringing in lots of fish. Right. And, like and, that, that, like that would be my rake back. Yes. You know I mean? And, and, uh, and he had said in an earlier statement that he, that they're going to focus on giving Rewards to both pros and recs alike, but that the slightly favoring pros. And I said that's already the right. That's already the wrong approach here. What you should do here is you should really make the recs feel good, like they got something out of it, even if they lost. Similar to what casinos do, where people people lose, but then they uh, they, they get all these comps that they somehow justify were, were worth it in some way. So that that's right. that, that's what you want to do, and and that's where the rewards budget should go. And then, of course, the software should be very good and robust and and and. You know, as bug free as possible. Well, the support should be I, very good. you know, pursuant to what Galfon was saying about making HUDs less useful, um, I, I do think that that is somewhat addressed though by the anonymous tables yeah, that they're is. talking about. It is, so, yes. okay, yeah, I mean, let's say your HUD gets stats on this guy for you know, however, for that particular day, it's not the same at all from the kind of data mining that people used to do with HUDs. You know, they, they used to seriously profile people and would get enough of a sample size to really define exactly how this person plays. You know, and you're not going to be able to do that anymore with this stuff. Yes, and that, that's, that's what I was thinking too, that, that if you only have one day's data on each person and, right. and, and you can't connect it to any other days, it's not going to be very useful anyway. So, so they've, they've solved most of the problem right there. So, so why, why all this nonsense with these avatars? It's, it's, uh, it's just, it's stupid, and it's just going to anger recreational players to see this. Yeah, I mean, we we disagree on it, but I I do think that if they made that one small change where you don't get to see um, the player the site's opinion of yourself, and you do get to as a placebo change your your avatar's emotion to whatever you want it to be, I mean, I think I'd be pretty okay with that. I think that that would not be. That big a deal, yeah. I realize that there's there's chat where people could then talk about it, but you know, I mean, people are going to talk about it anyway, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So, so this, uh, so I discussed this on the two plus two thread about this, and the funny thing is that thread is such crap that Galfon himself actually appeared in the thread, and for quite some time until I answered him. There was very little discussion with him. Like everyone's too busy fighting with each other there to even acknowledge Galfon's <laughs> presence. It was so weird. Like he, well, comes he with- you know, he, he hasn't. He's not on two plus two the way he used to be. 
Um, because I mean, first of all, he doesn't play poker as much and he spends more of his time on the run at once forums. So I think a lot of people didn't even know that J man was him. Yeah. Like I really think they had no idea. Yes. You know? So anyway, I, I answered him. I, I gave a, I, I, I was polite with him, but I, I was kind of like firm, but polite. Like I was, I was definitely very open with the things I didn't agree with. Right. Uh, but, but I wasn't rude. I didn't call him names. I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I, I you didn't, didn't. You didn't demand that he take your coupon. No, I. I was, <laughs> so I, I was polite, but but very honest and blunt with with what I liked and disliked, and right. uh, and that was the approach I took there. So, enter Mason Malmuth, who dun dun dun. Yeah. Now, now to recap for those of you that don't remember this or weren't listening to this show a year ago, I got into. An issue with Mason Malmuth and, by extension, his attorney, about exactly a year ago. Oh, by the way, before we get into this, Truff, remember a couple shows ago I asked you, you know, what would your reaction be if uh, Mason Malmuth died? Yeah. Has that changed at all? A, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'd be a li- a, I figured a, it might. I'd be a little, a little bit uh, less sad, I should say. Okay. So, right. a- anyway... Uh, Mason Malmuth has disliked me for about 10 years. And interestingly enough, over nothing I did, it was because of my association with Brian Mikon at the time, who was exposing David Skolansky for his various perversions. And uh, all three of us, that be myself, Brian Mikon, and Dustin Neverwin-Wolf, we were all banned uh, from 2 Plus 2 for this. And the statement from Malmuth at the time was that, uh, by the way, he, he acknowledged at the time that I had broken no rules there. Like people complained about my band because they liked my post there. And, and people, and so Malmuth said, no, I would agree. He didn't break any rules here on two plus two, but as long as he's associated with never poker, uh, he, he won't be on here. So Malmuth is known to have, uh, to hold grudges like, like for a very, very long time. And, uh, so, so sure enough with, with all of us, he, he held grudges. Uh, so I was, I had some various fake accounts on 2 plus 2, nothing that posted super actively, but whenever I wanted to comment on something that I thought was important, and at the time 2 plus 2 was much more active than it is today, so I, I just felt it was important for me to have an account to comment on cheating scandals and stuff like that on the forum that was most read. But, but I wasn't like a super active poster, I would post about topical things I cared about. Uh, I had... Kind of I, an argument with with Rich Muni of the PPA, where I was saying things about the PPA he didn't like, and he decided he he had figured out who I was, so he had decided to out my account as being me. Well, when it was all when all the smoke cleared, it ended up doing me a little bit of a favor, I guess, because uh, the the final decision was that I could actually come back, and and I, I made a statement. Look, Mason, whatever happened before. I don't care about it anymore. Let's just get past it. I'm not even friends with Brian Mikon anymore, which is true. So, you know, let's just, uh, let's just move past it. So the funny thing is David Skolansky didn't want me back on there as Dan Druff for whatever reason. I, I was told that uh, Skolansky was okay with me being back there, but not as Dan Druff. That I can say I'm Dan Druff, but I can't be Dan Druff. Why, I don't know. So that I could be my real name, Todd Wittellis, or I, I could be some other name. Uh, but, but I couldn't be Dandruff. So I actually selected, and I, I did at the time, 
I didn't realize the confusion would later cause uh, the name Kilowatt, which was my first name ever on online poker. Uh, didn't realize it would have the sound alike to Calwatt, my radio co-host, who had uh, become a very frequent uh, co-host on the show starting in late 2016. So I, I still am Kilowatt there. But uh, then I got banned again for a very, very flimsy reason that I won't even bother to go into. So I was off there for a while. Off there for a few years. So then in uh, March, late March of 2017, Mason's attorney sent an email to an email account I almost never use regarding 2 plus 2 content on Poker Fraud Alert. I ended up receiving that email in May. That's when I checked the account. And basically what they were unhappy about was that uh, I was, you know, I and others were copying and pasting posts from 2 plus 2 on Poker Fraud Alert and then discussing them. Now, we were not replicating whole threads. We weren't replicating the whole forum. We were just, you know, saying, hey, look at this post on 2 plus 2, copy, paste, and then, you know, you just about every time put a link to it. And, and then um, and then we'd have our own discussion about it. Well, this is this was they were claiming it was a copyright violation. I, of course, was saying, look, in your own terms of service, you say that uh, you don't own the user's content. So any third party user who posts on two plus two, they own their own content. So unless they're the ones complaining, you don't have a right to tell me I can't I can't do it. So I had a lot of long discussions with his attorney. Uh, I wasn't sure how far I wanted to take this. Uh, I knew I was in the right, but the question was: Was I going to now hire an attorney myself and fight this whole thing out and spend all that money? Like, I, it was worth all the time and money to fight such a trivial matter. So, after a lot of back and forth, that if you want to hear more about, you can listen to the shows from uh, May 2017. Uh, an agreement was struck. And the agreement had uh, a number of terms to it. Uh, number one, that I, I we could reproduce two plus two posts on Poker Fraud Alert, but that we would only do one post in the thread, and then and then you know if we we would not be reproducing multiple posts. That's because they were concerned. You know, what if we reproduce the entire thread, and then it's us starting to copy the structure of the form. So, so I said, fine. We'll we'll, we'll reproduce one post. We'll put a backlink. To, to where it came from, which I've kept to. And we will... Uh, so that, that was one part of the term. Then the second thing is that it goes the other way, that uh, things from Poker Fraud Alert uh, also have to be treated in the same fashion over there. Uh, furthermore, that they were going to unban me, which was actually their idea, not mine. The, the attorney proposed that to me. I said, okay, fine. I, I wasn't even thinking that was possible. But I said, all right, fine. If you want to unban me, unban me. That's, that's fine with me. I thought it was because they recognized I, I made good posts there and the forum was quickly dying and they felt like uh, my return there would actually help, you know, it would actually be beneficial to them. But whatever. I, I was happy to come back. So I said, sure. Uh, then I, w- we also agreed that we're not going to be, uh, you know, attacking each other. This part was not a legal agreement. It was kind of a gentleman's agreement that we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be attacking each other. I'm not going to be posting derogatory things about Mason on my site. He's not going to be posting things about me on his site. And uh, again, this wasn't part of the legal agreement, but this is just something we kind of a uh, gentleman's agreement. We're not going to do. Uh, and then also, I agreed. Uh, that Mason had this charity. He still has this, ter- this tennis charity 
where they give away free tennis lessons to kids who can't afford it. Uh, they had erroneously filed like 10 years of tax returns that laughably show that they had zero dollars of charitable disbursements. And somehow they didn't catch that until someone on our site caught it and then started posting about it. So uh, Mason was very, very, very sensitive about this charity. And so one thing they also wanted of me was for me to state that, uh, you know, that, that I thought the charity was legitimate and that I didn't think Mason was any kind of scammer. So since that was really my opinion, I would have never said that if I didn't believe it was true. But I really believed that these were just erroneous tax returns and that Mason really was giving to, to his own charity. So I, I posted that. Again, I, I posted exactly what I really believed when it was all done. Uh, but uh, the, so I did that. They unbanned me. I was back there. I wasn't super active on there. I kind of just posted occasionally just because I didn't have that much interest anymore. It just wasn't that active anymore. A lot of the threads that were there were crap. Uh, to be honest, I, li- I like the content on Poker Fraud Alert better than what I was seeing over there. So, you know, I, I spent the time on Poker Fraud Alert and only posted once in a while over there. But uh, the, the year was pretty uneventful until recently. So here we are, May 2018. And I was not interacting with Mason. I was just going Back and I was back and forth with with some of the posters on two plus two. None of the mods, just like the regular posters, and 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 with uh, Galfon himself. Nothing too controversial or uh, or nasty. No no real trolling or arg- or, or or very very uh, angry arguing or anything like that. Just a pretty harmless discussion back and forth. Just a spirited discussion is the way I'll put it. But uh, Mason decided to jump in. Mason, uh, the, the, the grudge was uh, it was too much for him to forget about. He, through all this, Mason still had issues with me. Through all this, he was still bitter. Through all this, he still had memories of me making fun of the charity, making fun of his psychology book, which really bothered him apparently. Uh, making fun of uh, a lot of other things, of, of the site, of, of Skolansky. All these things came rushing back to him about uh, how he hated me. Which is kind of weird, because here I am on his site. He, he didn't have to leave me on his site. Like they Again, they made kind of a gentleman's agreement with me that they're not going to ban me unless I break the rules. Because I said, look, I don't want to come back if, if just the second time... if if as soon as Mason decides he got up on the wrong side of the bed and doesn't like me, he's going to ban me again. Like, I don't even want to bother. So the attorney told me that Mason agrees as long as I follow the 2 plus 2 rules, I'm not going to be banned. So I said, okay. So, uh, now I haven't been banned. So they, they did keep to that. But uh, what I didn't expect, though it doesn't surprise me, is that Mason has been uh, attacking everything I say. And when I say attacking, he's not uh, calling me names or trolling me, but he's uh, he's being very, very unnecessarily contrarian and trying to con- trying constantly to prove that what I'm saying is stupid. Not I think just- he's being Mason. Yeah. So, so, so. No, he- I mean he, he he does that with lots of people. You know. But but you can see in, in the way he's he, he's talking to a lot of people in this thread, some of whom he doesn't agree with. Also, he's coming much harder at me, much much harder at me. So, 
let me let me get to uh, parts that. Uh, so so the beginning the, the first post he's he's talking to me just seems very contrarian. Uh, where uh, where he he isn't in, being insulting, but he seems to just be picking apart everything I'm writing and then responding to it, trying to say I'm wrong. But then this is the last thing he writes in his first post to me. I said, he, he quotes where I said, you should stop worrying about this so much. I was talking to Galfon. Fish were busting quickly 10 years ago, too, and the poker economy was fine. And then he says, this is an incredibly stupid statement. And then he, then he says, if you want to go back 10 to 15 years, and he looked at the publisher that had the most books during, the time, uh, during that time period in the Amazon Top 100, 2 Plus 2 was probably the leading publisher in the world. And this is no exaggeration. <laughs> He's actually trying to say that there's, there's, 2 Plus 2 is the leading publisher in the world 10 to 15 years ago. Then he went on to clarify that what he meant is that they had the most books in Amazon Top 100, which I also don't believe. Uh, he says, what happened was that poker got on TV in 2003. They, they might have, you know, had, uh, for some short period of time, you know, from from any publisher. But it, that wasn't what he said initially. I yeah. mean, initially he said biggest publisher, which is ridiculous. Yeah, the leading, the leading when, publisher when you think When you think about some of the huge publishers right. that are out there, I mean, right. it's just ridiculous. So he says, uh, it, it, uh, what happened was that poker got on TV in 2003. It created a sensation, and so many people wanted to play poker. It didn't matter how quickly they busted out, since there's always someone to take their place. But that's not the case today. So, so the, the part I want to highlight here, besides the stupid thing about they were the leading publisher in the world 10 to 15 years ago, was that this is an incredibly stupid statement, he says to me. So the, he didn't talk to anybody else this way in this thread, even the ones he disagreed with. He didn't say things like, this is an incredibly stupid statement. So... I, I tried to stay polite. I started off saying, uh, Mason, I'm not going to respond point by point to your contrarian rebuttal. So, you know, And then I, I started answering about run-at-once stuff that he was trying to take apart of what I said, so I responded back to him. Uh, I, I won't get into all that because it's not that important. So then uh, this kicked off a back-and-forth between myself and Mason, which got more hostile and more bizarre as it went on. Uh, so he responded to me for someone who constantly presents himself as an expert on this stuff you sure seem to have only a minimal understanding of how it all actually works this becomes his theme by the way where he's basically trying to be the smart guy who's teaching me the ignorant guy who postures as someone who's an expert and, uh, and repeatedly reminds me that I don't understand the complexities like he does over and over, this is what what he keeps saying. So, uh, now what was funny was that uh, prior to this, yeah, he had been discussing how uh, there, there's adjustments they could make to where fish aren't at such a huge disadvantage that in no limit hold them. He agrees they are, but uh, there's there's ways to make it so they don't have a huge advantage. So then he actually brought up that one possible solution is that seven-card stud could be the game of choice. <laughs> so he was saying, well, you don't have to play No Limit Hold'em. Maybe, maybe push games like seven-card stud where the, the advantage of the, of the best players over the worst players isn't as big. Yeah, the, the weird thing to me <clears throat> about the whole back-and-forth argument in there, and, and I think it, it probably is true that both of you guys are, 
overly sensitive towards each other. You know, I mean, I, I read through the whole thread and I saw the replies back and forth and it looked like a married couple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like going at it. Um, but the interesting thing to me about what he was saying was it's almost like he was in his own world. Like he was talking about one specific thing in terms of, you know, keeping the games such that um, there was the right balance and that players would be able to, to be in there longer, et cetera, et cetera. But that, that isn't really what people were talking about in the thread. I yeah, mean, it was just weird. It was it, right. He brought this up, right? This one topic about keeping players uh, going longer, and then he brought up these weird solutions of like seven card stud somehow getting that running. No, it's not, it's not going to run online. Seven card stud, and then he's and then he talked. So I, I made fun of that and and and, and uh, talked about. But how- even even if everything that he was saying was true, right? Even if all of that was true. It still isn't what people were talking right. about. I brought, in the th- I brought that up too. Weird. I said this is weird. Like, why, why? Why are we even discussing this? So, so, so I I, I was saying I, I I'm discussing all the ways that run at once could improve, in my opinion. And 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 you're saying the solution to this whole thing is to is to make seven card stud more popular. So, so like it's just so weird. And and so when I mentioned that, then he says. Uh, that's when he made that line about sort of someone who constantly presents himself as an expert on this stuff. You sure seem to only have a minimal understanding of how it all actually works. He said, also, I never said that internet poker sites should, quote, emphasize seven-card stud over no limit hold'em. In fact, there's not enough current interest in stud for this to be a practical solution, even though it's my, also my opinion that internet poker sites should try to offer a seven-card stud. But, but uh, for the reason I bring up seven-card stud, it has to do with the fact that stud has a mechanism that does a pretty good job of keeping luck and skill in balance. Or to put it another way, stud can almost be designed to hit the sweet spot. And he's talking about between where the pros win but don't crush. And then, so, so then he he went to say that they can do two adjustments to no limit hold'em to make the sweet spot sweet spot sweet spot attainable. Is what he wrote. He said the first this is adjusting the game of no limit hold'em. And he's talking about like what runner once could do to make to make it to where the pros don't crush the fish so easily. Uh, they can add an ante to the game. <laughs> okay, let's hold on here. Add an ante to the game. What do you think the average recreational player who likes cash games is going to think when he he has to post antes? He's going to say, what the well, hell is if, this? If it were live, it would be annoying. Online, I think they won't even notice. No, I think, they, I think they're <laughs> going to say, this is weird. I think they're going to go, this isn't the no limit hold'em I'm used to. This is not what yeah, I play. Yeah, that's true. So, so this is you know, radically changing the game. So, uh, so, so that obviously wouldn't work. And then he say uh, he also wants to put a limit of the number of chips that are on the table, so that the bad player wouldn't have as much of a disadvantage. I, I think he's trying to say that. Uh, so he said the the bad player particularly has a large disadvantage when his stack size has significantly increased and he's facing experts who have him covered. So what he's trying to say is when, when, when everybody gets deep stacked, but then the uh, the pros are even more deep stacked, that the recreational player can do something stupid and lose his own stack, and his whole big stack in one shot, which, which is true. That is a problem. But, but he's saying that there should be a limit on the number of chips on the table. So he's basically proposing that the, the table force rat hole everybody and just every time they win take the chips off the table and and and, uh, and bank them which pretty much goes against the, the whole concept of the way these uh no limit hold'em games work where where you can only have a short stack if you start out with one or lose to it not to where you can just win a bunch of chips and take them off the table so that's uh that also is never going to work uh so 
those are the, the great suggestions he's making about, a, again, like Cal Watt said, a problem that isn't really even being discussed much out there. That we're, we're yeah, that, that was the most striking thing to me is, again, I'm not even going to get into discussing the merits of what he was talking about, but it's just, it, it's like, you know, it, it's like if you're sitting around uh, at the dinner table with a bunch of people and you're you're discussing something and then someone just chimes in with something completely non sequitur and out of the blue and just keeps on talking and you're like what what are you talking about it, <laughs> you know what i mean it had a small connection in that i was discussing somewhat there about whether keeping fish alive longer or having the bust quickly if it makes that much of a difference and right. so he took that and expanded upon it to this weird seven card stud uh, tangent and, and just made that the entire issue and I and I kept saying this is not what we're really discussing we're, we're trying to discuss overall how to improve the site this we shouldn't really be having this like debate about whether well he was going to pick one particular area that he felt he had expertise in and he was going to prove himself right yeah at least in his mind on that one thing and it was just going to ignore everything else so, that's what it, that's what it looked like to me yes and so so then it got even weirder Okay, so then he went on to talk about books he was recommending that I read so I could become as uh, erudite as he does. This is my words, not his. But he says, uh, by the way, there are two books which should help you in this area. Uh, The first is Gambling Theory and Other Topics, which delves into the statistical theory that underlines all forms of gambling, including poker. And the second is Real Poker Psychology, which is based on mathematical modeling and statistical theory. Both of these books should help improve your understanding of how, of how this stuff that you ha- seem to have little understanding of actually works. Yeah, you're an idiot. I'm an expert. Buy my book. Yeah. Then maybe you'll understand. Maybe we can. Maybe we can talk to each other at that point. Maybe you won't be such an idiot once you read my books. So he says, and finally. My psychology book, which, by the way, hadn't been brought up anywhere. Like the, he, This is the first mention of his psychology book in the thread is by him. Uh, and my, finally, my psychology book is the one that you actually said, is the one that you said, quote, is actually pretty LOL, though. He's quoting a post I made, like, years ago. Yet it would sure do you a great deal of good for you if you understood better how this stuff actually works. So this shows you how bitter he is, that he actually remembered some quote of mine about his book when it came out. And, and, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there is some baggage there. But he also, like, I don't know, man. Like, Mason seems, like, slightly spectrum from the point of view of he just doesn't seem to be very conscious of how he comes off. Like, I've seen it in many threads where he's talking about talking about his book, like, buy my book. You know, I mean, it's just it, <laughs> it it's tacky and it's weird. Yeah. I don't know. And then uh, so so then – the argument went on. So I, and then I responded to him, uh, Mason, if your entire solution to the situation is an odd suggestion to force add an ante to an NL cash, uh, along with some sort of forced rat holing to limit stack sizes, I don't know what to tell you. There are so many reasons that solution is impractical, especially for fish who will find it frustrating and unfamiliar. I, I could respond to the rest of your diatribe, but it's cl- clear from your tone that you're incapable of putting your personal animosity toward me aside and that you can't simply have a debate and discussion about the issues here. There's no reason for you to get so condescending and insulting, especially given that neither of us are going to be at all affected by Run at Once due to their lack of offerings to U.S. players. Uh, he jumped on that statement, by the way. And what I was trying to say is we're, neither of us is emotionally connected to this. This is not we're, we, we aren't fighting 
about something that belongs to either of us. This is about a third-party site uh, run at once, which doesn't have to do with either of us. No, you guys were fighting because you've been fighting for the past decade. <laughs> so, so he writes, so I, I want to say, I decided over the last few days to come out of inactivity and make some thoughtful and relevant posts, which I thought would be very, which would contribute very much to the discussion. I've done it in this thread, I've done it in two other threads. I've been very respectful of you, the other mods, the rules, and 2 plus 2 itself while doing so. Even if you disagree with the points I raised, I would hope that as the owner of this forum, you would see I'm contributing good content and treat me in a civil manner. This is highly disappointing. So I tried one more time to to basically try to draw his attention to the fact that he's he's kind of coming at me with with animosity and with uh, bitterness and that, uh, you know, just even if you disagree with me, say so in more of a polite way. But uh, it, it didn't work, as you might guess. So Mason went on to quote a, quote, a, a, a line I used to others, not even to him, before he even uh, was talking to me, where I wrote, he says, in post number 2081, you wrote, as usual on this site, a good productive discussion is turning into garbage because of a few idiot ramblers and the various, various people arguing with them. Well, that's true. I was commenting on the thread itself. That doesn't mean I was bashing the site. He says, if that's respectful, I think you have a lot to learn. As for your go- good content, anyone who reads my posts will see that I think it has little value and lacks a clear understanding of what some of the important issues are. Also, I noticed that I never. Also, notice I never used words like "idiot" to describe you, even though I did say that one of your statements was incredibly stupid, which it was. You see, if you're going to present yourself as an expert and get a number of things wrong, someone like myself is going to take it apart. This has nothing to do with you personally, but our philosophy at Two Plus Two has always been to steer our readers towards the things which we are, feel are worthwhile, whether it comes from Two Plus Two or not, and away from those things which we feel are questionable. <laughs> You know, again, this is a case where even if he's right, that like this guy just comes off so full of himself. Yeah, you know? and, I mean, and, god damn. And not only that, is he trying to say that every time someone posts something questionable on here, that he jumps out here and takes it apart? No, he doesn't. He's he's doing this because it's for me, and he's trying to make me look stupid because he has bitterness toward me. So then he he writes. Uh, uh, from my perspective, you have a long history of making statements that are not only completely inaccurate, but seem to support some position that you're currently advocating. The Run It Once poker site, after it launches, has the potential to dramatically affect 2 Plus 2. This not only includes our business, but both internet and publishing, but many of our posters and other people who come here to read our site. But according to you, since it'll have no effect on me, I should care less about it. I didn't say you shouldn't care about it. I was trying to say... Uh, we shouldn't be condescending or insulting to each other involving this because we're not personally attached to it. All right, I have a, I have a question. Yeah. And and this is an honest question. Like, how can this poker site dramatically affect 2 plus 2? Uh, I, I think what he's trying to say is that it'll become so big and then they'll have some kind of, like, advertising or affiliate relationship and, uh, and, 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 and they'll both make lots of money. I think that's what he's trying to say. He didn't expand, but I, that was my guess. But why is this any different than any new poker site opening? Uh, it probably isn't. He just uh, wants to find a way to contradict me. Hmm. So, so then he also awarded a T-shirt to someone on the on the thread named PT Lou. PT Lou, who, who wasn't trying to troll me in any way, PT Lou is kind of neutral here. Uh, he saw the first two posts Mason had made to me. And he wrote, uh, triple edit, because he had edited his post three times, uh, 
does Mason have some kind of beef with Todd? He's pretty mean slash condescending to Mr. Whit- Witless. Now, I don't think, I think he really thought that was my last name. <laughs> w, because, I'll tell you why. Because, uh, because he's, he's trolling you, that's beautiful. No, because he wrote, I'll tell you why I don't think he was trolling me. Because he wrote W-H-I-T-L-E-S-S. Now, How did tro- he even know that's your name? Well, he must know. I said it was me. I, I said it was me out there. But, but, he, but he said, the thing is, if he was trying to misspell my last name on purpose to say Witless, it would be W-I-T-L-E-S-S. This is W-H-I-T-L-E-S-S. So I really think that's how he thinks my name is spelled. There's a lot of mistakes in my last name spelling people make all the time. Whittles. Yeah. Whittles. So, so I think when he wrote Mr. Witless, I think it's really thought it was, it was my name. So <laughs> W-H-I-T. I'm, I'm mad at myself. I hadn't thought of that L-E-S-S. one yet. L-E-S-S. So, so, so then Mason, who must have thought this was a troll, wrote, Hi, P.T. Lou. This is definitely post of the year. Post of the year? PM me with your address and shirt size, and we'll send you a free 2 plus 2 shirt. So he gave someone a, sh- a 2 plus 2 shirt for calling me Mr. Witless. <laughs> That's how bitter he is. He's actually that bitter that he gave someone a free shirt for calling me Mr. Witless. I'm not even kidding. Go go find him. Oh, right. man. I've never gotten a free shirt from 2 plus 2. Yeah. Well, call me Mr. Witless, you may. Then he says, so... Uh, so I said, Mason, let's be real here. I, I've posted a lot of detailed criticisms and suggestions for one at one, run at once in this thread related to their stated plans for operations, marketing, and rewards. Your contribution to this discussion has been a claim that adding antis to NL cash games would solve all their problems. I'll leave it to the reader to decide which of us is guilty of making stupid posts here. Yeah, at this point, obviously, I'm not trying to be polite anymore. Uh, it, it is further laughable that you are still sticking to the incredible claim that your rudeness and condescension is based upon the content of my posts and not your decade-long animosity toward me. Even a young child could read these posts and detect the anger and resentment oozing through each of your diatribes. It is even further laughable that you are instructing me to read your books in order to improve the quality of my posts here. If I'm going to read a psychology book, it's going to be one written by an actual psychologist. You might want to take a look inward to figure out why just about every good poster over the last decade has abandoned this forum. I'll give you a hint. It's not just because poker has declined in popularity in recent years. In any case, you've made it loud and clear that my contributions are not appreciated here, so I'll return to inactivity mode. So, uh... Sort of. What sort there of? Was one, there was one more post after that, I did, I, I did. So he responded back, and I had to... I knew he was going to respond back. I'm like, okay, now I said I'm leaving. Now I... Do, have I just uh, trapped myself that I can't respond? So he, he did write a long response back to me. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, when I talked about how I only would read a psychology book written by an actual psychologist, he says, I've given you the advice to read these two books because it's clear to me your understanding of the underlying statistical theory that's driving much of this discussion. Much of this discussion, nobody was discussing this stuff. Uh, and is influencing the decisions that Run It Once is making is lacking, and lacking by a lot. Also, but again, this is one very small yes, area of yes, what's being discussed. Yes, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, also, my psychology book is based on statistical theory, which includes probability theory and mathematical modeling. And I'm highly qualified to write in this area. In addition, if you had a much better understanding of these topics, your responses to my posts would probably be much different. So he's saying, you know, if you only under, if you only could had the understanding I did, uh, you wouldn't be writing such a dumb post. That's what he's trying to say. I would I would have been like, well, you know, you're right. I'm in dire need of help here. Can you send me some free books? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I would have tried to work out a couple of free books out of the deal, man. <laughs> so 
He says, you think that I'm motivated by all the attacks you have made on me and my business for many years. An example for those reading is that you once wrote that I'm not a very charitable person, yet at the time you wrote that I had given away over 250000 At the time you wrote that I had given away over $250,000 to my private charity. That's not exactly the way it went, but okay. Uh, he does seem to be holding on to stuff, huh? Yes, yes. So he's bringing up the charity thing now out of nowhere. Uh my, my, they like this one. My my motivation was to correct the error someone was making who also presents himself as an expert. I have a long history of doing this, and it goes all the way back to the 1980s when I became convinced that the advice in Mike Caro's professional Holden report would simply cost players money. <laughs> so he was bragging. You know, you know my reply to that? He, he would write this big, long rant. My reply would be I'd quote the entire fucking thing. And then I would just write, you mad, bro? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> just leave it at that because you know it would irritate the fuck out of him. So, so, he was, <laughs> so he's bragging about 30 years ago that he corrected Mike Caro, and this this is why he's correcting me now. I mean, you got to be kidding me. So, I mean, he's actually bragging about uh, – so I, I finally had to respond. I, I had to respond one more time, and I decided this really would be my last post no matter what he said back. I said, your last message to me was so ludicrous. I suppose one more response is in order before I go dark. Uh so when he said that, that so when he said that uh that that the that he didn't make this claim that uh, adding antis would 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 improve the 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 game here i said the why even bring it up then uh, we we were discussing actual ways that run at once could improve their site in the real world. You were suggesting a completely impractical solution, which would be a complete failure on a new poker site, especially in this day and age. And if the suggestion were purely theoretical, why bring it up at all in a discussion which centers around a real application? And then where he talked about the uh, the statistical theory, and the, uh, the, that's why he advised me to read his books. I said, look at the rest of the thread. This isn't a discussion based upon statistics. It's based... Uh, was one based upon player desires, both pro and recreational, marketing, rewards, and HUD policy. People such as myself are offering our opinions regarding what would make a new online poker site successful in 2018. You, on the other hand, are trying to show off how smart you are with statistics and how wonderful your books are. It appears you don't even understand the point of this entire discussion over the last 30 pages or so. And then when he talked about how his psychology book is based on statistical theory and he's, uh, uh, and, mathma- and mathematical modeling and he's highly qualified, I said, then write books on probability and probability theory and mathematical modeling it is absurd to believe that one can believe a book that one can write a book about psychology without any education or training in that field i think you're very sensitive about the topic regarding your psychology book which is why you seemingly brought it up out of nowhere including oddly quoting a line i wrote about it on my site years ago so uh and then then i responded back to the charity that it was about his own returns that this happened and then i said uh uh, and then I quoted his thing about Mike Caro. I said, amazing that even in our back-and-forth bickering, you still find a way to slip in brags about your sick analytical skills. I'm sure everyone is very impressed that you corrected Mike Caro 30 years ago. Great job. And then, and then uh, I quoted his thing about the – I said, oh, and I forgot to respond to this gem earlier. And I quoted the thing where he claimed that he they were the biggest pu- publisher in the world. I said, never mind. I'm speechless. So that was those were my last words there. I've yeah, that was a pretty incredible statement from him about the biggest, yes. the biggest publisher. I mean, give me a fucking break. So, and then he backpedaled and said, though, he just meant that they had the most in the top 100 and they weren't the biggest publisher in the world. So anyway, uh, I, I don't think that's what he, I think originally he did mean they were the biggest publisher in the world. He said, two plus two was probably the leading publisher in the world. That, that's what, he, and this is no exaggeration. These are his words. So. It's ridiculous. Like Random House. I mean, yeah. think of all these <laughs> massive 
massive publishing. He's, I mean, give me a break. He's made a lot of statements like this in the past. He's, he said things in the past that two plus two was the the biggest influence of poker of anything in the world. He's talked about before. He just he really believes that they were the center of everything. So I bet you Penguin and their stupid like pocket Penguin books outsold the shit out of this, <laughs> or the the Idiot's Guide to whatever. I mean, yeah, you know, come, yeah, come on, books for dummies. Yeah, so. so uh, so I, I quit two plus two because, and I'm not I'm not swearing I'm never making a post there ever again. But but in recent like uh, the last week or two, I had been posting in a few different threads there. Not just this one. I was posting in the one about Carrie Katz and the one about this this woman who's uh, claiming she was going to dress up as a man for the main event. I was I was posting in threads I found were interesting there. And making good, thoughtful posts. And I'm not saying everyone's going to agree with my posts, but I was making posts that were not trolling, that were that were detailed, that were not just yeah, that were sticking to topic. So, and my posts were generally well received. Like, like it's not like everyone was saying I'm awful and I don't agree. Like it's like my posts there were and always have been well received by most users there. And even even Mason's lawyer told me this on the phone last year that he that he noticed that. So. I decided I'm not going to give him this free content. Unlike 10 years ago when it was super active, when the site was so active that there was no way to read it all, you'd actually have to choose what you'd read and, and, and ignore a lot of it. There's just so much going on there. It's it's the opposite now. Uh, their most active forum, which is known as NVG, News Views Gossip, boy. That, it, is, the whole, that is the whole forum, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that has slowed down amazingly to where before you couldn't even keep up with it. I'm not even exaggerating. Uh, now on the front page, there, there's posts that were made three years, uh, th- not three, th- three days ago. And the front page only shows like 20 threads or 25 threads. So th- this shows you there's in the last three days, there's not even like more than 25 threads that have been commented on in any way on, the, on, on their most active forum, which is totally different than it used to be. And, and, uh, it, it just, Every forum has declined somewhat over time because platforms like social media sites uh, such as Facebook uh, and Instagram and, and sites like right. Reddit, that they have taken over where forums used to exist. So, Especially Reddit, but definitely social media yeah, too. Yeah, so forums are not as popular as they were 10 years ago. So all forums have declined. Uh, that's why I've, I've said with Poker Fraud Alert, there's been a small decline, but we actually have it a mu- much lesser decline percentage-wise than, than uh, just about every forum I've used. I'm not saying we're the most active forum, but but as far as the amount of decline in activity, it's it's not uh, anywhere near what's happened to these other forums. So for the and that's kind of a victory in itself. But uh, they've really died there recently, and I think that is why I was invited to come back last year. Is because they noticed I made a lot of good posts and that, that people liked my posts and that it was going to bring free content back to the site and only help them. So I decided, hey, if, if Mason's going to have this terrible attitude about me where every time I make a post that he's going to jump on it and try to prove to everyone he's smart and I'm an idiot, uh, screw this. I'm not going to have endless debates with Mason Malmuth about who's smarter. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just going to leave. I don't have to be here. I have my own forum. So that's what I've done. I, I may post occasionally if I have something to say that uh, I feel really needs to be said there. But uh, other than that, uh, my just 
casual contributions there have come to a close. So again, I haven't been banned, but uh, that's that. I've I've quit the forum, and uh, I hadn't posted there in months. Then I came back, and uh, now I'm gone again, thanks to Mason. Well, Calwatt, uh, I guess it's time to go to sleep now, if, if, since uh, we've covered those topics. Uh, Trader Risky, are you still here? I think Trader Risky uh, put himself to sleep already. Oh, no. The, the team. I'm here. Oh, okay, good. Oh, right. Holy crap, Trader Risky, what have you been doing, man? Just listen to you guys talk about, uh, you know, I dozed in and out, but I'm okay. Okay. Oh, my God. Did did he just wake you up? (laughs) Were you sleeping? Like, literally sleeping? I don't think we've we've ever woken up uh, Tredorowski before. But, you know, there was one comment in that thread from someone else, like, totally tangential to the whole argument and discussion that was going on that I thought was... Pretty interesting, which was, you know, <clears throat> the the real issue is in a contracting market, which poker is. I mean, I'm sorry, it is. And it has been contracting for some time. You know, how do you make this thing work? Um, and I, I couldn't find the exact quote, but that's kind of the gist of it. And I think that's the real crux of the problem uh, that they're going to be facing with this thing. It will you be, know, yes. Is, yes. You know, the, not, not only is the... The worldwide poker market contracting and has been contracting for for some time, um, but also they're not even in the United States and they're not in a, a number of other countries. I mean, it's it's going to be difficult. I really do. Yes, I think that it's going to be pretty difficult for them. Like even if they even if they made every right decision, and even if the the software was a hundred percent now. You know, I still think it's a real uphill battle. Um, and then again, add into the fact that you have uh, big players in the market like poker stars, and yeah, you can argue that they may seem less interested in poker and more interested in, you know, kind of pseudo poker games or pit games or you know whatever else. But they are still a huge force uh, in the market. I just think it's going to be it's going to be an uphill battle. I mean, they they don't have they certainly don't have to become the dominant site to be uh, profitable and viable, um, as evidenced by any number of smaller sites that continue to operate. Um, but I just think it's a it's a tough market to get into. You know, I mean, it, it reminds me of all of the companies that decided to uh, start their own uh, DFS site. You know, yes. long after it was. <laughs> long after the DFS boom had kind of happened or everyone deciding to get into crypto now when the real money was made a while ago. Yes. And I'm not saying there isn't still money to be made in that sphere. I think there's probably more room for growth there than in some of these others. But you know what I mean? It, it almost seems like a, a late-to-the-party kind of thing. Oh, it you definitely are, is. It's super late. You, it's super yeah, late. and you're, you're just at a big disadvantage when yes. that, when that's the case, you know? Yeah, super late and, and, uh, and I think that they are focusing too much on micro issues and not on macro issues. And that's, that's what, uh, you know, putting us talk all, putting aside all the talk about these avatars and, right. and stuff like that and the HUDs. How do you get fish there? How, what's going to make them come over to play there instead of poker stars? And, yeah. uh, you know, what's your, what's your real marketing plan to them? What's, uh, What's going to draw people there instead of 
the big sites. Uh, how are you going to deal with the fact that the poker market is rapidly contracting? So uh, they've got to have answers for these before they worry about the micro issues. And, and, and that's why I was so shocked that they were going to re- release incomplete software that's just going to drive people, the, the few people that do come, is going to drive them away. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm not going to mock the guy if this doesn't work out because I do think that he's uh, approaching it in a genuine manner and he's not trying to rip people off. And the, the God's honest truth is God's honest truth is that nine out of ten new businesses fail within the first year. Yes. You know, they do. and so, you know, I don't know. I, I hope it works out for him. I think it's a difficult niche to begin. Uh, there's lots of competition. And I think the the worldwide market has been contracting for some time. Will we see another poker boom? Maybe. You know, I hope so. But I don't know. I don't think we'll see a boom. I I don't think we'll see a worldwide boom. I I think what we're going to see maybe is, you know, with with the United States, that if there can be more of these states joining in to where it can start to emulate uh, a U.S.-wide online poker site, then there may be a, a new interest in online poker in the U.S., which maybe could even help poker in general in the U.S. But uh, other than that, I, I think it's it's still going to decline or at best stagnate for a while. And uh, you know, it was something that captured people's excitement for a while because it was something new and interesting to most people. And now that has passed, and there's no way to bring that back. There's no way. To- yeah, let's face it. Let's face it. I mean, I think poker will be around for forever. Uh, in one form or another. But what happened, you know, in the early 2000s was that it was a cultural fad. Yeah. You know, a worldwide cultural fad. And that's why it was so huge. And that's why, you know, people were just printing money hand over fist, even though they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. You know, whether there were players or there were people operating businesses that were orbiting around poker or whatever. But I, I, I tend to agree. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's going to reoccur anytime soon. I mean, you never know. These things happen cyclically, but I think that waiting for something to ever reach what it was in, or waiting for poker to be what it was in the early 2000s, I mean, I, I think you need a better strategy than that. I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> you know? Yes. I just don't. I don't see it. I agree. Well, uh, thank you, Cal Watt, for coming on tonight. I'm going to move on to the next topic here. I'm, I've... Uh, we're five hours into the show, a little bit more than five hours, and we've got some topics left, and I'm starting to feel it in my throat a little bit. That uh, Now we need Brandon to call up. No, no. <laughs> he can, but we're not going to have the usual, like, another four hours when Brandon calls in. I'm going to try to get through these topics and be done. And uh, I, I want to go to sleep and wake up, and you guys are still on the radio. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Trader Ruski, you got to be in there for the duration, man. Marathon. He may be sleeping again. Traderuski, hydrate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, he's gone, dude. He's gone. I think he's gone. Okay, I think everybody's gonna be gone. Well, Cal, are you going to sleep now? Yeah, I'll. Uh, yeah, very, very shortly. Very shortly. Okay. Well, I'll don't just, worry. I'll just, I'll just fade off into oblivion. He'll just disappear. Okay. So we're gonna start yeah. the uh, the next topic, the Gordon Vio topic, and this, this is kind of. Interesting to me because it's, this is the first real legal challenge I've seen to poker stars being judge, jury, and executioner in these type of matters. 
And that's what that's something that always bothered me with these offshore online poker sites is that they just decide something and you just you got to deal with it. You, there's there's no nothing you can do to challenge them except for trying to go out on uh, forums or social media and shame them into doing the right thing. And that's always been the case. And it, it, it's been very frustrating and it's, it's very stressful when this is happening. So, and, and I know what it feels like to have money wrongfully seized. I had Cake Poker wrongfully seize $46,000 from me in 2007 with a bogus accusation of cheating that was leveled against me. Uh, one where I was totally cleared of eventually. I've told the story before. I won't repeat it now. But for the time where they claimed that they had confiscated my money and that I had no chance in recovering it, uh, boy, I felt helpless that I couldn't do anything about it. So Gordon Vio, or Vio, I think it's Vio, how you pronounce his name. He was the runner-up at the main event of the World Series of Poker in 2016. Played on live television on ESPN, heads up for a very long time against Kui Wen, ended up losing. Uh, definitely didn't play a very good heads up game, but I don't want to criticize that too much. Anyone who makes it to number two in the main event couldn't have played that badly. And they definitely were doing something right. And he, he's been a successful player otherwise, so even if he kind of screwed it up heads up in the main event, uh, I have to imagine there's a lot of stress playing heads up in the main event. You may not always play your A game. So, apparently he's been playing on Poker Stars since then. And uh, he claims that he has a residence, a part-time residence in Canada. And that's where he claims to be when he plays on Poker Stars. And for quite some time, that's... uh, that was going fine. But uh, what happened was in 2017, in the Poker Star Scoop, the Spring Championship of Online Poker, which has been around a while, uh, Gordon Vio won nearly $700,000 in the first event. So... He was trying to transfer some of that money over to others who, I guess, bought it from him or whatever. And he got his account completely shut down. And he was told that they are confiscating his money because they claimed that he had played in the U.S. for a part of that tournament, which occurred over a a period of days. So, he filed a lawsuit. You know, this happened about a year ago. But he filed a lawsuit against the uh, the parent company of PokerStars, claiming that uh, he was a victim of fraud, deceit, false advertising, uh, and, and various other charges, and that he's trying to recover the $692,460 plus 10% annual interest that they have denied him. Now, I actually, there is a copy of this document that was filed, this lawsuit document, and I I read it. And if you go to the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum on Poker Fraud Alert and go to the Gordon Vio thread, you can find a link to that there. It's a PDF of it from courthousenews.com. 
And in in this uh, complaint, in the civil complaint, they have a bunch of points listed numerically. But uh, point number 57 is uh, is interesting. It says, on November 14, 2017, the uh, d- defendant, which is Vio, responded by letter from outside counsel attaching a chart listing... Or sorry, defendant was uh, was poker stars, not not Vio. The defendant responded by a letter from outside counsel, I mean, from one of their attorneys, uh, attaching a chart listing 54 alleged connections by Mr. Vio originating from within the U.S. All but nine of those alleged connections were between March 24th and May 18th, 2017, with the remainder occurring in late July 2017. Notably, none of the alleged connections were during Vio's play during the scoop tournament, Moreover, this was the first time that the defendant provided Mr. Vio any purported, quote, evidence regarding Mr. Vio's alleged U.S. access of the site. Uh, so, basically, uh, and, and then I should read 58 also. 58 says, Mr. Vio's counsel responded on December 4th, 2017, pointing out the numerous deficiencies in the defendant's list. Among other things, the alleged U.S. connections overlapped entirely with the period of the VPN malfunction in the spring of 2017, that Mr. Vio had disclosed to the defendant less than two hours after they originally raised the issue of U.S. contacts. I'll talk about the malfunction in a second. In addition, all the ISP addresses on the defendant's list, in fact, traced to Canada, not the U.S. Furthermore, while the defendant listed, listed the, quote, Wi-Fi region for all the connections of, as, quote, California, without further explanation, Mr. Vio pointed out that he did not access the site via Wi-Fi, but used a hard-line uh, connection to his computer. Now, obviously, that was just a stupid mistake on the part of PokerStars. When they, when they say a Wi-Fi region, they, they meant the, like a home ISP connection uh, and, and the region for that connection. I'm sure that's what they meant. They didn't actually mean Wi-Fi. Uh, moreover, numerous of the alleged U.S. logins for Mr. Vio's account occurred on the same days as logins to his account from Canada, which the defendant does not contest. And it defies logic that Mr. Vio was logging into his account from both Canada and the United States several times a day on successive days. This two pointed to the VPN malfunction that Mr. Vio had previously and immediately disclosed to the defendant. So, so basically, what he was saying that he only played on Poker Stars from Canada, but that occasionally the VPN would malfunction and show that, that he claimed he was using a VPN all the time there. He was, he was always using the VPN. So that. That explains why he was playing, you know, from Canada. That uh, he, he used the VPN. I don't know if it's always 100% of the time, but he used it a lot, including in Canada. But that uh, occasionally it was making him the, the VPN was erroneously showing he was in California, which he really wasn't. So that's the reason that they had some connections showing from him in the U.S. And uh, in reality, whenever he had been on there, he had really been from Canada just using that VPN, which malfunctioned a few times. Those are his claims. Now, I'll tell you what I do and don't believe here. Uh, There's no way he was just using a VPN for the fun of it or for for other reasons. When someone VPNs into PokerStars who mostly lives in the United States, like Vayu does, there's only one reason for that. That's because he's trying to hide where he actually is connecting from. Sure, you can use a VPN and uh, for other reasons, but uh, let's be honest here. That's the reason he was using that VPN is because he wanted to play from the U.S. And I guess he figured that if he only plays with a VPN occasionally, 
or if if, if he's when in, when he's in Canada, he uses the VPN. Uh, or sorry, when he's in the U.S., he uses the VPN, but in Canada, he's, he's using a normal connection all the time. Then they're going to get suspicious. Like they'll ask, "Okay, how how come so often we see a regular Canadian IP, but 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 uh, the rest of the time it's a, it's a VPN?" So I think he tried to use the VPN as much as possible, whether in U.S. or Canada. So it was a constant thing. He didn't say this. That's my guess. So. I don't believe there were malfunctions, except for perhaps he didn't... Malfunctions may have been on his end that he didn't turn on the VPN, or uh, uh, something went wrong that exposed that he was really playing from the U.S. a few times. But I think he's right that PokerStars failed to provide proof that he was using the VPN, or in the U.S. anywhere, while he was playing that particular scoop event where he won the almost 700K. I think he probably really was in Canada then, and his attorney was saying, look, you're, you're even showing regular Canadian connections, but also these VPN connections that he's in the U.S., uh, there's no way he could have gone back and forth so quickly while he's playing the event. So obviously he's really in Canada, and, and this is proof that the rest of the VPN malfunctions were, you know, were also really just him in Canada, too. I don't believe that part. I think he really was in Canada for this tournament. But that they probably found evidence that he VPNed into PokerStars from the U.S. either before or after, or both, that scoop event. So they found instances where he played from the U.S., but not in that particular tournament, and decided we're just going to confiscate all his money. That's what I think has happened here. I think that, uh, you know, let's say he didn't even win during the other times. Let's say this was, let's, I'm just making this up, I don't know how he actually did, but let's, let's say he won 692,000 in this uh, tournament, but but uh, everything else combined on Poker Stars, he lost uh, 20,000. Well, they can't confiscate negative 20,000 from him. So I think that they detected that he was playing in the in the U.S. But the only thing they could do to him was 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 take the money he had won in that tournament, even if he had won it fair and square in that tournament, being in Canada. So they didn't want to admit they were just doing this to punish him for playing at a different time. They wanted to make it seem more clear on their end that they claimed he was playing in the U.S., and then when he was demanding proof, they, they kind of dropped the ball and didn't exactly know what to say. That's what it looks like to me. Uh, the bottom line is the burden of proof is on them, them being poker stars. The burden of proof is on them. If they believe that he played from the U.S. when he won that $700,000 in scoop event number one, then prove it. Show your proof that he played from the U.S. in that particular tournament. And if you can show that, then you you have the right to confiscate it. If you can't show it, then you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. You want to kick him off the site, that's your right. But as far as what he's already run, you should not be taking that away from him unless you can really show that he won that particular money from a location where he should not have been. And I think he really was in Canada when he, when he happened to win that event. And I think that PokerStars is trying to be fuzzy about that because they... Realize if that comes out, they're going to look terrible, both in the court of public opinion and in real court. So, this lawsuit is is going on. Now, what is what are his chances of actually winning here? Well, I don't know. Uh, there's a few problems here. Problem number one is that this lawsuit was filed in California, of all places. PokerStars is not based in California or even in the U.S. 
And if he claims that he won this money while in Canada, why is he filing the lawsuit in California? So he has big-time jurisdictional issues. I have a feeling it's going to be thrown out of court just for that alone. Also, there's something in the PokerStars Terms of Service. I don't know if this is binding, but uh, there's something in their Terms of Service that you're, you're agreeing to settle all legal disputes in the courts of the Isle of Man, where they are located. So that uh, if, if that is upheld, then again, there's a jurisdictional issue. An actual attorney that posts on the site, not Eric Benzamokin, though he's also an attorney who's posted on the site, Joe D. posted, I give this lawsuit little chance of staying in court, District Court, Central District of California, by motion of the Rational Group, that is the owner of PokerStars, it will either be kicked out by the judge because the alleged wrongs occurred in Canada or because the PokerStars Terms of Service apparently require the venue to be in the Isle of Man. Yeah, that's just what I said. So, uh, I, I have a feeling, unfortunately, this lawsuit just is going to be dismissed for these technicalities. But morally, I definitely believe that Vio's in the right. Unless they can show that he actually played in the U.S. in that particular tournament, which it doesn't look like they can. Otherwise, I think it would have come out by now. Otherwise, they've got to concede it. Otherwise, they're, they're being scummy. Now, what happens to this money? What happens to the $692,000? PokerStars doesn't keep it, but they also don't give it back to the other players who were in that tournament. They should, but they don't. What they do is they donate it to charity. And you may say, oh, that's nice, they're donating to charity. But no, that's not their money to give to charity. This, this is Gordon Vio's money. They shouldn't donate his money to charity. They can donate their own money to charity, but they, they, they should not donate his money that they seized under these circumstances. Unless there's something I'm missing here. Unless there's something that is different than it appears here. By the way, Calwater, are you still around? No. Well... Looks like we've lost our co-hosts. Trader Ruski was connected, but I just disconnected him, so we don't have the little hum in the background. Just me now. Just me here. 2.42 in the morning on May 13th. Happy Mother's Day to those of you. The few of you who listen that are female and are mothers. There are a few. We do have a few uh, mothers that listen to this show. I'll be seeing my mother later today. So, uh, let's, uh, I'm going to move on past this Vio topic. I don't have much more to say on that. But I think he's in the right. And I think Boker Stars is acting scummy. And for what? Like, you know, what, so they can give his money away to charity? I mean, what's the point here? What's the point here? I would understand if they're protecting their regulatory standing and they're being very hard-line about not letting people break the, break the law here, but it, look, if they want to ban him and say, we've detected you playing from the U.S., but yes, you won this other money fair and square in Canada, so fine, take your money and get the hell out of here. That's what they should do. That would be the fair thing to do. Kick him off, but let him take his money that he won when he was really in Canada. Problem solved. I I think that uh, for whatever reason, they just 
they decided to do this, and now they're digging their heels in. Now they, they don't want to back down and, and admit they were wrong. Okay. I want to talk a bit about uh, America's card room. It's not going to be a long segment, partially because I don't have the energy for it at this point. But America's card room, uh, during the time that this show was was off the air, uh, it, it went down and then it came back up. They claimed that they were victims of DDoS attacks, which they have been before. It completely crippled the site for several days. And some people were pretty much saying that they're done, that this is just an excuse, they're really not getting DDoS attacks, and that uh, they must just be broke, and this is their way to run away from everything. Those were some of the theories being tossed around. However, as I speak, America's card room is running again. There are no issues. They are processing cash outs quickly. Everything seems fine again. So should you trust them? My answer is probably not. I'm not at the point of classifying them like a lock poker, which just wasn't paying people. I mean, ACR is paying people. That's a good sign. They have been very lax with their security and been poor with uh, dealing with bots and colluders. That looks like it's pretty true. But they're not outright stealing from people. So they're not in that category yet. What about these DDoS attacks? Are they real? Is it possible they're DDoSing themselves or just pretending to get DDoS so they go down for some days? I've heard those theories, but I don't necessarily believe it. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think that they're just very bad at dealing with DDoS attacks. I think they just they keep going to pieces every time they get DDoS. Why they can't come up with a solution when pretty much everybody else has in this day and age, I don't know. But for some reason, ACR is having a very big problem with DDoS attacks. Uh, would I play there at this point? No. Uh, do I think you have to panic and get every penny off? No, but uh, it also wouldn't be the worst idea. So I think they'll continue to be around for some time. But it definitely is not... A, a good sign. It's definitely not uh, what you want to see happening with your favorite poker site if it's down for like six days straight and you're not getting very good answers about what's going on. Even if they really are getting DDoS, uh, that's also not a good sign that they can't seem to handle it. So either they're doing it to themselves and screwing with people's heads and there's something really shady going on, or they're having a very hard time dealing with external attacks, which is probably the case. But that's also not very, uh, it's not very comforting. So I'd, I'd watch out with ACR. Uh, I, I, this is just gonna be a short segment. I don't, I don't know that much about what's going on. I've been observing kind of from afar. But it's not good. You know, it's, it's, it, when weird things like this happen, it raises some red flags in your mind. And when you have red flags in your mind about an online poker site, usually there's a good reason for that. And usually that's a good time to leave. So I want to play the ad for Eric Benzamokin for two reasons. One is to give myself a little break to go to the bathroom. And I think I'm just going to grab a Coke so I can be a little bit more awake. I, I just, I still don't quite have the energy that I had uh, prior to the cold. 
not completely gone yet. I still have a few topics to get through. I have to have more than a few. How many do I have here? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, my God. <laughs> it just seems so overwhelming to have six topics left. I may have to uh, not do all of them and uh, table some for next week. But we will see. Maybe they'll go faster since it's just me by myself and because uh, these don't have like a lot of discussion about them. So maybe I can go through these fast. Anyway, I'm going to play the Eric Benzamokin ad. And, uh, you know, he's been sponsoring so many free rolls and giving so much money. And I really appreciate that. Very, very big supporter of the show. Someone who enjoys the show and then puts his money where his mouth is. You know, he doesn't have to do any of this. He doesn't have to give a penny. I'm happy to have people enjoying the show who give me nothing. Who give, I mean, he's a, he's giving it really to you guys, not even to me, because this is going to the free roll. But I'm happy to have people who just listen and enjoy it, and that's it. But here we have someone who gives so much back to the community because he enjoys what we're doing here. And I, I think that's especially nice when, when someone does that. So it's one thing to say, oh, I like this show, and I listen to the show, and good job. But it's another thing to actually give your hard-earned money to that. So I appreciate that. And if, if you do have a need for any of the services that will be described in this commercial here, uh, really go to him. If, if you like the show too, that, that is one way you can, you can help to, uh, uh, help someone who has helped us. So I'm going to play the ad, which I know for those of you who have heard this ad a lot may be irritated, but too bad. We, we run no commercials on this show. And truthfully, how many podcasts and radio shows do you listen to where you hear the same ad over and over every day? I mean, that happens to me all the time. I, I can pretty much recite every ad that I hear on shows that I listen to frequently. People like to complain about too many things here. They don't know how good they have it. A, sh- a, a site without uh, commercial content, that without banners... Uh, without any kind of fees, that gives away free money every week, that does a radio show that lasts for hours, that doesn't have any commercials, and then I play one commercial, and certain people complain. Anyway, whether you complain or not, here's the commercial. Okay, now most of you guys know that I'm very picky regarding which sponsors I take. If I don't believe in the product or service being offered, I don't take the ad. And that's why I lose money on the site every month, even though I'm a cheap Jew. And it kills me to send out that money every month knowing that it is not coming back in. But I'm really, really excited about this new Poker Fraud Alert sponsor because I feel he's providing a service to the poker community that they really, really need. Eric Bensamokin is an attorney and a longtime poker player who provides arbitration and mediation for poker and gambling-related disputes. Now, simply put, if someone owes you money or if they think you owe them money. He's a fully impartial third party you can trust to listen, understand, and decide who's right. The reason you can trust him is because Eric is a licensed attorney in the state of California and federally, and he's able to arbitrate and mediate for you no matter where you live. So you don't have to be in California. You can be anywhere, and he can arbitrate or mediate for you. 
What makes Eric perfect for this is the fact that he's an attorney bound by the rules and ethics of the state bar. And he's also a longtime poker player, so he understands the issues of our community. And at the same time, he's an outsider, and he, he's probably not likely to know anybody connected to your disputes. You're not going to have to worry that he's friends with a guy that you're disputing with, or even friends of a friend. He's really an outsider to the community who plays poker for fun, but knows the community really well. It's perfect, and he's a licensed attorney. You can't do better than that. This means you will get a completely impartial decision from a qualified attorney who understands everything. And I'll be honest, if I had a poker-related money dispute with someone, Eric is the exact type of arbitrator or mediator that I would be looking for. Take down his email address, eric at eblawfirm.us. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. If you feel you're being scammed or if someone owes you money or if someone's accusing you of owing them money, just send Eric an email. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to hurt you. Just send him an email, and he'll tell you what he thinks of the whole situation, and then he can go from there. Eric can perform both arbitration, where he decides who's right, and mediation, where he helps both of you figure out your own agreement. Keep the email address around, even if you don't have a dispute at the moment, because you never know when one will come up, and Eric is exactly the man you need for the job. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. That's attorney Eric Benzamokin, eric at eblawfirm.us. All righty, so listen to this. That's the sound of a Coke opening. Maybe the caffeine will uh, give me a bit more energy. Um, it's funny, I, I'm not kept awake by caffeine in that if I try to go to sleep after drinking caffeine, I have absolutely no problem. You give me a lot of caffeine and I can lie down and go right to sleep. No problem at all. I mean, I have to be tired in the first place, but there's some people like they can't drink coffee after, uh, 2 PM or they won't be able to sleep at night. I am not like that. I, I actually only get the positive effects from caffeine, but none of the negatives. And I'm not talking about what it you know, may or may not do to my body in the long term. I'm saying in the short term, uh, caffeine doesn't make me jittery. It does not keep me awake. So some of the other, some of the complaints I've heard about caffeine, that if, you know, negative effects it has on people in the short term, those do not happen to me. But I have noticed that if I take caffeine when I am tired and I want to stay awake, then it can help, if that makes any sense. So, like, I can go to sleep if I want, but if I, but it helps me not feel, like, as exhausted when I'm awake and trying to stay awake. And I was wondering if, you know, maybe I'm imagining this or maybe I'm just not noticing what effects it really has. So I asked my brother and sister how caffeine affects them. And they both told me that they had this exact same experience as me, that they, uh, they also can go to sleep immediately after drinking caffeine if they want, and they don't have any of the negative effects. And I asked my parents and they said, same thing. So it makes sense. Both parents were this way. So all three kids are this way. Doesn't always perfectly work out like that, but, it's not a surprise when both your parents have a certain trait and then you do too. So 
I think it's actually kind of unusual. I don't know how unusual, but most people I've known are affected to some degree by caffeine as far as, like, if they drink it too close before bedtime, they can't go to sleep. So, anyway, I don't know how long we're going to continue with this. I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I was concerned that maybe we wouldn't get through the whole agenda because it's always a long show when we haven't been on for a while because there's a lot to talk about. And we happen to have a few topics this week which were long topics, were ones that I knew were going to take a long time to discuss. So this wasn't the best time to have a super long show like that because I'm not 100% yet. But uh, at the same time, we haven't been on in a long time. And I know some of you have missed the show. And the next show is eight days from this one. So I want to give you a lot of content to listen to every day. Maybe you're going to listen to it uh, during the week at work or uh, when you're exercising or trying to go to sleep at night or whatever. Maybe, you, maybe you're listening live now. Maybe you just got back from going out on Saturday night. Somehow the, the ratings actually... <laughs> I don't understand this one. The ratings actually went up from the last time I looked a number of hours ago. We actually have better ratings now than like several hours ago, which is weird. Like, how do we have this many people still listening at this time? Maybe that is the Saturday night effect. Maybe the people got home from work and saw the on-air thing and turned it on. Well, anyway, whoever's still around and still awake, because we always have, like, some listeners who are technically listening, but they're sleeping, then I'm glad to have you along with me here. Let's see if we got any texts here on 775-372-8355. And someone texted, don't... Don't skip the ACR topic. I've been waiting for that one. Well, sorry. That, that wasn't a very long topic. I don't have that much to say about it. I, I gave you my opinion there. and I'd love to sit and rant it on it for about an hour, but I don't have much more to say. So we shall move on. What is the next topic here? What also sucks, and it's, it's just kind of in my head is that I've, when this is all done and I'm exhausted, then I've got to play the whole show and I mean, I, I can skip around, but I've got to note the exact timestamps. I've been putting it down and here in the computer, but I don't get it exact. So I got to get the exact spots when I go play it back. And it's an extra burden. It's a pain in the ass, but you know what would be more of a pain in the ass would be if you bet in a Nevada brick-and-mortar sports book and won the bet, and then they wouldn't pay you, and they claim you lost when you know you won. Well, that happened. That happened at the William Hill Sportsbooks in Nevada. And William Hill is a company. They're actually based in the U.K. They've been around for many, many years. They even had a poker room for a while. I don't know if they still do, but uh, William Hill, Hill Poker, I played on that in like 04, 05. Very, very big sports betting operation. So this is not like a a tiny company screwing someone. This is a very, very big operation running Nevada-licensed sports books. 
So there's actually an article on ESPN written by a guy named David Payne Purdom, who, by the way, actually responded to me on Twitter when I wrote about the article. But this had to do with the NFL draft, where uh, they were offering prop bets on the NFL draft. There, there are not many prop bets offered in Nevada, but uh, they do allow prop bets on the NFL draft. I don't know if this is the first year they're doing it or if uh, they've done it before. I'd have to ask Daly. He's our prop betting expert. I, I don't do prop bets unless someone directs me to one. I never do prop bets on my own. Uh, really, the only sports betting I do on my own for the most part is NBA and baseball, which fortunately gives me action like for the whole year because when uh, there, there's rarely a time when neither is going. Very rarely a time. So this is what happened. Uh, there was a, an NFL draft prop bet where people were going to pick whether uh, Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson would go first in the draft. So they first posted the odds on uh, April 4th, and it said Mayfield plus 7.5. And in fact, William Hill sent out a press release that explained that uh, Mayfield would need to be picked at least eight spots earlier than than Jackson for that bet to win. So uh, that's that's how they uh, th- that's how that bet was set. So uh, the way it ended up going was that Mayfield went number one overall. He was the very first pick. The Cleveland Browns picked him. And then Lamar Jackson went uh, number 32. So they, they were separated by 31. So remember from the press release said that uh, if, if if Mayfield was was picked uh, eight round eight or more spots earlier than Jackson, then the bet would win. So they, uh, when, when the customers, I don't understand why it says plus 7.5. It, it should be minus 7.5. So that's what they're trying to say. If he had to be eight spots earlier, but whatever. Maybe, maybe in draft, maybe that's what they mean because it's, uh, it goes one, two, three, four, five, it, because it goes up. Maybe that's what they mean by plus 7.5. I guess I've never bet on the draft before. That's probably why. Because, like, when I bet on a, a basketball game, for example, let's say I bet on, uh, uh, Golden State uh, plus three against Houston. That means that my bet will win either if Golden State wins the game outright or if Golden State wins by one or two points. And if it's three, then it's a tie. Or sorry, if they lose by one or two points. So 
A bet on Golden State plus three means that Golden State can either win or lose by one or two and the bet wins. And if they lose by three, it's a tie. But I guess the plus seven and a half here, because it's the draft, because it goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, et cetera, I think what they mean is you take whatever spot Mayfield was picked, add seven and a half to it, and if it's still less than the spot that Jackson was picked, then your bet wins. So here they would win, right? Mayfield was number one. Add 7.5 to 1. That's 8.5. Jackson went 32, so it easily won. It won by a very wide margin. It would have won if it was uh, plus 30. <laughs> so very straightforward, right? Even if you want to take plus 7.5, meaning the other way, you still win. There's no way that bet did not win. So people went to go cash their bets. And William Hill told the people who went to go cash their bets that, no, they are not entitled to what they thought they were going to win. Instead, they will be getting... Zero point zero. Yeah. That their bets had lost. And they said, how is this possible? And they explained what I just explained to you. That whatever way you want to interpret it, Mayfield got picked 31 rounds or before... Not 31, 31 spots before Jackson. So whether, no matter what way you want to determine what 7.5 meant, either way, it wins. Uh, Gil Alexander, who is the host of a show called The Numbers Game, placed a bet on Mayfield. He pe- he placed a bet of uh, $500. Uh, this show, by the way, the numbers game is actually broadcast uh, from inside the South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Uh, so when he went to cash his ticket at Hooters, which is where one of the William Hill, William Hill Sportsbooks is located, he was told it wasn't a winner. So, of course, Gil Alexander is no dummy. He's a host of a sports betting show, so obviously you can't fool him. So he was complaining and said, what is this? I I can't just accept it's not a winner. You guys got to explain this to me, how it's not a winner. So they called a William Hill supervisor on the phone. And the supervisor said, okay, we'll give you a refund for your bet, but you're not going to get a winner. We're not paying you as if you won. We're paying it as if you never placed it. So you can get the you can get the five hundred dollars back, but you're not going to get that plus another five hundred. So I don't know if it was an even money bet. I'm assuming maybe it was like minus one ten, meaning he gets close to even money. Whatever, it, it doesn't matter. The important thing is they're not going to pay him as if it won. They're going to pay him as if it tied, and that was only after he complained. They wanted to pay him zero at first. So Gil Alexander said uh, on his show, no one even at this point should have to go through this kind of aggravation. You place a wager, you win a wager, you should get paid on the wager. Well, he's right, you should. This is insane. So he complained about it more on his show. And some people reached out to him on Twitter and said, yeah, we haven't been paid either. 
So then he was informed on, on uh, a few days later, like three days after he was on his show, three or four days on his show, after he complained about it on his show, that they were going to pay him. And that before he goes to Hooters, he should call William Hill in advance, tell him he's going down there, and that the supervisors of William Hill would give Hooters the authorization for the sports book to pay him. Uh... Now, William Hill's vice president of marketing, Michael Grodsky, was asked about this and told ESPN, it was confusing. It was brought to our attention and we are paying customers. Customers could, uh, pay, not we, we are paying customers. We are paying the customers is what he meant. We're paying them all. We're paying them what they are owed. Customers can bring tickets to the specific props to any of our sports books and we will cash them. But, uh, it's not that simple. First of all, a bunch of people were not paid and probably just ripped up the tickets. Uh, Daniel McDonald, another avid sports better, he lives in South Lake Tahoe, and uh, he tried to cash the uh, his ticket, and uh, they wouldn't pay him. He contacted Nevada Gaming Control. He bet at the uh, at the Mont Blue Resort in Lake Tahoe. The gaming control agent came down, discussed the issue with him, but nothing was resolved. Uh, McDonald actually took a refund as a compromise because he was afraid that uh, he wouldn't get anything otherwise. He said, my point of view is that William Hill handled it completely wrong. And as of the, this article, he still had not been paid in full, though he's trying to get that done. Nevada Gaming Control said they received two inquiries from customers regarding that situation. Uh, Carl Benison, chief of enforcement for Gaming Control, said in an email, we've been in contact with William, William Hill to ensure any outstanding concerns regarding the subject wager have been resolved. Of course, in any case, any problem regarding the grading of a ticket not resolved to the satisfaction of both the better and sportsbook operator is handled as a dispute case. Better should always bring grading concerns to the attention of the sportsbook operator first. If the book is not able to resolve the issue, then the licensee is obligated to let the patron know they can contact gaming control. If there's a disputed amount and it's $500 or more, the licensee must notif- notify the board. And it says here the second year they've, they've offered uh, draft-related uh, prop bets. So, I'm still not understanding all this. Uh, how was gaming control not able to rule immediately that they had to pay these people? I, th- this is so egregious. And I also wondered, how did the mistake occur in the first place? And I asked that on Twitter. So, David Payne Purdom, the author of the article, gave a little update there in a tweet back to me. On May 2nd, he's tweeted, I believe the prop was meant to ask which player's draft position would be numerically greater. He said, thus the confusion. It even confused the marketing department. Also, no other book was involved, just William Hill. Well, I don't think that's totally accurate. Because otherwise the bet wouldn't have made sense. Because Mayfield was expected to go before Jackson. So, if they say which would be numerically greater, that wouldn't be a, a bet that would make any sense because that would be 
an obvious bet on Mayfield. That, uh, or sorry, it'd be obviously bet on Jackson then. Because Jackson was expected to go, uh, you know, after Mayfield. They, they, they thought it would be probably around seven or eight spots. It turned out to be 31 spots, but it would have been a shock to everybody if Mayfield went after Jackson. So, the numerically greater thing isn't, I mean, it's possible that's what they believed, but Daly posted his theory and he, he's an expert prop better daily. He posted his theory on Poker Fraud Alert. He said, I honestly think that some dumbass at, at William Hill graded the bet wrong because they didn't understand what they were doing, and they probably even paid out a bunch of the losers and didn't want to acknowledge a, a screw-up was made. So I, I think he's right about that. I think the person who was grading the bet didn't understand the bet. I think when they offered the bet, they understood it, but I think when they were grading the bet, whether it's a winner or a loser, that person did not understand it and did it the wrong way. Then people collected on it when they had lost. Maybe some even realized they had lost, but they were paying. Maybe they heard from friends, whatever. Uh, so they probably paid out a number of people who had lost, and there's no way to get that money back. And they didn't want to take an additional loss by also paying out the actual winners, so they tried to find a way to worm, worm out of it by giving these refunds and all this other nonsense. Daly says there were screenshots captured where it said right on the online betting form, this bet means that Mayfield will be selected eight picks before Jackson. So it, this is unbelievable. They took three or four days to finally agree to pay people. And I'm not even sure if everybody got paid. The, the, first of all, there's those that just probably gave up and, and took nothing. There's probably those that took a refund and were mad but felt there was nothing they could do, felt it was better than, than losing it. There were some who were probably convinced that they were wrong, that they had actually lost the bet. They were convinced they were the ones confused. But to take this many days and to offer this refund, I mean, there should never be a case where they offer a refund because they misword a bet. If they miss word a bet and it appears the person won or probably won, they should always pay it. But this wasn't even probably won. This was surely won. And anyone who even slightly understands this stuff could see that this was a clear winner. So definitely this was very shady on William Hill's part. And looked like a way to worm out of paying people who had rightfully won. Sean Fanning's limp dick. I hadn't seen him post on the site in a while, but he's back. This is not Sean Fanning himself. But this is Sean Fanning's limp dick. This is a user on our site. Just, just the limp dick part. He said it's likely they didn't bother upgrading their point spread system, so plus 7.5 loses. So... He thinks that they just uh, had it to where it had to be, you know, Mayfield plus seven point five if it wasn't greater than the number of the, of, of the draft pick that, that it was losing. You know, because it's kind of backwards because the higher number is actually a worse number. Where in normally in sports, the higher number is the better number. You know, if you if you win a game ten to nothing, the team with the ten was the team that won and did much better. In this, 32-1, to 1, 
the winner was actually the one. So it's reversed. So he thinks maybe they had it reversed. He thinks that maybe they uh, didn't fix their system, and that's what caused this. Who knows? It's pretty bad, though. But always never take something like a refund in this spot. If you know you're right, if you know 100% you won the bet, do not back down. Go to gaming, press, 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 and you'll probably come out victorious here. Don't let the sports book talk you into taking a refund or something else substandard like that. If you want it, make sure you get paid and go to gaming if you don't. And demand a hearing, demand an investigation, especially if it's more than $500. But even if not. When they try to offer you a refund, that's usually a bad sign. That means that they messed up, but they're trying to get out of it. All right, let's move on here. Didn't get much press that story, by the way, but it deserves more. By the way, you may wonder why they they had to do all these phone calls to supervisors and stuff. Uh, William Hill, as I said, that's an established company that's been around for a long time, which makes this even more surprising. But the reason they did not uh, they, they had to make these calls is is these William Hill Sportsbook locations are pretty much just physical locations you can place the bets, but they usually don't have anybody on property that either works for William Hill or, or is high enough up in the totem pole to make these type of decisions. So that's why supervisors at William Hill have to deal with it. That's why they had to be called. It's a little different than the old school type of Vegas sportsbook, of which there's still many of them, where it's actually the casino itself operating the sportsbook. So... Interesting story involving Aussie Matt Kirk and Leon Sukernik. We've talked about them a lot on this show. Last year, there was an incident where Aussie Matt was playing a very high-stakes match heads-up against uh, Leon Sukernik. Sukernik, who is the owner of King's Casino, which has a partnership with the World Series of Poker. That's in the King's Casino is in Czechoslovakia, by the way. Sukernik is a high-stakes poker player himself. He doesn't have the best reputation. He's seen as kind of shady. But he's also known to be a sore loser to the point where he will allege cheating where it doesn't exist to avoid paying people. And the interesting thing is Sukernik is one who is not seen as one who's trying to not pay people to save money, but rather to save his own ego, that he feels that if he can convince himself that someone cheated, then he didn't really lose. Then he doesn't have to suffer the humiliation of losing. And to him, if he pays someone, then that's admitting the match was valid. But if he doesn't pay them and claims they were cheating, then it's like the whole match never happened because he was cheated. And then he can feel better that he didn't really get outplayed. So, last year, Matt Kirk and Leon Sukernik were playing one another. And Sukernik was very drunk. Aussie Matt tried to end the match. Uh, Sukernik demanded that uh, 
Matt Kirk loan him money so they could continue playing after Sukernik had busted his uh, funds that he had brought with him uh, and threatened that he would never play him again unless he loaned him this money. So knowing that he's the owner of the King's Casino and has a lot of money, uh, Matt Kirk felt he was probably good for it and loaned him $2 million, which then Matt Kirk won right back. So Sukernik owed him $2 million, and then Sukernik ended up accusing him of a number of things and refusing to pay him. There was a lawsuit about this filed in Las Vegas, and then there were some initial rulings on it that were not very favorable to Matt Kirk, basically saying that the $2 million was an unenforceable gambling debt, which I didn't agree with. I I don't think it was a gambling debt because they were playing a valid game in a licensed casino. This happened in the Aria. So it's not like they were playing in someone's living room and then someone didn't want to pay the other after losing. That's an, that's an unenforceable gambling debt. But, but this was a loan given to Sukernik by Matt Kirk to gamble in a legal casino with and play a legal approved game. So it was a loan first and then legal gambling second. So it's not an unenforceable gambling debt. That's crazy. But nevertheless, those were the initial rulings by the court. So Matt Kirk still had a few avenues he could pursue, but it had really hurt his case. But then we we hadn't heard in the last few months any further developments. Well, apparently, Sukernik and Matt Kirk, despite the bitterness that led to an actual lawsuit, they kissed and made up. So according to a post on 2 Plus 2, they actually had uh, met, after all this was going on, after the lawsuit and everything, they actually met in Canada, where apparently Sukernik contacted Matt Kirk and said, you know, here, I'm going to fly you to Canada so we can discuss this whole thing. I don't know why Canada, but they, they met in Canada to discuss this whole thing again and came to some kind of settlement. The uh, the exact settlement was not disclosed, but uh, that's, this is what was claimed by a, a poster on 2 Plus 2 who had never posted before, who registered an account just to post this, and that was that. So if that's true, then the lawsuit is over and they've settled. Well, that's interesting by itself, but what's even more interesting is that there was actually a high-stakes poker game that took place involving several people, including Aussie Matt and Leon Sukernik. So apparently they're they're past whatever happened, and then they're playing poker again. Now, this was not heads up, but they were playing each other in a a very high-stakes game. And this is reported on Poker News on May 4th. This was uh, known as the the big game. And it's uh, sometimes broadcast as as part of uh, party poker. Some kind of broadcast they do. But uh, a PLO game 
with insane limits was running. They had been playing 100-200 no limit, which is already a big game. Not huge, but pretty damn big. Uh, the highest I've ever played no limit cash is 2040, which is actually fairly recently, believe it or not. But uh, they were playing 100, 200, no limit, which depending on how big the stacks are in that game, it can play very, very big. But then they changed it to PLO, Pot Limit Omaha. And they kept kicking up the stakes over the next two days, and at one point, the stakes were 4,000, 8,000 blinds with straddles of uh, 16,000 or 32,000. Oh, that's crazy. That's the blinds. And this is not a limit game. Can you imagine a 4,000, 8,000 PLO game? Wow. Anyway, uh, Matt Kirk and Leon Sukernik were there, as were uh, Rob Young, who also got involved in trying to settle this uh, dispute last year. Uh, a guy who called himself The Wolf, who is a regular at Sukernik's King's Casino. Uh, Sam Trickett. Lauren Roberts. And someone else named John Savadis. They were all in this game. During the game, Matt and Leon were friendly to one another. It was like this all never happened. So, the game started off as a... I guess it was actually 100, 200, 400. PLO. Then it became 500, 500, 1,000. With straddles to 2,000 and 4,000. And the game was commented on by uh, James Dempsey, also known as Flushy, and Mike Sexton at some point were commenting on it. The game ran uh, for several days in a row with only small breaks. So there's some very big pots, as you might imagine. Uh, There was one where... Sukernik won a $763,000 pot from Sam Trickett. Then uh, there's another one with uh, Rob Young winning uh, one off Sukernik of uh, almost a million dollars, $941,000. This is, in, again, it's uh, 500 1,000 game with a straddles of 2,000 to 4,000. For those of you that don't know, by the way, a straddle is where people are forced to put in an additional bet. They're not on the blinds, but they actually put in an additional bet to start the hand. And then they have the option to raise again. They act last before the flop, and then they have an option to raise again. Uh, Then... Leon Sukernik, uh, he'd won a $770,000 pot off none other than Matt Kirk. So that was another big pot. So anyway, when it was all said and done, those are the big pots, but uh, when it was all said and done, 
Matt Kirk was down a lot for the final day. He was already down coming in. He was down coming into the final day. The sum of... One million dollars. Even more. He was actually down... Where did my article go here? No, he was, he was, you know what? He was actually down a million. That's exactly what he was down. A million dollars. And then on the final day, he lost another $3.7 million. So Matt Kirk lost $4.7 million in that game. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, he's backed, but still. That's, that's, imagine losing $4.7 million in one game. I can't, I can't even imagine that. I, I don't know how much money I'd have to have to where I could lose $4.7 million in, in one poker game and feel okay about it. I mean, that's just insane money. Even, even if I had a billion dollars, I'd be thinking, you know, it's still $4.7 million. That can buy so much. Leon Sukernik, how did he do? He won $2.8 million that day. And overall won three and a half million. Joey Ingram actually uh, did a three-hour show commenting on the game, which is up on his YouTube channel. So, after all the history they had last year, they go play again in this, uh, wasn't a heads-up game, but in this, like, what, six-handed game? And Sukranik ends up winning three and a half million, and Matt Kirk ends up losing four point seven million. Awful. <laughs> and Kirk was definitely in the right in that first situation, by the way. Matt Kirk hundred percent was in the right. So I mean he didn't handle it the best, but he was in the right. I'm going to move on here. Real talk is in the chat saying Cliff's, meaning Cliff's notes on why Druff quit 2 plus 2. Uh, go read the Phil Galfon thread on there. You'll understand it. You know, the news, news views gossip. Go read that thread, like the last 10 pages. Very, very briefly, it's because Mason's just like really rude and bitter toward me and I don't feel like contributing there anymore. So here, here's a f- amusing story about the World Series of Poker and their chips. Something that very few people know about. But apparently happened. And uh, they... Suppose they're going to have a new. They're going to have new chips this year, all because of uh, a little trick pulled by chip collectors on them. The, the World Series of Poker got clowned by chip collectors, of all things. 
Uh, let me find this article here. It's on my own site, but I'm having trouble finding it. Okay, here we go. So, Devadi, who who doesn't usually participate that much in the serious discussions on Poker Fraud Alert, he doesn't talk much about poker strategy or about uh, casinos or any of that type of stuff. He just kind of likes to troll the Flying Stupidity Forum. He's been around in this community a long time. I've never met him in person, but he's from Ohio. But something I learned about him, on, on April 20th, he posted in the Casinos in Las Vegas section of Poker Fraud Alert, WSOP replacing all of their chips. He said, I'm a member of a poker chip forum, which is called PokerChipForum.com. It's basically a forum for chip nerds, people who make custom sets, sell, buy chips, etc. Now, what he's saying here is there's a lot of people who collect chips from casinos, and this forum is actually for people who either collect chips or make their own or buy and sell them. So this this includes people who would make chips, just kind of custom chips of their own, or ones who collect chips from other casinos, you know, just, just get chips and keep them. But uh, interesting story that came out of there that Devity reported. So, the chip manufacturer for most casinos is called Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-O-N, the main chip manufacturer for most casinos. Uh, they used to also sell chips for home games or, or just you know, basically for the average gambler who wants to buy chips from them. But they they quit that. They only make them for casinos now. So any kind of Paulson chipset, especially a mint set that has never been touched, is more valuable and sought after by people who are into these chips. So some of the members of this forum, PokerChipForum.com, came up with an idea to trick Paulson into making a new set. Now remember, you can't go to Paulson anymore and say, hey, I'm an individual, please make me this chipset. So they pretended that they were opening up two new cruise ships and that these two cruise ships were going to have casinos on them and they needed chips made for them. (laughs) So Paulson said, okay. We're not open to the individual market, but sure, if, if you're... A cruise company, you're putting on cruises and you need chipsets for your games on the cruise? Sure, we'll, we'll, we'll do that for you. And they actually, uh, they pulled together their resources there to buy enough chips to where it really seemed legitimate. So they weren't buying just like a few hundred chips, so that wouldn't make any sense. They, they bought... Uh, Tens of thousands of chips. It seemed legitimate. So, these supposed cruise ships 
were buying chips that, well, some of them, not all of them, but some of the chips they bought were modeled off of the WSOP chips that currently exist. So somehow Paulson was convinced to make chips that was that were very similar to the existing WSOP chips. And they thought they were making them for a cruise ship, and, you know, what's, what's the harm going to be in that? They didn't even bother to check, I guess. They just saw a design and said, okay, this looks good enough, fine, we'll make it. And they just figured that these cruise, these chips would be used on a cruise ship, and that would be that, and no big deal, right? Except there was no cruise ship. It was just individuals on this PokerChipForum.com tricking Paulson into making custom sets again for, for the home market. So this got back to Caesars who found out that tens of thousands of chips that were very similar to their World Series chips were now in the hands of those on PokerChipForum.com. So the World Series of Poker was supposedly very angry about this and contacted Paulson and said, You idiots! What did you just do? You, you just ruined the security of our chips! So Paulson agreed, since it was their mistake, that uh, they were going to replace all of the World Series of Poker's chips for free. So they're going to come up with a new design, that they're going to do it for free. And all the old World Series of Poker chips are going to be taken out out of circulation. And new ones will be showing up this year, all because of a few chip nerds on PokerChipForum.com who tricked the manufacturer into making chips that uh, look like the World Series of Poker chips. So it's kind of an end of an era because I, you know, these chips have been the same since they came to the Rio. It first came to the Rio in 2005. That's also the first year I played. And those same chips that I used that year are still be, were still being used in 2017. So I'm so used to seeing those chips, it's going to be weird to see new ones. There are some alternate chipsets they have that they will use for various reasons. But uh, usually it's the same chipset. is green 25 25 tournament chip 100 is black 500 is light blue 1000 is uh, yellow 5000 is orange Uh, 25,000 is purple I think Anyway, they're probably better off doing this anyway because these chips have existed for too long and I've always wondered how many people have extra chips sitting at home that they swiped? How many people may have uh, swiped chips off their stack when at the point when 1,000 or 5,000 chips is worth just about nothing because you're so late in the event? How many people may have counterfeited at some point? You know, how many people have, have chips that they are sneaking into these events to illegally chip up their stacks? So I, I think it's good that 
they're replacing him anyway. I bet Paulson would never make that mistake again. I'm sure they're going to be verifying every kind of request they get in the future. I think they just figured tens of thousands of chips being ordered, you know, seems legit. Why wouldn't it be? Except it wasn't. So, Tony Big Charles, we've talked about him before on this show. Yes, that's his real name, Tony Big Charles. It sounds like a gangster's name. He's actually a short, strange-looking guy with Asperger's, and he admits this, that he has Asperger's, who has been part of the poker and gambling community in Vegas for quite some time. He has a blog on Blogspot. Uh, His... Handle online is 7card2003. If you just Google that, you'll find his Twitter. You'll find a Poker Fraud Alert article. He also has a a blog. I think it's 7card2003.blogspot.com, but I believe it's gone. Uh, He's not exactly uh, socially appropriate. He's a very strange guy. He does some strange things. He He's a low-limit player for the most part. He subsists on uh, you know playing low-limit poker and living as cheaply as possible, though he will sometimes play blackjack or mid-stakes poker above his bankroll. He used to always post his current bankroll up on his Twitter whether you have a, a winning or losing day. Usually the bankroll was in the neighborhood of $10,000. Sometimes less, sometimes more, but never a whole lot. So, people have suspected for some years, because of his psychological issues, that maybe something eventually will happen with him that is bad. He's just unstable. So, back in uh, November 2017, he was staying at a hotel at the Golden Gate Casinos, and uh, his quest for a comp drink led him to losing like thousands of dollars, like blackjack, where just because he didn't know how to use the coffee maker, he tried to get a comp coffee, he had to play some blackjack, and he started running bad, then he started kicking his bets up higher and higher and losing more and more. Now, he's a card counter, so he probably was playing a positive expectation game, just running badly, and and he lost thousands of dollars. Well, he melted down there. This is what he wrote. And I already reported this before on the show, but it sets up the thing I'm going to tell you after this. He wrote at the time on his blog, I was asked by two new guys who didn't see the losses how I was doing and if I minded them sitting, and I told them exactly what I was thinking. Don't ask if you don't wish to know. I told them I could care less if the dealer and his mother died in a serious car accident, and I hope they went broke, became homeless, and lost everything they had, because it happened to me, it happened to them too. 
I told them how I felt about them hiring dealers who weren't white and foreigners and how to be illegal because it's racist because you shouldn't have to be Asian to get hired, unfair to blacks, whites, etc., and all non-Asian people. I told them how my main goal is to make sure no one had a good time unless I was too and how people should be executed uh, for watching and how rude it is. And especially if they're just out to have a good time not caring how this would affect the others who take the game seriously. I told them this casino should be burned to the ground and how I prayed it took place soon. And then he apparently asked them to kick him out so he wouldn't keep losing. And then he asked them to escort him to his car because he was afraid that after his racist tirade there that people may want to kick his ass. So they did. They they kicked him out and escorted him to his car. Uh, then he wrote another blog shortly after that, ranting weird stuff about women and gays and hoping that we return to the the way the world was before World War II. <laughs> so that was uh, that was in November, but he didn't get arrested or anything. He just uh, raised eyebrows. Oh, I see. So he was his blog was actually suspended or not suspended. It wasn't suspended. It was that uh, he made it invitation only because he doesn't want the wrong people reading it and getting him in trouble again. The reason that is is because he did get in trouble. On April 29, 2018, John Mahaffey, who is a poker reporter, he uh, also a gambling reporter, he writes, he writes uh, on uspoker.com, he wrote, Tony Big Charles was arrested this afternoon in what appears to be a charge related to a blog post he made today. That was April 29th. Indeed, it did show on April 29th, Big Charles Tony W., age 49, and he was arrested for making threats, false info, active terrorism, weapon of mass destruction. Wow. So what did he do? Terrorist threats. What did he do? Well, this is what he wrote. This this was the part that uh, got the attention of the police. But the police didn't just find this on their own. I'll get to that shortly. He wrote, How can anyone be expected to play good poker or gamble at their best when they're always stressed out about money all the time? So much they can't take care of their doctor needs or their identification card needs. It's too much to work without a full-time assistant able to do everything for me since I'm incapable to do it. I see people out having a good time and not a care in the world, and I just wish they were dead and that I could be the one to arrange it, to do something that would get my name in the papers on TV forever like so many others have done. To kill people simply for being happy and not having to sweat the hustle every day to survive like I do. For I can never be happy. Happy is only a luxury for the top 1% who never have to worry about their bills. People constantly worrying about meeting their basic needs can't be happy unless they're drunk or high, which is why so many destroy their lives that way. They do anything to dull their pain so they can be happy. It takes money to be happy and lots of it. So embedded in that little rant was that uh, he wants to kill people for being happy and get his name in the news for doing so. So, who does that might who does that remind you of a bit? Maybe uh, Elliot Roger, the UCSB killer. Maybe Stephen Paddock, even though we don't know why he did what he did. So, of course, in Las Vegas, they're especially sensitive to this. So they arrested him and charged him with 
making false threats and uh, active terror. $20,000 bail. I thought he was going to be in jail for a long time and maybe be sentenced to a, a, pr- a prison sentence. I, I, I thought that we wouldn't be hearing from him for a while, but no. Uh, somehow he got out. Somehow he got uh, released, and uh, I was very surprised to see that. He does have a court date on uh, May 15th, so I guess he's not completely out of the woods. Uh, He says, I'm going to be deleting Twitter soon. This is posted after he was released. I think I need to not be tempted to ever post on social media again. I'm tired of every casino knowing who I am and not being anonymous. Uh, as much as I wish to delete this account that's on Twitter, I can't till I have another contact, another to contact three to four people I only know through Twitter. Uh, all the money in my inmate debit card has been put into my checking account. I don't know what that means. So, anyway. There was. It turned out that he was reported by a guy who calls himself the Poker Grump. He was the one who actually reported Tony, and he came out and admitted it. So, the Poker Grump wrote a blog stating that uh, he was afraid that if he did not report this, that if something happened, that. the blow would be on his hands for not letting people know in advance. So he admitted to having done this, and uh, he said he felt bad about it, but uh, he said he had to do it. He said, Tony has made threats of both suicide and violence against others before at varying degrees in vagueness, But if memory serves, they've always been accompanied by disclaimers along the lines of, of course, I would never do that. Uh, Explaining that he's a coward at heart and that he wouldn't want to go to hell. It weighed on me that there was no such disclaimer in either of yesterday's alarming communications. Maybe that omission was inadvertent, but it seemed that it might be significant. The line about getting his name on TV and in the newspapers also seemed to me it added like a new element of scariness and seriousness I had not detected in his previous outbursts. So what happened was uh, he called the security at the Hoover Dam Lodge where Tony was staying at the time and then uh, they said that they were going to uh, call police. The funny thing was that uh, he tried to direct them to, to his blog, and, and security at the Hoover Dam Lodge was unable to like figure out how to read his blog. He had to like give them step by step instructions on how to read his blog. So after they did, the uh, security guy called the poker grump back and said, "Okay, we're calling nine one one." So I don't know where this stands right now with Tony Big Charles, but he has locked up his uh, his blog to where you have to be invited to read it. 
I'm assuming he only had like trusted people. Not not that the police couldn't access it, but he's still posting on Twitter though. Like he he posted on Twitter three minutes ago. So you can still find him at twitter.com slash seven card two thousand three. Okay. Let's see how much longer I'm gonna go here. I'm getting very tired. If I don't sound tired to you, I'm doing a good job faking it. I'm very tired. I think I'm going to do this Miami John topic, and then and I'll see if I feel like doing the one after about the Atlantic City casinos. Miami John Cernudo was a pretty well-known poker player. You've probably heard of him if you've been around poker for a while. He's not young. He's 74. But he's he's an old school poker player. He has three bracelets. Uh, he has 65 caches in the World Series of Poker. He also had three WBT final tables, one EPT final table. The three poker bracelets, three World Series of Poker bracelets he has are a 1996 $1,500 seven card split, 1997 $2,000 no limit hold'em, and 2002 $1,500 limit Obaha. So, he actually does have 5.5 million worth of poker caches, but of course that doesn't mean much if he entered more than that in buy-ins, but a lot of poker players go broke. By the way, he he has cashed, I don't know if he's done it since, I don't know if he did in 2017, but it says here in this article between 92 and 2016, which is a uh, 25-year stretch, he cashed in at least one event at the World Series of Poker each of those years. So he had a 25-year streak going of cashing in the World Series of Poker. Let's see if I can look at his Hendon mob, see if he did in 2017. Otherwise, the streak is broken. Let me see. He he most recently cashed, by the way, on May 2nd in a $350 Omaha 8 Stud 8 tournament. But he, let's see if he cashed the World Series. Um, yes. He cashed a $3,000 horse. He cashed in $1,500 seven-card stud. I think that's it. Yeah. Played a lot of other tournaments, but. Those are the two he cashed at the World Series. Anyway, uh, so he's cashed now 26 straight years at the World Series. I have a similar streak going, about half that streak. I've I've cashed 13 straight years at the World Series, 05 through 17.
So I don't know how many events he's entering. Anyway, he tweeted the other day that he witnessed something pretty interesting at the Orleans Hotel. I think it was the Orleans. Actually, I don't know where it was. But he witnessed somewhere in Vegas. He said, just witnessed the world's dumbest, craziest jackpot story. For $78,000 in a 4-8 limit hold'em game, you would think a guy with pocket aces who made quad aces and got beaten by a royal could get $10 into the pot. Nope, disqualified because the pot was only $8. But then he said, just a follow-up to the bad beat jackpot story. It was the Orleans. Yeah, it's at the Orleans last night. Even if the pot had gotten up to $10, they still would have been disqualified. During the hand, the player with quad aces stated that he had four aces and wasn't betting. It was like a scene out of Dumb and Dumber. So the guy noticed he had quad aces and told everyone. So uh, this way, the maximum number of people could stay in and a jackpot would hit. And that's exactly why they disallow that. If you mention your hand while you're playing and it affects the action, then... There's no jackpot. And basically they do that because they don't want people staying in and soft playing each other to artificially make a jackpot happen. For example, let's say you have quad aces. Let's say you have pocket aces and the board is ace-ace-seven. And the sevens of diamonds, okay? Now let's say someone in the game has 6-10 of diamonds. Well, you've missed that board pretty badly. 8-8-7, you can't do much worse than that with 10-6. But let's say you hear that uh, someone has quad aces and that if you can somehow make a straight a runner run a straight flush by getting the 8 and 9 of diamonds, they, the table will get the big jackpot. Well, at that point, in a low-limit game like this, maybe everybody will collude and just check it down so maybe someone can get lucky and hit one of those weird uh, backdoor straight flushes. Whereas if betting was normal, the person would have been bet off uh, on the flop and that would have been that. So that, that's why they don't allow the talking about it. So he says someone mentioned right away they had quad aces and nobody should bet, so they all pretty much checked it down and someone ended up making a royal flush and uh, it, it was declared no jackpot because, number one, there's only $8 in the whole pot. And number two, that uh, they had discussed it during the hand. So pretty stupid of them to have done this. But I don't know what's sadder, the fact that this happened or the fact that Miami John Cernudo, winner of three bracelets and cashing at the World Series 26 years in a row, is actually at a 4-8 limit hold'em game in the Orleans. And you may say, well, maybe he wasn't at that game. Maybe it was the game, the table next to his or something like that. Well... The Orleans does not have any big games. So whatever game he was playing at the Orleans is pretty sad. So you think of someone like Miami Johnson Nudo, you just picture they have a lot of money from poker. You don't picture they're playing 4-8 limit hold'em. Now maybe he was there to play with a friend or just uh, you know for other reasons or maybe he just happened to be over there when this occurred. So maybe he wasn't in the game, but I think he was in the game. <laughs> All right, I'm going to quickly close out with a thing with the Revel Hotel. Why not? The Revel and the Trump Taj Mahal, because it's our last topic, and I might as well finish out the show. 
So the Trump Taj Mahal and Revel Casino are two closed properties that were once a big deal in Vegas. And they closed. They had different histories. Uh, the Taj Mahal was there for a few decades, uh, fell into disrepair and really became a has-been. And yeah, eventually closed. And then the Revel was a, an expensive new project in the 2010s that cost uh, $2.4 billion to build. But it was laid out very poorly and they made a lot of mistakes with operations and the whole thing failed and it, that closed as well. And then it sold for huge bargains, first for only uh, $86 million, and then it was resold – or $82 million, and then it was resold for $200 million. But it cost $2.4 billion to build, so someone really took a bath on that one. I say some company really took a bath on that one. So since then, there have been you know, various sales of these properties and a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. But it looks like both of them are ready to open back up. The Trump Taj Mahal was completely changed in theme. They, they're running away from what it once was, and it will reopen as the Hard Rock. So it's 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 going to be the Hard Rock. It's going to open up on June twenty eighth, two thousand eighteen. There will be no sign that it was once the Taj, other than the location, but the the entire look and feel of the hotel has been changed. They've already lined up performances. I don't know if it's for the date of the 28th or, or sometime shortly after that, but the performances at the Hard Rock will include Stone Temple Pilots, Counting Crows, Blake Shelton, Florida Georgia Line, Steely Dan, and Amy Schumer. Hard Rock International Chairman Jim Allen said, We think it's a great start. It demonstrates our commitment that we are about entertainment and not just about casino, but certainly we look forward to continuing to book more acts and even larger acts. There's some amazing acts on that list, but certainly I think the best is yet to come. So, it had been closed since October 2016. It opened in 1990. Donald Trump took way too much debt on the property in 1990 to build and operate it. It just never was able to do well even though it was popular at one point. So that is reopening as the Hard Rock and no Trump's not involved on June 28th. But on June 28th another casino is reopening with a different name and theme. The former Revel was going to reopen under the name 10, T-E-N, but that ended up not happening. But it was sold again and is going to reopen as the Ocean Resort Casino. It opened in April 2012 originally as the Revel. Cost $2.4 billion to build. Only lasted for two and a half years, closing in September 2014. They really bungled the design of that one. That was the biggest problem. And Atlantic City was also in decline. So 
despite that, they are reopening two casinos. I think it's a mistake. I don't think the Atlantic City market is big enough to support two casinos added back into the market. I think Atlantic City is a has-been, and a lot of people who used to go there have since moved on to properties closer to where they are, such as uh, Foxwoods. Atlantic City was once the only place on the East Coast that you could gamble, and that is not true anymore by a long shot. So, I think it's a mistake. I think these are going to flop, too. But we shall see. And if they don't flop, if they, they, maybe they'll take the business of other casinos there, but I don't think it's going to be an expanded business model. I think that they're saturated already there for what the market still is. So I think at this point, if these succeed, others will fail. I don't think AC is a place that new casinos need to open. All right, I made it through. I made it through the whole thing. Got really tired towards the end. But I made it through. It's done. Next show, we should have a nice free roll. Even nicer one than this week, I think. (coughs) Will be May 20th. May 20th, 2018 at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Can you believe that? It's going to be an earlier show than usual. Not a nighttime show. It'll probably be done at night, but it's going to be a show starting... At 5 p.m. Pacific, it'll be light outside pretty much everywhere in the U.S. Even on the East Coast, it'll still be a little bit light at uh, 5 o'clock Pacific when we start. It'll be 8 o'clock over there. Maybe even some of you Europeans can listen if you're up late that night. So it'll be Sunday, May 20th. See Money will be listening in a plane. Then we'll be on Sunday again. Sunday, May 27th will be the next show. And then next show after that will be June 6th, live from Las Vegas at the World Series of Poker. So if you want to buy a piece of me, you can email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. You can PM me, danspacedruff, on the forum, or you can text me, 775-372-8355. Thank you to Eric Benzamokin for the generous donation for the free roll. Thank you everybody else who donated to the free roll. For the 561, we got a text earlier today. Can you start radio at a reasonable time, like 9 EST? This West Coast time is BS. No, it's not. This is a West Coast biased show. I've said that the whole time. We're not changing that. It's always going to be this way. Deal with it. So... Uh, I am tired. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad this is done. I, I was so happy to be back. I was excited to do the show, but I'll tell you, the last two hours, I kind of just wanted to shut it down and just tell you guys, tough luck, I'm not doing the rest of the topics. But I wrote it through. I think I'll be back next week. I, th- I think this cold is pretty much over with. And hopefully we'll have a regular schedule as much as we can during the World Series. That's all. Thank you, Trader Risky and Kawat. Good night and shalom. <laughs>